Wall Street and biotechnology companies have been very excited about this idea. And what essentially it is, is trying to hack the cells in the body in order to make them into drug factories. Welcome to the Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Thursday, May 26, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. Got a very jam-packed show planned for you. Pretty much everything that seemed to have been going on in the last couple of days that I want to try to get in there and discuss and let you guys know my thoughts on. Of course, of many that I, I just want to start off by saying I, I just simply can't express in words all of how amazing it was to get all of the heartfelt letters and comments and thoughts about what I've been going through, and I just really want you all to know how much it meant to me. I just no way I can get back to everybody, like every comment. There's been so many I just can't even take the time to look at. Many that I'm having a hard time engaging with just at the moment, but. Just want you all to know how much it meant to me that you all care so much. This community is just everything. This community is exactly what we need to build everywhere else. People that care about each other, people that respect each other's opinions, that are open to objective conversation. You know, everything they call conspiracy theory, you know, just afraid of because they can't allow you to think for yourselves. But thank you for joining me today. And I apologize that I've been gone. Let's get into some important information. I want to start off with a a couple of shout outs, but just in general today, I mean, I could, I guess like just really quickly, the bottom line is we're going to have a big focus on monkeypox today, but really to the idea of that, what I see this as a test of sorts. Now, I don't know if I'm correct in this as always, I let you think for yourselves, but I feel like this has been more of a, a dry run. doesn't mean it can't turn into something. And that's kind of the point. Anything can. And also the end of the show today, the focal point of the end part of the segment on the WHO yet again, because that's the point there. That's where this is going, that this is going to get to a point to where they can just snap their fingers or point in a certain direction. And you won't have a choice anymore as much as they're trying to fact check that right now, which we'll also get to. They're going, of course, they can't make you do that. Well, yeah, right now they can't. Nowhere in those fact checks do they go, except they're literally outlining how they're going to do that tomorrow. Of course, there's great journalism and their fact checks where they just omit the obvious reality of what they're talking about. But the bottom line is that's where this all seems to go. So whether monkeypox was meant to be something or it, it, it was just an organic thing that happened, they took advantage of, it feels like something they were sort of testing the waters in or something that they were using to test the waters and see how we would respond and see how quickly people wore masks or maybe just to implement those things, maybe just to remind us, yeah, you're still in danger. Do it. Do these things, lock yourself down, wear a mask, take these injections you don't need. And and meanwhile, behind all of it, COVID is continuing to be forced in. Vaccines are still being administered and forced and coerced. And I'm not even making this up. People don't even realize that's still happening. In Rhode Island, one thing I'll talk about today is the literally charging people double the income tax if their children were uninjected with the COVID injections for things they don't need. Meanwhile, they're going, yeah, myocarditis is still a risk. So you're forcing children and parents to do something you know increases their risk. And nobody seems to care about this because we're pointing in 11 different directions. 
school shootings in Ukraine and everything else going on. And we'll talk about that today too. It's just incredible to see what's going on today. It's almost like you take a couple of days off and the whole world flips over. I mean, it's, it's, I think that's the whole point of the 24-hour news cycle. It's incredible. But we'll get into a lot today. To start, I want to give a shout out to Float for making our last, uh, the, my, or my interview with Char- Charlie Robinson, uh, podcast of the week, which I, th- I thought was a really, really big honor for Float. So I think that's pretty cool. And it was a really great conversation. I really, I, I plan to do more of those with Charlie. I really enjoy our conversations and I think he's a really great guy. So it's, and really intelligent is the point. So I think we should continue to do that, connect. So should everybody else as much as possible out there in the independent media. But shout out to this. And I hope you guys will check out this interview. It was really, a really a good one. Now, I want to go through a couple of things. Now, this is kind of a long start today. I mean, well, I guess for this show, we always have long starts. But this is more of a, not a quick couple of points. This is going to be a couple of interesting little diving points I want to make. And this is just because of how much has been going on. But these are some interesting things to point out here. So first of all, ABC News. Experts warn of emergency which the first two questions you should have is what experts, which they don't, I'll show you what they're, I guess, making experts, people in other political positions making commentary about Trump are apparently now experts, or they don't cite the experts, which make them terrible, ridiculous people, bad journalists, whatever you want to call them. Emergency, in quotes. So what's the emergency and who and what constitutes an emergency these days? Well, whatever they say it does. That's my point, but that's really the point in this article. As Trump-backed election deniers could win primary races. Well, oh no. You mean they could go through a legitimate legal process, as they frame it, by the way, a legitimate legal process and get votes and tally them and win? And that's a problem? Oh no, democracy in action, dangerous. (laughs) Please hear me as I'm being facetious because I don't believe we have a democracy. I don't think your vote counts. And I definitely don't think these elections do anything other than give you the illusion of process. Now, of course, that's super dangerous to say in our fake world. But the bottom line, though, guys, is why is this a problem? This is just like the Roe versus Wade thing I point out. Of course, you can have an opinion. You can think it's the worst thing ever that this legal process went the way you didn't want it to. But you can't stand up and freak out and tip the table over when the process that you scream is paramount to democracy just simply goes the legal direction you don't want it to. That shows you how childish, plugging their ears, stomping their feet, these people are. That's not just Democrats, but this right now seems to be the focal point. I want us to see how ridiculous this is. Just wait till we read through it. So the bottom line, the real quick takeaway, which you should never just do, please never just read a title and Google. That's a title skimmer. That's very, that's the worst people out there. Election deniers could win primary races. So they're saying election deniers. First of all, people that are denying the election that they say was stolen from Trump. Now, you can get into that whole swamp, which you should. There's a lot there. My point has always been that all of them are cheating all the time. That's simply the reality. And I've proven this to you. Going back as many elections as you want. You can even go back a previous couple elections and the Democrats will be pointing and saying that they were cheating. Except then you go to this current one and they go, well, it never happens. How dare you challenge our democracy? They, th- they just think you're that stupid. You're not. That's the point. That's why I think everybody sees through it. The one thing they do that works is tricking everybody to think that they're the minority. I don't believe for a second that people are stupid enough to fall for this kind of dumb, childish manipulation. But the point is they're denying elections, even though all of them do that all the time and they're doing it right now. They do it overseas. They do it when they're net. It's, it's ridiculous. But then you're saying they, they're denying it, but you're about to deny their election. 
Do you not realize how like on its face ridiculous that is? So you're allowed, it's okay when they do it, it's bad, but we're allowed to challenge their elections because they're bad people. So it all comes down to your subjective opinion and you being morally superior. Therefore, when you do it, it's okay. I hope you guys see the overarching point there to everything that's happening everywhere around the world. Well, when we do it, it's okay, right? When we destroy the countries for freedom, that's okay, though, because we're yelling freedom. We're doing it for good reasons. That's everything. Everything everywhere right now. I swear, I can't stop seeing that. And that's, I mean, I just, funny enough, I wasn't even, I didn't even think about this until just now. We, I just went and saw a movie just trying to get my head out of my, get out of my head. And the whole, I mean, just you guys, probably just so you guys could, I don't, I mean, it was entertaining. I like Marvel movies, but they're just so packed full, overwhelmingly with propaganda. And this was the new Doctor Strange movie. And I got to tell you, I don't think I've ever in my life seen a movie so blatantly propagandizing. It was so, I mean, it was from, from the, the blue star fighting the red, the Russia versus U.S., from the main character's girl they were saving. Her name was America. And the whole point of it was how America learned the lessons to trust herself and to fight back and to trust that we were doing, that she, even though it was destroying things, was doing it for good reasons. I'm not even making this up. This was literally the plot of the movie. And it's blatant. Anyway, I'm getting off on a tangent. Okay, so the point is that they're willing to make this out to be that when we do the wrong thing, it's okay because we're the right people. I just can't stop seeing that everywhere. But yeah, Batman, I mean, everything, guys. I mean, you can't... One little quick side note, if you take a step back into just when they were a little more transparent about this, I'm guaranteed they're hiding it from you now. Do you realize that basically every single movie that's made, I shouldn't say it like that, but most movies are involved, have involvement from propaganda, from the military, from the CIA, from the Department of Justice... Movies like Toy Story have like a DOD content. I'm not even making this up. You can look this stuff up. The reason is because they propagandize you. They want you to be pro-America, pro-military, and fight for freedom, and it's all about that. Some people think that's okay. I think that's pretty disgusting because it's not about what you want. It's about forcing the ideas they want you to think into your head. It's everything. Now, going forward, here's the couple points I want to make. Oh, I thought I think I had something else in there. Anyway, so here is the experts. I just want to make that really clear, first of all. What are these so-called experts warn who are they're warning of something? I'm not even kidding, guys. The only people they reference in here, first of all, is this Minnesota Secretary of State, a Democrat, which I don't know why that would be considered an expert on Trump election deniers. Well, of course, because all Democrats know for sure what they're supposed to think. <laughs> and I would say the same thing about all the Republicans know for sure what all Democrats do. It's just as stupid, guys. All the two-party paradigm stuff is subjective and childish. But this new crop of candidates is really alarming because they seem not to have those same values. They seem to be driven by an outcome. You mean like winning an election? Yeah, because no Democrats do that. It's all about what's best for everybody, right? Well, of course, you would, see, you would, you would step back because he's a better ruler of your life. It's not how they want you to see it. Are we really going to pretend like they don't just shoot for an outcome? It's only about, it's just so silly. Or how Republicans right now are pointing about how Biden is politicizing the shooting. You mean Republicans never politicize a topic for their own gain? Of course not. That's crazy town. You're a shill for Democrats. If you think. I mean, it's ridiculous. Some of these candidates have suggested they'll cease absentee and mail-in balloting and continue audits of the 2020 election. Oh, no. So you mean they're going to get elected on something that people elected them for and then do the thing they told them they were going to do? It doesn't matter if you don't like that. That's you being a child. This is something that's a legal process if they choose to do so, if they win and get elected. 
You see my point? It's just they don't like that these people might win and might do something that's well within their power because they don't agree with what they're doing. And they're making this whole article about how these people might get elected and ruin democracy. Now, you know what? I'll even give them the thing. Who knows? Maybe they're right and I'm missing the whole picture. But I still think it's ridiculous that they're willing to make this subjective argument that's based on they're going to do something they're allowed to do. Among other actions of the position's disposal that risk eroding voters' confidence. Hey, I hate to tell you guys, that's long since gone. I mean, it's a joke. I mean, this is my point. I hope Americans, especially those blindly lost in the two-party paradigm, that small fringe minority of this country right now, will stand back and look at what other people think about us. Now, that doesn't mean what they think about us is true. But if you take a quick stance or a quick look around the world about what other countries see us as and recognize that we don't see, it's ridiculous. This is a, we, what we have is ridiculous. Our politicians are more ridiculous than most of the people around the world. They're childish. They're subjective. They're emotional. It's not about anything other than propaganda today. So when we see this eroding voters' confidence, it's it's just because they want it to seem like what's been happening because of all of them is only one side or the other. Trump and his allies have not provided any proof of widespread fraud in the 2020 election. Patently false. I mean, ridiculously, catastrophically, red flag false. There has been undeniable evidence of election fraud on both sides. <laughs> yep, that's the truth, though, for all those that were, yeah, oh, damn it. Oh, I thought he was going to be on the Republican side there for a second. The point is, yes, Trump's team and his side has shown undeniable proof. And yes, in many cases, these court processes have been ridiculous. Because they're also subjectively led by different people who have political leanings. But so too did the Republicans, guys, and they do every single year. That's what the process is, is cheating as much as you can without getting caught. Former New Jersey Governor Christy Todd Whitman is one of the people speaking. And of course, because he's a Republican and speaking out against Trump, well, he's an expert, isn't he? That's the other person they're referencing. Only two people they reference that I can see, so apparently they're experts. Warned that if Trump were to get his loyalists in place, because that's what he's apparently moving chess pieces into place as somebody who's dictating. I mean, what's funny to me is that they're the ones saying this is democracy and that votes and ha the process and how dare you challenge that we don't have a democracy, yet literally suggesting that he's the one doing this so that, I mean, wouldn't that suggest then that we don't have a democracy? So you're willing to step on your own narrative because it makes Trump look bad. Childish. But it would presumably be much easier to ensure a loss that wouldn't happen again. So again, my point is, so if Trump gets these people in place, I guess the under point there is supposed to be that he'll do it illegally somehow. I guess that's just an assumption, but that's not what they're saying. People get elected, and then those people who are elected are in position to do things that would benefit the Republican Party. They want, they're framing this as if it's the end of everything. That's the process, guys. Whitman told ABC News, describing the thinking behind their strategy, quote, we change the laws so we can change the referee so we can change the outcomes. Are we going to pretend that's not exactly what every person in power and political side would do? Change the, that's what's happening right now. You're changing laws. You're changing international laws to benefit what you want to achieve. But yep, only the bad guy Trump. Of the 111 candidates Trump endorsed, in the 2022 midterms, more than 70% say they believe the 2020 election was fraudulent because it was. But well, we can't have them say that out loud. And as of this month, at least 23 election deniers, that's what they're calling them, were running for secretary of state in 18 states because, of course, they're the ones that would count the ballots. And what their blatant suggestion there is that they would be in position and they would cheat for Trump. Not necessarily that they're only going to go back and try to look in the 2020 and undermine confidence. They want you to hear this as they're going to manipulate the process. And that's why we can't allow it. 
Now, don't forget, in the beginning of all this in 2016, they, they were the ones that were literally standing up and saying that if Trump won, they weren't going to allow it. Even though they were the ones that in the beginning said that, they, and this, I'm talking about Trump's election, that they were going to be okay with whoever won. And Trump was the one that wouldn't say that. Right? So it's, it's, it's just subjective and ridiculous. It always has been. They think you can't remember 30 seconds ago when they contradicted themselves. Each of these contenders argues it's more important to continue pursuing the possible truth of his debunked claims about 2020. Despite the damage to democratic norms and erosion of voter confidence, there's the things that they're dumping on that. Why wouldn't they pursue something if they thought that there was illegal action? I'm not saying you have to agree with that. It's exactly what's happening now. Anyway, I just think that's such a relevant point. I'm sorry if you guys thought that was too much time on this point, but good God, guys, we need to see that this is such a childish back and forth. And the reality is they're all, I mean, I think this is exactly part of the problem is they want to create this ebb, this back and forth of like civil war level kind of stuff. And that's where this drives to. If you can undermine the entire presence of anybody, like this is like calling every single person on one side of this party, which they would argue is 50% of the country, which isn't really as all white supremacist Trump supporters. I mean, good God. That means they don't support you now. That means the president doesn't think you are his. He doesn't think he's the president of you. He's the president of his side. Even though they won't say that, that's what they're basically insinuating every time they make these points. Here's another example of something I think is absolutely ridiculous. Quick shift of gears here. There's all these points are sort of separate. Top FDA official says he didn't see whistleblowers baby formula plant complaint for four months. This is something that just went quietly under the radar, but this should have been outrageous. Everybody should have lost their minds about this. We've been talking about the baby formula discussion, or rather just the food supply issues, the shortages, the manufactured illusion that this was and is and continues to be as they blame Putin and Omicron for everything under the sun. This is an FDA official telling you that they didn't hear the information that they needed to hear about why this was happening for four months. There's no way that was an accident. A top FDA official said in an interview published Wednesday, he didn't see a whistleblower's complaint regarding Abbott's baby formula until four months after it had been sent. Well, it doesn't even matter the context, guys. The point is whistleblower information about what's going on shouldn't be withheld from the very people that need to see it to be able to make informed decisions. I'm not even suggesting that's what the FDA would have done. My simple point is that every single step of this process, you have people that are dishonest in powerful positions that are manipulating what happens. I don't know. I can't speak to whether it's always been like this since the beginning of our country, or the beginning of the FDA, but we need to be honest with ourselves right now and recognize how broken everything is, how broken these people are, and the fact that there are people that have their fingers on switches and levers along the way that can just break these things up. Now, they can always stand back and make plausible deniability and act like we did it because we thought it was the right thing at the moment. They would always rather be seen as incompetent than criminal, guys, and they are abusing that more than I've ever seen in my life. Okay, last point before we jump into the ISIS discussion, which is kind of kind of lead into the rest of it. This I just had to talk about early. Now, I could have talked about this in the Ukraine kind of part of it, but it's really specific, not even just to Ukraine. This really ties more to this opening part about propaganda. Russia's Vladimir Putin, quote, very ill with blood cancer. Secret recording says so. May 14th. Now, this I can't know. I'm not even going to say that this is true. I mean, this could be true. I don't know. The point is they don't know either. Is that's the that's the real point that they're broadly suggest? I mean, before I even get into it, look at how ridiculous this is. You will find every single outlet talking about this: Daily Mail, New York Newsweek, New York Post. I mean, from all parties, New York Times. They're all getting into this, jumping into this story and saying we don't know. Putin could be sick. 
Yeah, that's the point. We don't know. So are these people journalists or are they tabloid reporters? Look at his cheeks. They look puffy. His arms look weird. Let's talk about Putin. He stepped funny on those stairs. That's what they're doing. These are supposedly the top level journalists in our society. They're literally like a bunch of giggling girls talking about how Putin's face is puffy and maybe he's got cancer and using a bunch of really bad source material to argue that it could be. Meanwhile, there's an endless amount of things that we should be talking about that are catastrophically important right now. This is what you get. This is unbelievable to me. Russian President Vladimir Putin is very ill with blood cancer, an oligarch close to the Kremlin said in a secret recording obtained by New Lines magazine, which I don't even know of. Not that that should matter, but it's just some fringe thing that I've never heard of, in my opinion. But so what you get is an undisclosed anonymous oligarch, which basically they want you to figure out who it is. It's real, I'll show you what I mean. It's really ridiculous. They give you everything you could possibly need to figure out who this person is. But the point is, they don't tell you his name. It's an unknown oligarch close to the Kremlin that doesn't live in Russia on a secret recording that all you get is his voice. And they tell you, we know it's him because we heard his voice. And we know it's him. We won't tell you his name. And he says a bunch of things that you can't prove that he can't even possibly really know. But we're just going to dump this on you because we want you to think about how Putin's going to die. Now, ask yourself why. Is it because they're going to do something to him? Is there going to be a coup? Well, that's what this whole article talks about. I'm just throwing all kinds of hypotheticals out there. I am not suggesting that I know what's going on here. But again, the point is, they don't either. The type of cancer was unspecified. So why would you eat? For, here's the main, first of all, with all of these, or third of all, all these mainstream outlets, why, wouldn't they, why would they even report about this? If you're actually a journalist, the reporting comes when you have something to back up what you're saying, not subjective, secondhand hyperbole. That's ridiculous. That's what they've been doing with Ukraine the entire time. If they had some kind of insight into whether this was the truth, not somebody speaking off the cuff in a recording that you don't get about what he may have because he heard it from somebody else, because his rumors are all over the place. But then we go with the type of cancer is unspecified. So now we're jumping from other points around it to talk about this as if it's already been, that's what all of them are doing. New Lions reported this in a story discussing myriad rumors of Putin's health. The recording, it says, quote, represents rare testimony by someone with proven ties to the Russian government, that is a fanatical dictator, that its fanatical dictator may well be seriously unwell. <laughs> you know, again, Putin's a fanatical dictator, right? Now, I'm not going to pretend that Putin's any better than any president, but let's not be children about this. And this is the funny part about this. Are we going to pretend that Russia is a, is a fascist dictatorship? It's not. It's just not. Neither is Syria. I mean, these are ridiculous, blatantly false claims. I'm not going to pretend like they're the bastions of freedom. Neither is the U.S., guys. Let's stop being childish about it. Our president and our government is one of the worst right now. They are stomping around the world, destroying things based on the word freedom. And they are the ones ushering in a global technocratic dictatorship. And they're the ones pointing over them. By the way, I believe Russia's involved with that. But let's just be real. If you're going to call him a fanatical dictator, well, so too is Biden. So too is Trump. So too are all the other people that are guiding some of the far, 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 far more catastrophic actions than we've seen in Putin's entire reign. Please don't hear that as Putin good guy, because if you're hearing that, you're being childish. This is about the reality that they're all doing things against you. I believe the World Economic Forum Great Reset Direction involves most of them. But nonetheless, they want to bring this down to a fanatical dictator, and we think he's unwell. A magazine stated of the comments made during a mid-March discussion with someone described as a Western venture capitalist. So you have an unknown oligarch and a son unknown Western venture capitalist speaking on a recording. You don't get to see the secret that we assume is them because this New Line magazine said they could recognize his voice. Quote, he absolutely ruined Russia's economy. 
Ukraine's economy and many other economies. Ruin them absolutely, says the unnamed oligarch. Right. Russia's economy? Well, pretty sure the ruble's doing better, even if it's manipulated. The ruble on record is doing better than ever, right? Also, pretty sure Russia didn't do its sanctions against itself. So they weren't struggling even remotely until these sanctions were cast against them, which I don't know, you could argue they are now or not, depends on what you listen to. But to pretend that Russia destroyed its economy is as stupid as pretending Iran destroyed its economy or Yemen destroyed its economy. Nope, not even remotely. They were the victims of economic terrorism. Now, you could argue it's because they got what they deserve because they're bad guys fighting with terrorism, blah, blah, blah. I don't agree with that at all. But the point is that still doesn't change the fact that somebody else destroyed their economy. That's what it's just childish. But Ukraine's economy and many other economies. So now we're going to say he destroyed Ukraine's economy. You mean that it wasn't the neo-Nazi led agenda and regime change that took, was outsourcing everything to foreign entities? Yeah, nope, not that. Totally when Russia pushed in and took over areas and helped people. I mean, it's ridiculous. But what about the U.S. government? Did they not destroy Syria's economy, Afghanistan's economy, Iraq's economy, Libya's economy over and over and over and over? Not that that should be a relevant point. We're focusing on this, but it matters, doesn't it? Why don't we point out what they do all the time? It doesn't matter, right? Quote, the problem is with his head. One crazy guy can turn the world upside down. They love that narrative. That never fall, it never lands. It just doesn't. Assad's just a maniac. It's not. You can listen to them talk and you can quite plainly see these people are much more reserved and much more intelligent than they would ever want you to think. And that's why they're desperate to hide what they say and do. I'm not saying these people are trustworthy or good. I don't know. I don't trust any of them. But to pretend he's just one maniac, turn the world upside down, is just a, is a reduction. It is a re it's reducing this down to one maniac instead of how multiple nations around the West predominantly are destroying most everything right now. The man is an energy tycoon who is currently outside of Russia. So he's not even in Russia, but apparently he's got direct ties to the Russian government. So says New Line magazine based on one recording that we don't have. No way to verify with a net worth that puts him on the list of 200 richest Russian businessmen. So apparently if you can find this recording, you can hear his voice. You could whittle it down to the very least 200 rich, rich people. You could probably break that down to 100 based on a few other factors. It's like, it's almost, they want you to figure out who this is. It says he can be heard on the tape vehemently criticizing the invasion of Ukraine. Oh, that's not politicized at all. And he says, we all hope for Putin's death, <laughs> his cancer, and possibly some intervention like a coup. Really? Like, it's, like, like we're supposed to take this away as the Russians secretly want the U.S. to overthrow the Russian government. Gee, that's not self-serving at all, is it? To spare Russia from further misfortune. I don't I just, I just, I mean, listen to people that actually talk to Russian people. That's not what they seem to think. New Line said, adding that it identified the man by his voice, but withheld his name because of the high probability. Disclosing it would lead to state retaliation. But here's the information. Here's, he's, he's whittled down to only 200 men. Are we going to pretend like the Russian government couldn't suss this out based on the information they've already given? But we'll keep, we'll keep his name back for security. <laughs> it's like, my God, this is just ridiculous. Ukraine's head of military intelligence, because we know how trustworthy Ukraine's government is, also claimed Putin has cancer and suggested that a coup to remove him might be underway. You see, this, this literally might just be a clumsy setup to justify what they're trying to do right now. I mean, think about that. We'll wait and see what happens. Major General Kirillo Badanov uh, said the heavy losses that Russian forces have suffered prelude a defeat by the end of the year. <laughs> like, so now we know this is all BS. That's not even remotely what's happening. Not even, even U.S. experts have made this clear. Russia is not even remotely 
losing in any way. And every single thing they've done in Ukraine has been exactly what they said they were going to do. The only thing you get is Western media going wink, wink, nudge. This is what they wanted to do. And they lied to you. And now they're doing that still. But here's what actually happened with no evidence. Or it's exactly what he said he was going to do. And he did that. And now he's doing it. And they just don't like that. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm looking at what we're seeing on the table. But what I do know is that they don't know either. And they love to just go wink, wink. He's a maniac. And here's what his book says. Eventually lead to a change of leadership. So they're saying his massive defeat in Ukraine is going to lead to his government being unhappy with him or his people. The Times of London noted rampant speculation about Putin's health after he was seen on several occasions walking with an apparent limp and a puffy face that could suggest he is being treated with steroids. Man, well, that's quite a leap. So he's got a little bit of a limp, even though I can, pr- I, you know what, I should have done this, but I have so many things I brought up today. Putin has always had a weird gait. They actually did entire articles about this and talked about how it was a, a gait that went back to the KGB and how he walked funny because of this. And they're the ones that say this, and now they're jumping right over that to be like, look, he's limping because he's got steroids and his face is puffy because steroids. Did they prove that? Could he have just had a facial? <laughs> Could he have had a, you know, I don't I mean, I'm just trying to be facetious, guys. There's a zillion reasons why they put that means steroids, which therefore means cancer. And during last week's victory parade, the leader was wrapped in a heavy wool blanket. So therefore cancer, right? The Times also cited an investigation by an independent Russian publication, probably funded by the West, that discloses that Putin is accompanied almost everywhere by three doctors. You mean because Putin, like how much you want to bet if you find out how many doctors Biden scrolls around with? It's probably a hell of a lot more than you would think. He's probably on a thousand different medications for Alzheimer's and everything else. But nope, we don't care. It's only about the unknown hypothetical guessing about what independent publications say he probably walks around with. I just, this guy's, this is painful. Again, I probably could have taken way less time on that. I just think this stuff is really ridiculous. I'm I, Guys, by the way, if Doom's in the chat, you're probably going to get your long show today because there's a lot to get into and I'm not rushing through this. In fact, I find this to be a little bit of a reprieve for my mental chaos right now. So we'll probably just take our time today. Oh, we'll see. But let's jump into ISIS. Oh, you mean ISIS isn't defeated? I thought Trump said they were defeated like 13 times. Well, I guess they're not, though. That's great. Great news, I guess, or not, depending on where you're coming from. It's great news for the government because they love to use ISIS for whatever they want to use them for. Don't forget they're still there and they still hate your freedom. Now, look, I'm not trying to make the argument that there aren't people around that maybe even believe they're part of ISIS or believe in the ideology that they were given. But remember, guys, even Saudi Arabia has admitted to manipulating this entity, using people that were in leadership positions of this entity that were completely grown and organized by the U.S. and foreign entities, as even Ben Swan's documentary has made clear, went from the Mujahideen to Al-Qaeda to right into ISIS. They're the same entity. Not exactly. Much, there's much more nuance there, but the point is there, the ties back to the same entity. Okay, so the bottom line is that using this is an obvious tactic to keep you scared using something that they grew and created. Now, what does that make you think of? Hopefully you go, oh, Ukraine, exactly what they're doing in Ukraine. Because it is exactly what they're doing in Ukraine. It is literally the same exact thing, right down to creating a fascist entity to use against the Soviet Union, which was the Mujahideen in Afghanistan. And then right there, you're seeing their documentation as far back as 1948, even before it was called the CIA, the OSS, saying we are building this fascist entity, the organization of Ukrainian nationalists in Ukraine to fight the Soviet Union. And they kept that going after the fact and still now against Russia. It's the simplest thing ever to see. 
They just hope you're not smart enough to look at it for yourself. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not bad guys on the Russian side. It doesn't mean that there's not good people in Ukraine. It just simply means that they are manipulating you using things that they've built and emotionally in every possible way. But back to this point, ISIS-affiliated suspect arrested for alleged plot to kill President Bush. You know, a gross, disgusting, open war criminal. Now, I, disgusting was the, I should have used disgusting, gross war criminal, because I mean gross in the sense that it's, of, it's obscene. These people are war criminals. Now, that, the world is well aware of that. International organizations are well aware of that. Human rights organizations are well aware of that. You know, the depleted uranium shells used in Iraq, the WMD, the overthrow of the government, the absolute destruction of everything that happened in Iraq. I mean, you could go from president to president and point these things out. Syria, Afghanistan, they're destroyed entire societies. Oh, whoops, we tripped over our shoelaces trying to do the right thing. We're fighting for freedom, but we destroyed it. They would love for you to look at it like that. Mr. Doofus, you know, Bush, who can barely string sense together. He's just a, a good old boy. He has no idea what's going on. No. No, I mean, yes, but <laughs> the idea is these people are not as simple as they'd love you to think that they are. Now, I'm only starting with this point because it's, it's incredible to think about this. How, for instance, how Trump can assassinate someone like Soleimani in an airport on a diplomatic mission, by the way. And that's him taking out a bad guy, even though Soleimani was one of the leaders that actually ended up fighting ISIS. But here we have ISIS trying to assassinate a known war criminal, but of course it's in the United States, so therefore that doesn't apply. And no way am I suggesting good ISIS, bad ISIS, or supporting ISIS or not. That's too, redu that's too reductive, guys. My point is we're looking at an, an entity that was used at the very least and grown by the very people you're looking at, including Bush. And now we have somebody who at the very least they're calling ISIS. I don't know if this is actually an ISIS entity. My point is it could very well just be an Iraqi individual that watched his family get destroyed in front of him, that watched his generations after that die of weird cancerous diseases caused by the depleted uranium shells they used that were all illegal. Everything about these wars were illegal wars of aggression, and we all seem to know that but don't seem to care as he paints nice little pictures about people and pretend he's a good person. So what's interesting about this, guys, is I think this is really just about keeping you in, of the mind that we're, don't forget your freedoms at risk. We still have bad guy war on terror going on. Even though the 20 plus years of war on terror by their own admission has only made it worse, which, by the way, is actually what it was supposed to do as they aimed all of it at you, which is clearly why, because now we look at where they're going. It's meant to be aimed at you. But remember, guys, that this is all about the crossover. Right, but They need this kind of thing to keep going because don't forget, vanilla ISIS is supposed to work with these people. Not just ISIS, but anybody. Foreign entities that want to fight against your freedom. So these bad guy Trump supporters are going to work with them because they're all fighting against you because they hate freedom, don't they? That's the, that's the childish narrative. Now, a man affiliated with ISIS, they say, is under arrest for his participation in an alleged plot to assassinate George W. Bush. An Iraqi citizen in, in Columbus, Ohio, has been charged federally with an immigration crime and, of course, with aiding and abetting a plot to murder the former president. Isn't that funny how they, isn't it funny how they list that off? So he's been charged with an immigration crime. And the, 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 it's, it's like, would you start with the assassination of a president and then maybe an immigration crime? No, no, no. The immigration crime and then the president, too. It's just funny how that felt like it read to me. But aiding and abetting a plot to murder the former president. Exchanged money with other individuals in an attempt to illegally smuggle foreign nationals into the United States and specifically plan to help four Iraqi nationals come to the United States across the southern border to help kill Bush.
again, this is what we're being told. So you should never take these things at face value. Who knows what actually happened? The charging document states that Shabad launched the plot in retaliation of Iraqi deaths during Operation Iraqi Freedom. Now, again, just to take a step back and stop thinking as the way they want you to look at this. Let's just say this was in reverse, and let's say there was somebody overseas that killed a bunch of Americans in the United States with nonal bombs or depleted uranium or all sorts of white phosphorus or all the things they literally use in Iraq that we pretend is only the bad guy use over there. And they killed a bunch of Americans. Do you think the U.S. government would blink twice about assassinating that person anywhere else in the world? Now, please don't take this as the, chi- as the you know, r- the binary reverse that I'm implying that it was a good thing. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm simply saying is for perspective, realize that it's, why is it okay one way and not the other? Well, because you're an American and you fight for freedom, that that doesn't fly, guys. You don't just get to justify it because you're on the side that you think is good. These people probably believe they're doing the right thing if this is the real story at all. The bottom line is we just need to stand back and recognize what actually drives these things into reality if this is even a real thing. Because my my point is that we have to see, and this is a really surface-level narrative part of this, but even from the most surface-level discussion, what they do around the world creates the very thing that they say they're fighting. That's called blowback, and it's been the very real thing for a long time, even though I don't think that's the primary part of this. But they do destroy things, and that does create the very thing. Look at Yemen. Look at these people. Look, look at if this is a real story, that's exactly what this is. They murdered his family. They murdered people in Iraq, and they're, do- they're doing something about it. Now, it says the United States sanctioned ISIS facil- facilitators this week. I couldn't believe when I read this. Oh, so the U.S. is sanctioning ISIS members, which means they, they know who they are? And where they are? Is that interesting? They sanctioned them in Syria and Turkey in an effort to expose and disrupt the network of violent extremists. Well, that's great. So you so you pinpoint assassinate people all over the place, but the but you seem to know where these ISIS people are, and you know that they're using this to make money for terrorism, apparently, in Syria and Turkey. Turkey being a NATO member state, but who cares about that? And you're gonna sanction them like you're sanctioning a, a member of another political party in a different country. We're gonna sanction the Russian government, then we're gonna sanction these ISIS members. Does anybody stop to ask themselves why that makes sense? So you mean you know where they are? You're sanctioning them like they're some kind of entity that's respectable? How about you? I mean, look, I don't, see, it's funny because you want to jump over and be like, why don't you take them out? But that's not what I'm saying. I don't think that's even something the U.S. government should be doing around the world. Because when they do that, by the way, they take out a lot of civilians almost every single time. But if they're the ones that are willing to do that, if they're the ones that are going to assassinate Baghdadi, let's say, assuming that even actually happened. Instead of doing something against these facilitators of the of ISIS, they just sanction them? And what? That's supposed to do something because they abide by the law? This is like passing gun laws for criminals. Right, because ISIS members work through legitimate sources, don't they? I mean, I, this is just like, I, I thought this was a joke. Here's what it says. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken said Monday that by designating them, you mean what, like state sponsors of terror? Too late, you already did that. So designating them as what? The Biden administration aims to, quote, expose and disrupt an international ISIS facilitation network that has financed ISIS recruitment, including the vulnerable children of Syria. So you mean you mean you know of them? You know they've been there? And all you you just just now you're well, you, we know they're there. So now we're going to sanction them because they did they did something. They tried to assassinate Bush. So it's apparently it's OK that they're there and it's OK. They're still doing this. We're just going to sanction them and take some of their money. So doesn't this end up looking like them taking money, whether act by act by design or not from the very people that are care are they profiting from the terrorism are they going to allow the network to continue that's going to sanction them 
this is I'm just at a loss for I can't even believe that they say this. Are they normalizing ISIS? It's very strange. Now, here's the article they link to. This is from the ninth. U.S. sanctions ISIS financial facilitators in effort to expose and disrupt extremist network. Funds were used to smuggle vulnerable children and train as ISIS foreign fighters. Yeah, you know who also uses child fighters? We'll talk about next. Ukraine. They're still doing it now. Don't miss that crossover. Children fighting for freedom. No, no, children with guns. That's a dangerous thing, except not in Ukraine. Over Ukraine, it's good and freedom. It's amazing the contradictions people are making, the double standards in their mind right now. But you know who else uses smuggles vulnerable children? The U.S. government and people and groups that they use, like DynCor, who has been openly caught numerous times smuggling and trafficking children. That's been caught by our own government, by the way. Mr. Secretary, I watched President Bush deliver a moving speech at the United Nations in September 2003, in which he mentioned he mentioned the crisis of the sex trade. The president called for the punishment of those involved in this horrible business. But at the very moment of that speech, DynCor was exposed for having been involved in the buying and selling of young women and children. While all of this was going on, DynCor kept the Pentagon contract to administer the smallpox and anthrax vaccines and is now working on a plague vaccine through the Joint Vaccine Acquisition Program. Mr. Secretary, is it policy of the U.S. government to reward companies that traffic in women and little girls? Right. So also working on a smallpox vaccine. Don't miss that connection. Right. Because that's what's being used right now. Look at that little weird crossover. Okay. so it's so bottom line is that never that just apparently never happened on the record caught. Even even addressed and openly called out in Congress, nothing ever happened. And guess what? DynCorp is right now in Ukraine, right now. Probably trafficking children out of Ukraine as a war zone, like they tend to do. Okay, so that doesn't matter. But we're going to call out ISIS members, which probably do it too, because they're being petitioned to do so by the Saudi governments and everybody else. I'm just kind of being facetious. I have no doubt, by the way, that they're doing so at the people who are pulling their strings. But the bottom line is, how in the world does this make sense that they know this exists? So you're okay that they were trafficking children and you're okay that they still do it? You're just going to give them sanctions? I mean, I almost can't make sense of this. So they're smuggling children from Syria and using a financial network to do so. And instead of stopping that network of smuggling children, you sanctioned them. I just, God, God. The United States on Monday sanctioned five individuals participating in ISIS network of financial facilitators operating across Indonesia, Syria, and Turkey. They know where these people are in an effort to expose and disrupt a network of violent extremists. So how long have you known about this? Are you allowing them to smuggle children right now? Is Turkey helping as a NATO member? Why doesn't this matter? The Treasury Department said the network also has conducted financial transfers to support ISIS efforts in Syria-based displaced persons camps. Oh, you mean like Al-Tam where the U.S. government's in control? Yes, because the only places where ISIS is operating in Syria are places under U.S. control, just like in Yemen or Saudi control or Western control. Displaced camp persons camps by collecting funds in Indonesia and Turkey, some of which were used to pay for smuggling children out of the camps and delivering them to ISIS foreign fighters as potential recruits. So let it keep going. We'll just sanction them. So we'll make money off the smuggling of children is basically what's happening. But that's nothing new for the U.S. government. Okay, moving forward. I just got that that, that point in itself should be everywhere. I just can't even believe that. Another important article Robert just put out, I, a, a member of the Revolutionary Guard in Iran was assassinated in Tehran 
And guess what now? He's writing another article right now, I believe. This was Israel. Okay. This is, I mean, this is bottom line is even, even Israel's Mossad or Israel, it says right here, believed to have been Mossad. But even in this, Israel's media basically says Israel did this. And now they've essentially admitted they did. It doesn't even, they, they regularly bomb different places, claiming Iran present with no due diligence, no evidence. Even if they were present, it's still not allowed. They commit war crimes on a daily basis. Nobody seems to care because, well, Ron, bad guy, they say, or rather Israel untouchable, Israel's government untouchable is the point. But it's not going to go on for long because right now there's a lot happening. There's a lot of people pushing back. Actually, I think I missed, I forgot to include a point. Yeah, I forgot to include a point about Israel. What was that? There's something big happening where other countries are pushing back against Israel right now. Shoot, I forgot about that. I'll, I'll, I'll follow it up in another show. The bottom line is this is a, this is an extrajudicial assassination that they are caught for or admitting to, and nobody cares. I mean, this is the same as somebody murdering a general in the military on U.S. soil. In fact, in Washington, D.C., and then they going, we did that. What are you going to do about it? Do you know how that would happen in reverse? You can you imagine what it would happen if, if even they claimed Iran assassinated an Israeli general in Tel Aviv? They would lo- the whole world would be turned over, but not here. Now, I don't care what you think about Iran. The rules and the laws apply equally. Doesn't matter. Because this is broken, guys. Everything is broken. We need to, we need to get these people out of control. Now, I'm not saying I have the answer to where this needs to go. I'm not, that's the honest reaction, guys. I don't have all the answers, but I do know that we won't find solutions until we recognize and acknowledge that we have a problem. And these people who are in control, both in the U.S. government, Western governments, all over the world, are driving us into the ground, probably by design. So we need, as a people, that actually, you know, what they pretend actually control everything, people, the living embodiment of our will, which the government's pretending to be, we need to stand up as a collective. As the Americans, as the people in the UK, as people in, in Israel, people in Iran, wherever you are, stand up and make it known that you don't agree with what they're doing. Because I would willing to bet it would be most people. Probably would never let us see that, like they hid the yellow vest from us, but we need to keep trying. Now, Ukraine on a couple more foreign policy points before we then jump into the Texas shooter conversation, which, by the way, is probably not even going to be what most people want from me. I'm not going to jump into dissecting these things about real and fake. It's just not even relevant right now. I mean, to me, personally, I'm not saying it's not relevant that it, if it is fake, whether or not that matters. Of course it does. But my point is how it's being used. That's where I'm focused on right now, because we need to recognize how, whether or not, these things are being manipulated and used against us. Now, Pentagon, 20 countries agree to new security aid for Ukraine. 20 more countries, right? So $53 billion is apparently not enough. Apparently that's just the starter kit for Ukraine regime change or Ukraine, whatever they're building over there, Ukraine vanilla ISIS agenda. 20 more countries. Can you even imagine what kind of money? As many people point out, this seems like an international money laundering operation. I've never seen this much money flying in such a dramatic fashion. 20 more countries. Money out of your pocket dumping into Ukraine to aid neo-Nazis in a failing effort to continue to keep, rather, a failing effort to what they pretend they're trying to do. The reality, what they really are doing is just keeping Russia engaged and wasting resources. So they can eventually maybe carry out their coup. They're trying to float right there. Maybe they're going to take him out as a coup and blame it on the Russian people because he's got cancer. They don't like Ukraine. Just nonsensical things that have no basis in reality. I can't even believe this. Ukraine foreign minister, the foreign minister of Ukraine stands up and says, 
NATO is doing absolutely nothing for Ukraine. I mean, just nobody should have a straight face when reading that headline. Are you? I mean, they have done. You mean besides sending in everything you're using to fight back, defending you, standing up on the world stage, propagandizing for you, literally doing everything they possibly can to send in weapons and armor and. But but absolutely nothing. You know why they're saying this? Because they're losing and because they're desperate for more action. They want the world to step in on their behalf. That's what's actually happening. Anybody honest can see that. It's plainly clear. But this is what they're saying? How insulting to people that are actually think they're doing something. What about all the people that are sending in money? All that's going through NATO for the most part. Because they're all NATO countries that are involved. So I can't. I just can't believe that. I think what they're saying right here, what they're trying to get across is a threat. Because they want to be brought into NATO, which I don't even think is going to happen just yet. But I can't even believe that. So absolutely nothing after everything that's happened. The truth is they're doing literally everything. Literally everything is being conducted for them, paid for, for them by outside entities. And guess what, guys? This is what he has to say. This just gives you the, this reveals it to you, what they actually think. So right now, in his mind, it's your obligation to do something for Ukraine. This is my point about how he just goes, he clumsily stumbles over the top about what they're saying on the world stage, which is, you know, that everyone needs to do their part for Ukraine. That's what we're hearing everywhere, right? Gas prices go up and it's all for Ukraine. Instead of saying, you know, we need everyone to do their part, he comes out and says it a little bit more stupidly. Here's what he says. The ones that we are fighting not to lose in Ukraine. I would wish that every one of you wakes up in the morning with this feeling in the head. Like, what have I done for Ukraine today? <laughs> so he wants all of us to wake up and say, what have I done for Ukraine today? So how about we wake up and say, what have I done for my family today? What have I done for my community today? What have I done for my state today? What have I done for my country today? No, no, no. None of that matters. First, what do we do for Ukraine today? That's, that's, that is what he's telling you to think about. Now, I don't understand how $53 billion is not enough. It's only not enough because there's something going on here that's far bigger than just what they tell you is happening. But I can't even believe the way he has the nerve to say that. But just, just wait until, it turn, until you see where this is being stated. And I'm going to use this point again later in the show. Like, what have I done for Ukraine today? Thank you. Oh, look at that. Annual Davos meeting. Isn't that strange? Why in the world would there be a Ukraine part of the Davos meeting? Well, because it's all interconnected. Don't forget, Ukraine, in the middle of an invasion, of course, was the first country in the world to adopt all of the World Economic Forum's sustainable goals. Of course, because that makes sense. They're, they're able to build new infrastructure while they're defending, they're fighting off an invasion that they're losing. That makes sense, doesn't it? And implementing vaccine passports and digital IDs because it's so easy to do that while you're being invaded. Of course, it makes sense. Guys, it's so ridiculous. This is interconnected. And if you can't see it, you're choosing not to. But here, here's, listen to what he said. Ask yourself what you have done for Ukraine today. Mr. Mr. President. I can conclude about as much as the president as Guaido. And I'm sure that will pan out just like that one did. You know, who knows where Guaido is living on the bum street somewhere that didn't pan out well for him. And what did the U S government do? 
just stopped caring. The moment, the moment that it was advantageous for them to work with Maduro, they dropped him like a bad habit. Guaido doesn't exist anymore. But wasn't he the legitimate president? Wasn't he the real ruler? And it's all about democracy and freedom and we'll fight for him. Well, right up until it didn't matter anymore. Then now, Fox, screw him. We're going to go with him. (laughs) I almost cussed right there. But here's the same point. He is not actually the leader. He is a regime change puppet put in place by the U.S. government. And literally anybody with two brain cells to rub together can see that because it's verified. For those that don't want to admit that to yourselves, it's on the record. It is literally on the record that these people know what actually went down during that regime change. On February 20th of 2013, the world was shocked by video footage of snipers firing on protesters in Kiev, Ukraine. 21 people were murdered, and it was widely assumed that President Viktor Yanukovych and his supporters were behind the attacks. However, a phone conversation between EU foreign policy chief Kathy Ashton and Estonia's foreign minister Urmas Payet, which was leaked to the public on March 5th, reveals that the snipers were actually from the new coalition government, and that Western diplomats knew this and covered it up. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that he has some sort of, how to say, trust among all these Maidan people and, and civil society. And second, what was quite disturbing, the same Olga told that, well, all the evidence shows uh, that people who were killed by snipers from both sides, among policemen and, and people from the streets, that they were the same snipers killing people from both sides. Well, that, yeah. So that, and then she also showed me some photos. Uh, she said that has medical doctor. She can, you know, say that it is the same, same handwriting, the same type of bullets. And it's really disturbing that now the new, uh, new coalition that they don't want to investigate what exactly happened. So that there is now stronger and stronger understanding that behind snipers, they were, it was not Yanukovych, but it was somebody from the new coalition. For some reason, the U.S. media didn't think that that little detail was worth covering. But wait, I thought the opposition protesters were just peaceful activists who wanted a chance to join the European Union. Well, yeah, that's the official narrative that the U.S. media outlets are peddling. But the real story is far more ominous. It turns out that the most powerful and influential contingent in the opposition is a coalition of literal fascists and neo-Nazis. And they aren't peaceful. In fact, they're extremely brutal. This is a picture of Victoria Newland from the U.S. State Department meeting with Ole Tanibok in February. And this is a picture of Senator John McCain sharing a stage with Tanibok in December. But why would the U.S. government work with neo-Nazis? Because they thought that they could control the situation. They thought that they could install their puppets behind the scenes and manipulate the situation in their favor. That same Victoria Newland who met with Svoboda in February was caught on another leaked call discussing who they would put in power. What do you think? Uh, I think we're in play. Um... The the uh, Klitschko piece is obviously the complicated electron here, um, especially the announcement of him as deputy prime minister. And, and you've seen some of my notes on the troubles in the marriage right now. So we're trying to get a read really fast on where he is on this stuff. But I think your argument to him, which you'll need to make, I think that's the next phone call we want to set up, is exactly the one you made to, to Yachts. And I, I'm glad you sort of put him on the spot on where he fits in this scenario. And I'm very glad he said what he said in response. Good. So uh, I don't think Cleach should go into the government. I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess you think what, in terms of him not going into the government, just let him sort of stay out and do his political homework and stuff. I'm just thinking 
in terms of sort of the process moving ahead, we want to keep the moderate Democrats together. The problem is going to be Tony Book and his guys. And, you know, I'm sure that's part of what Yanukovych is calculating on all of this. Um, I, kinda... I, I, I think Yats is the guy who's got the economic experience, the governing experience. He's, he's the guy, you know, what he needs is Cleach and Tony Book on the outside. He needs to be talking to them four times a week, you know. I, I just think Cleach going in, he's going to be at that level working for Yatsenyuk. It's just not going to work. So, the obvious question right there should be, why isn't she in jail? Right? Why isn't Victoria Newland in jail for, you know, undermining democracy or whatever the nonsense they want to spin, you know, election fraud or voter, whatever they're going to, you know, claim. Because that's them on the record literally dictating who will be in power in a supposed democracy. I mean, you just can't, it's so childishly obvious. Or the fact that the, that's the foreign minister of Estonia saying, we know that that's not what happened. And she goes, yep. The European Union, they know this stuff, guys. It's just ridiculous. This person is not actually the president. It's the powers that placed him there. This guy's a puppet. Even the Azov movement laughed at him when he tried to tell them what to do. It's ridiculous because the CIA tells them what to do. But we'll come in. Don't forget this Foboda party, which I argue is under the Azov movement at this point, or at least also neo-Nazi elements, are a huge part of what we're going to show you in a minute. And I have a couple points here. But... <clears throat> We're talking about Ukraine right now in regard to how, I mean, just absolutely fascist that they, they, they've been built into, of course, by foreign entities. Not that all Ukrainians are like that, but as it leads into a moment, we'll show you the child part of this because that's going to be the relating point for me. Before we go there, though, just another example is this Poroshenko's lawyer directly states that the security service of Ukraine rapes detainees with mops. Which, by the way, everyone in the comments is going to say, oh, you're a Russian shill because we don't like that thing. It is, what's funny is... Could it be true? Of course it could. So what's funny to me is these people are just, without due diligence, go, no, because of la, 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 I can't hear that because that's not what I'm supposed to think, so you must be a Russian chill. Here's the fact, though. In 2016, a report done by international entities found that's literally what they did. And we've shown you this before. We've gone over this many times. Now, you can argue that it went differently. 2017, 18, oh, they reformed, and now they're freedom and democracy. No, they didn't, though, because they openly say they didn't. And all the Western corporate media said exactly the opposite right up until February 25th, 2022. Then suddenly it all changed, which it didn't, though. They just changed what they told you. My point is that if on the record, the UN international entities are outlining how the SBU was raping people, beating people, detaining, starving, putting them in basements. Oh, sounds a lot like what happened to Mariupol, doesn't it? The point is that that's on the record, that they did it. And it wasn't just... The point is, the real point is, this is a U.S.-backed entity at that point. That is the 2014 regime change forward. And so now when he steps up, because this guy's a, a blogger in Ukraine, that they don't like what he says, they go, oh, Russian shell, even though on the record, they've all admitted they did this. Same group, same people, same backers. So they're doing this, guys. Right now, they're still hurting people. Now, here's the part about the children. Because this relates to the Texas topic, right? So here is Reuters. <clears throat> this is 20, the 24th. Glorifying the militarization of children. Which I just can't get past how, how ridiculous this double standard is. So everywhere, right now in the United States, it's like gun control and guns and, you know, like I, I even, even I, thinking of something ridiculous like George Carlin made fun of, right? 
So, oh my God, we have a problem with guns. And what do they do? They get, they ban the toy guns, but they keep the real ones. <laughs> it's like, good God, not that I'm suggesting they should take away guns. I'm just saying it's the way that they go about this stuff is pretty ridiculous. So here is the Reuters article or video discussing children in Ukraine preparing for war. Now, I actually argue the way, the reason they do this is because they don't want you to realize that most of the kids this age are actually being forced into battle. And I'll show you that next. But even then, when they're trying to whitewash the reality, acting like, here's a couple of kids playing war, they're still in a war zone glorifying violence. Yet right now in this country, that's like the opposite of what we should believe. But we're arming this. We're funding this. We're supporting this. It's the same idea of pretending we're fighting white supremacy around the world while arming the most obvious white supremacy outlet outfit in the world. That's just ridiculous. I mean, you can't get past how ridiculous that is. Or, you know, like giving somebody a shot for something that only hurts them in the same way. That makes sense. They're all ridiculous. And in fact, it seems clear that they're trying to hurt you. But what somebody say? That's a fake photo. Somebody's commenting. No, it's a different comment. All right, so watch this real quick. 12-year-old and 6-year-old. They say, build checkpoints and dug trenches in a village near Kiev. Right, so ask yourself why this would be happening if Kiev was an absolute war zone, right? When they're they're trying to invade Kiev, like that didn't happen is the point. That whole argument is a complete fabrication about what Ukraine was, or what Russia was doing in regard to Kiev. Even, as I've said before, Colonel McGregor made that clear as well. That didn't happen. The idea of them bombing into Kiev, it was the narrative they spun the day that this started on the 25th. How in the, how is that possible? I mean, it's certainly possible, but they spun, they argued they were rolling into Kiev the day that started. That didn't happen. The narrative was there, and the media followed suit a little too early. Sort of like reporting that the World Trade Center 7 was falling on BBC before it actually happened. You know, there's precedent there. But the two boys want to be soldiers when they grow up and hope to defend their country one day. Or maybe tomorrow when the Azov movement forces them to fight. You know, either or. I should, you know what? I should have made that my picture right there. Isn't this, isn't it funny how like this very idea of this little kid pointing his gun at the pit, the camera. I mean, if this was done right now in the U S people would lose their minds, but they're funding that though. So it's okay. Only over there though. We want to become soldiers when we grow up, we'll become army men. Dig to dig trenches. We will be making automatic rifles. We already have bazookas, missile machines, even javelins, all wooden. I made all of this by myself, the javelins, and even howitzer systems, with a little help. Two checkpoints by myself. Hmm. Now, I'm not saying it's abnormal for children to play war. I mean, that's about as normal as it gets because, I mean, I shouldn't say normal. Unfortunately, that's pretty disgusting when you think about it. But that's just what, that is normal, unfortunately. Kids playing cops and robbers and war. I mean, that unfortunately does not show you, does not say a lot about our society. In any case, here's the reality though, right? So we showed you this one a long time ago. This was This was discussed on... February 13th, before this ever actually really kicked off, or, you know, so as the media's perspective. But here, they, here's the training children. This was the Azov Battalion and old women, and they reported this as a, as a freedom thing, right? Members of Ukraine's far-right movement Azov held military training in Mariupol residence. 
we may say, Ryan, that's just a picture. That kid's only touching. Yeah, blah, 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 right? Okay, but it's not, though. Ukraine special forces train elderly and children civilians. Oops. I love when I love that setup. Just in case there's one guy there going, you're fake news. Oh, there's independent. That's that's corporate media. You're supposed to trust that, Mr. Corporate Media out there. The point is that even the corporate media admitted before they were before, right? Now they'll pretend this is fake news. Before February 25th, the Azov movement was doing what we know they're doing, training children to fight Russian bad guys. So child soldiers are a good thing, apparently, as long as you frame it the right way. That's what's happening. Shown how to use a gun by a special forces unit in the Azov. Well, here's something I want you to see. Now, here, this is what I, this is the Svoboda party, but it's, this is the Azov, you'll see the Azov flags in here as well. This is part of the Azov movement as well that also does this training. They have training camps for children where they train them to be openly white supremacist and openly violent. And this is okay, apparently. So while our country's overwhelmed with how horrible it is that we have violence that trains children to do this and do that or whatever they're framing it as, gun policy, they are actively funding and sending weapons that are being placed in the hands of children. Can you, I can't even digest how hypocritical that is. They are sending weapons that they're putting in the hands of children right now. Now check this. This video is called Nationalist Camp in Ukraine Trains Kids to Kill. Guess what, guys? Associated Press. 2018. I thought that all stopped in 2016, according to the mainstream narrative, right? They all stopped being crazy around 2016. And now they're all about freedom and democracy. Well, let's watch what they were saying. It's funny how the narrative changes all of a sudden when they want it to, right? It says a stun grenade wakes up campers in the middle of the night. These are young children. Some with AK-47s, they're learning to use. Look at this kid. This kid's probably eight years old, fumbling to put together an AK-47 in the middle of the night. He just woke up on the fly. <laughs> he just, oops, shot somebody. I mean, the, the, the reality that your government is funding this right now should really upset the people that are screaming against gun control or about gun control. <laughs> Think of Ukraine's enemies as human beings. Right. Doesn't that remind you of something? От ви спитали, як так може бути? так може бути тому, що Донбас взагалі регіон, який, ну, це не просто депресивний регіон, розумієте? Там настільки великий комплекс таких грона проблем, і головніше, наприклад, тому, що там просто дика кількість абсолютно непотрібних людей. Ви повірте, я абсолютно свідомо про це говорю. От, якщо брати навіть чисто Донецьку область, там приблизно 4 мільйони населення. Що не менше мільйона півтора, там просто зайвих людей. Прошу хочу сказати, нам не треба розуміти Донбас, нам треба розуміти взагалі український національний інтерес. А Донбас треба просто використати як ресурс, який треба відповідно з приводу розуміння Донбасу. Мені здається, що ну в мене нема зрозуміння жодного рецепту, що тут можна зробити швидко, але ем, найголовніше, що треба зробити е, в даний момент, е, як це там жорстоко не призвучить, є певне є певна категорія людей, яких треба просто вбити. They must be exterminated. Right, that's a journalist. Now I can play the other journalist in Ukraine that maybe a week later said that they should kill the children of you of Russians and quotes an open a literal Nazi and says, that's what we should be doing. But none of that's real though, according to corporate media, despite that being broadcast on like a gigantic Ukraine 24 channel, like France 24. No, no, no fake news though. Right. But over here, same thing back in 2018, but that's the other guy was today. And by the way, I have dissected that other one. and It is real. And there, I've given you the full YouTube video that shows you the, all the context. And all he, the only reason people claim that makes sense is because he says that all of them are terrorists. No, they're not. 
The people of Donbass are not collective all terrorists. You could argue there's terrorists there. I'm not even in dispute. There might be terrorists somewhere, everywhere in the world. The point is they're civilians with families and children. Just like you, the, the ignorant argument that every Palestinian is a terrorist. Nobody, I think, ever really bought that, but they were afraid to challenge it because you were going to be called an anti-Semite. The reality now is they're losing that manip- that control over the story. The fact is Palestinians have been subjugated and stepped on and, and ethnically cleansed in an apartheid state for a really long time. And it's all beginning to come out. Even the World Health Organization, um, excuse me, the uh, human rights organizations are very clearly calling them an apartheid state. They're literally calling them a Jewish supremacy state. Amazing that that's coming out now. Now, I, that's not my word. That's from the Human Rights Watch. That's from Amnesty International or Beth Selim. They're openly calling them that. But when I talk about it on YouTube, I get censored for being, I, go, I don't even know now, what, bullying? <laughs> it's what's happening. It's like calling Africa at the time, South Africa and apartheid. It's what they were. They tried to fight against that too, calling people racist. Same thing. It's exactly what happened. My point is that they're the ones calling these people not human. Back then, today, still now. Your media is desperate to hide that from you. But again, the instructor advises them, don't think of them as human beings. These are children, guys. These are young kids. So when they shoot, they'll shoot to kill. You know, even, even POWs, which, by the way, has been proven that they're not taking hostages, which, by the way, is a war crime. But doesn't matter, though, because, you know, Russia bad guy. So what are they supposed to do? Of course, commit war crimes, right? When you're in a stop position, you don't know what to do, you commit a war crime, of course. That's just what U.S. narrative goes. Ever, but we don't consider separatists, little green men, as people. Right, so they're just not people. Even though they're there too, fighting for what they believe in, but they're not people, though. They need to be exterminated. І не завжди туди, куди нам би хотілося. Тому пам'ятайте про ці правила, що ваша зброя. That's being funded by your government. The Associated Press got rare access to the camp hidden in a forest in western Ukraine. Created by far-right nationalists, right? Azov movements, Foboda, right sector, Georgia Legion. These are all far-right nationalists, or rather in this case specifically extremist fascism, fascists or even more so neo-Nazis, or even more so some of them are literally Nazis, guys. We, these are different things. All there, very clear. And none of that's meant to progress the, the narrative of Nazis and white supremacy in the U.S. It's, that's what they're building with this. These are actually the things that they're trying to say is happening in the United States, which, of course, I, could probably, I would argue there probably is some level of that. It's probably some level everywhere in the world. But there are people that have weird, disgusting ideologies anywhere you look in the world. The idea, though, is that as they build this thing very clearly, as they've overtaken the government and they build this throughout the country that's overtaking people of Ukraine, to what end? Why are they hiding it? Why are they on a dime turning them into freedom fighters? Because there's something happening here, guys. <laughs> Train children to defend their country from Russians and to spread nationalist ideology. Like, that's a huge part of this. 
they they're spreading the ideology as well, guys. And that's the part that they that. So there's it's funny that they're talking about fighting the white supremacy network. These are the people that were they were claiming right before February 25th were the ones spreading the international network of white supremacy and that they were influencing Americans. So how do you just change that story on a dime? It just it's incredibly obvious. And now we get into the political part of this, guys, where, the, again, these are the same people you're funding right now. He says all those gender things, all those perverted values of modern Bolsheviks who took over Europe. Right. So I'm not, I, of course, I'm the one that would argue that this is about your choice. Right. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. If you want to pretend that you have multiple genders, if you want to call yourself what you want, I, I, I have different opinions, but I respect your choice and your freedom to make your own opinion. You call yourself whatever you want, as long as you don't force me to do anything. And I genuinely mean that. But here, these are the people that they're funding. Mostly, I would argue in this case, in a political sense, the the party paradigm, which it's not even true because it, this is not just Democrats doing this. There's plenty of Republicans who are actively pro, we need to fight for Ukraine, we need to fund them and do the whole thing. My point, though, is that in a Democratic perspective of the two-party illusion, the whole thing is they believe they're funding their new sustainable world. And Ukraine's a part of that, about freedom and LGBTQ rights. That's not the truth, guys. They were writing reports about how they were hurting LGBTQ, gay and lesbian and trans people right before this started. International articles were writing about this, or people were being attacked and beaten up. And even once this started, they wouldn't let them leave because they said, no, you're a man, you have to fight. And yet they never show that to the people that are sending their donations to stand with Ukraine. LGBT and gay pride parades. National of violence and racism, which is funny because you won't hear that right now, right? This is apparently this all stopped in 2016 if you listen to the corporate media right now. That same corporate media was saying two years after that that the nationals have been accused of violence and racism, but they have played a central role in the conflict with Russia. They have maintained links with the government, which earmarked about $150,000 to fund some of the youth camps built by the nationals. So guess who paid for that? You did. Right, so they're pretending it's going, they're literally funding youth camps, building more of the same thing with money you sent in to help them. Because the regime, because this isn't just starting at February 25th, 2022. The U.S. government's been funding this and sending your money there for a long time. I mean, just look at how the U.S. Biden family alone is invested in stuff going on in Ukraine. You can't miss how obvious this is. Note all the flags. You can see the Oswald flag. It says, when there is power, there is freedom. Hundreds of Ukrainian youth have gone through nationalist training camps in recent years. So we're going to pretend like that bred less of them, right? Understand when they're saying nationalists, they're doing that for a reason. It's not nationalists. These are neo-Nazi elements. These are neo-Nazi groups. Openly, they say themselves that's what they are. And even when you show them saying that, the media goes, no, 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 you don't understand what's happening. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we do. You're the one lying about what they're saying. 
My point is that how are we going to pretend when they continue to breathe these camps right up until today, they're still happening and it's going to make it go the other direction. There's less of them now. It's childish. It's obvious what this is. The sticker on the camper's guitar says white Europe is our goal. Because it's guys, this is what they're being bred to believe. This is racism. That is what you're funding. Every moment things can go wrong in our moment, and one has to be ready for it. To study how to protect myself isn't that interesting so now if, if had i had i covered that just that though but without the video just made my arguments about how that's what's happening or was happening in 2018 you would be called fake news i would even argue twitter would censor you but it's right it's that's what's happening we live in a fake reality guys now, on that note, we have a shooting that happened, as I'm sure everybody heard, and we've seen plenty after that. There's been multiple other examples of shootings that they kind of float in and out of the media. It's weird that only some get your attention and some get drifted off to the side. I wonder why they pick some and other, not others. This was in Texas. 19 students, two teachers dead, and Robb Elementary School shooting in Texas, which, of course, is very sad. No matter what the reality of this, it's very, very sad. Now, there's a lot of different things you could think of. Now, I think what's important, guys, is that we stand back and we don't just start jumping in one way or the other. Just because it's a shooting doesn't mean it's fake. Just because it's a shooting that happened that they're all talking about doesn't mean that there's an agenda other than using it to their to their own ends, which is always what happens. Like, that's a constant. Anything that happens, fake, real, otherwise, it doesn't matter. That's used to one degree or another to achieve what they're trying to achieve. But we just need to be very objective, guys. It's so there's, in my opinion, far, far, far more counterintelligence happening right now than we realize. I'll show you some of those today where they're trying to get us to bite on things that are ridiculous. But in this case, the narrative goes that this is a that this is a per, another disgruntled kid that walked in and shot a bunch of people. Now, the reality though is that if this if this is exactly what it appears to be, the first thing we should stand back and ask ourselves is what actually drove this into reality. Was he medicated? Isn't it funny how none of the medication conversations are had anymore? Isn't that interesting? It's almost like I don't want you to think about how that's obviously a driving factor, how our children are wildly overmedicated. And it's the same conversation of COVID-19. We're being forced into positions or rather manipulated into positions where we think this is what we should be doing. When you've got young children as young as one year old on antidepressants, which is a lot, by the way, there's hundreds of thousands of children that are under one on antidepressants. On antipsychotics. I'm not making this up. I've talked about it a million times. Let me see if I can actually pull that up while I'm talking about it. The point is it's only progressed quite a bit more. Oh, I don't even know if I can remember what it's called now all of a sudden. Shoot. I'll try and see if I can. I forget the title all of a sudden. I wrote an article a while back that went over that. But the point, though, is right now the way the world is, the the framing of what the U.S. government is, or what the U.K. is, what France is, or what these Western framing that as good and moral and integrity is breaking people. Then you add in some aggressive mass psychosis. You add in a a lockdown and mask force, and you know destroying everything they thought they knew. 
right? All these things locked together, you are breaking people. I mean, just the COVID-19 restrictions, you talk to any child psychologist right now that sees patients on the regular, and they will tell you unabashedly, I've never in my life seen what I'm seeing today. I've talked to many of them. And you'll see them just go on Twitter. You, they're out there telling you that their children are broken. In fact, to the point to where they wonder if they're ever actually going to, that generation has been destroyed. That enough, that alone is enough to have people lash out and do things, especially if, guess what? If you've trained them over their entire life to think that violence is the answer without saying that, of course, because, you know, we're fighting for freedom, right? So what, what happens when you're in a position where you know something's wrong and you're trying to correct it? Well, of course, you stomp in there with military weapons and you blow them up and you say it's freedom, right? That's what we're being, that's not what they say is happening, but you subconsciously get that rampant lawlessness. It's good when we do it, right? When we destroy things for freedom, it's good. But when they do it, it's bad guy stuff. So all you're doing is training them that if you're strong, you just take control and do what you think. That's what people are end up doing. And then on top of that, you can think about the fact that these kids are realizing, let's just say these kids are, are you know, I mean, look, we have to realize that a lot of the stuff that's happening to them with everything that they're being manipulated, the, the way they're being raised, you're training sociopaths, basically, with all the social media and all this different stuff. There's been a lot of articles written about this. So then you get these kids that are, you know, kind of blithe and just dismissive about a lot of things. And then they realize that, hey, I'm unset, upset about this or I made bad choices in my life and I'm done with this, right? I don't want to do this anymore. Well, what can I do to be remembered? Well, sure as hell, go shoot a bunch of kids because the mainstream media will memorialize you forever. They pretend like that's not what's happening. Think about how horrifying that is. That you have these kids that realize that if they want their name to be remembered, that all they have to do is something disgusting like this. It's not the independent media making them heroes or make heroes, I should say, hero making them remembered. It's the corporate media. And on top of that, guys, it's not the it's not the independent media that's exploiting the children in these events. It is the corporate media. The independent media are objectively covering them. Look, I, I shouldn't. There's plenty of people on all sides of everything that will do things that I think are gross. But by and large, if you want to point to somebody that's exploiting the lives of these children, it's the corporate media sp- spinning up all these emotional discussions about what they did and what their lives were like. Now, yes, those things matter. Why is that? Why is that the focal point? Why should you be spinning out a bunch of emotional, manipulative propaganda about these children that died just to upset a bunch of people? I mean, really think about that for a second. Is that meat? Is that news? Is it news to go into the in, the, the the background? I mean, it's it's about ma- manipulating you emotionally to drive you into an action they want you to take. Journalism should be about the facts. It should be. It should, it's not tabloid news. It's facts. Now, we need to recognize that across the board, the corporate media is abusing and exploiting the memories of these kids by using them to manipulate you emotionally into getting what they want, which is gun control, which is everything we always talk about. And that's happening everywhere right now. Now, on that point, by the way, that's, again, Fox News pointing out how look at the Democrats politicizing this. It's exactly what the Republicans would do in reverse in their own situation. And you know this. Now, this story, by the way, there's a couple points that I'm going to in regard to how this was framed. But for me, the real point about is is all the missing context around all of this stuff, because we don't really know what happened, do we? There's plenty. I'm sure there's plenty of channels out there that will pick through every video and show you why they think that one person fell funny, which means it's probably not. I'm not even disputing. Maybe it is. Maybe I'm just in a weird mood today, but I don't think that's where we should be focusing. Oh, this was uh, that article I was looking for. Shoot. 
Now, what was that called? Dang it. I'll try to refine that. There's an article I wrote about the, it's unreal, the level of drugs that are being given to really young kids, like antipsychotics, antidepressants. It just makes no sense. But anyway, going forward on this, you're seeing this across the board in all these news channels. And and one of the things I thought, and this is my point though, you know, getting into the children and what happened, which again is really sad. It really is. But what's the real problem? Is it that this kid is willing to do this? Is it the fact that our games are too violent? Is it that guns are too accessible? I mean, none of that's really true. There's plenty of laws that make this difficult. Don't forget that what actually got used is ultimately something that was around the law anyway, So this, which is what usually happens. So why does it make sense to pass more gun restrictions in a situation where the league, people who are breaking the law don't care about gun laws? I mean, this is the most child, it's the most obvious bottom-of-the-barrel narrative. You know that criminals don't follow the law. So why, when you pass more laws... Or do you think that it's going to restrict the criminals who don't follow the laws? There's a thousand ways you can find weapons. on, the, And on top of that, there's plenty of other ways where you could carry out attacks and, and, and injure people. But I, I go, I'm going to get off the point. So here's what this person looks like, according to what we're told, because apparently he died. Because I've historically seen plenty of situations where these things have happened where you don't really get all the information. Because the person was killed. Authorities in Texas say that Salvador uh, Raimondo Ramos, 18, is the gunman who killed his grandmother before murdering 14 children. I guess it was 19, as now they say. Two officers were also shot but survived. So the idea is apparently he got in a fight with his grandmother and then shot her and then went and did this. So that was kind of my thought. Is So let's say this kid did this and made a bad decision or had a moment of weakness or whatever you think would happen and shot his grandmother, which is just horrific. Then standing back and reflecting on what he did, realized, well, and I'm screwed. Maybe I'll take my own life, or maybe I'll go out in a blaze of glory. How these kids might perceive that. Social media is all they care about in these in plenty of kids' minds. So how do you become a social media sensation? Well, plenty of ways. The media will always make this out of that. Instead of just reporting the sad it happened and it's horrible, they have a week-long, never-ending coverage of this kid and this family, and now they're suffering, and here's what they're doing, here's what this family will now do to fight gun violence, and it's on and on and on. Now, a woman on Instagram posted screenshots of what she says were private messages between them that essentially says, what about, uh, basically, it's, it's, I don't know, I, you know, frankly, I'm not even sure if this is real, so you guys can look at this if you want. Now, here's the interesting part to me. Do you, and I've seen this personally. I saw this myself. I've also seen now a lot of these current, these current levels of these reports seemingly going back the way they were. But when this first happened, you saw articles coming out of corporate media that willfully made the tone of this person's face look lighter. And there's precedent for this. We've seen this many times. Now, why would they do that? Why would they want this to look more? Because this, by the way, plenty pointed out that weirdly enough, when this was really di- like regarded as not a white person, they kind of dropped the story as, like they did, like they, in the past when this was a white male Trump supporter or whatever they could tie it to, it was a much bigger focal point. I mean, just skim through the news today. They've kind of already dropped, they put this down to a degree already. They wouldn't have done that if it was a white guy. Maybe that's because they believe that's a bigger threat. I mean, it doesn't even matter why. The point is that's not accurate. And here we see that they're already taking actions to try to make it look this way. And by the way, guys, this has happened a lot in other shootings. But one of the interesting examples that I always think of is this. This is 
easy to prove. You can look at the actual video, and Joe Rogan did this on his own show. And you can look at the video they used of him. They used this video. This is when he was talking about ivermectin. They, they, they changed the tint of the video to make him look more sickly. I mean, look at the comparison, guys. It's not hard to see. The top one is what they want. He looks really sick. Right? Now, if they're going to do that for something as stupid as Joe Rogan, not that he's stupid, my point is a stupid, of, un, of him talking about ivermectin. Right? It's such a small story compared to the bigger things. If they're going to do it for that, are we going to pretend that they wouldn't do it for a shooter? It's just ridiculous. And on top of that, guess what? They even fact check it. Nope, guess what? Didn't do it. AP says, nope, didn't happen. You know why? Because CNN confirmed no changes were made. That's not even a joke. We investigated ourselves and we found ourselves not guilty. Well, CNN said they didn't do it, so you're wrong. Great fact check, guys. Too bad it's very stupidly obvious. Now, as Daily Mail points out, at least 19 kids were shot by a bullied high school student, which is also another factor to this that we don't ever talk about. There's a lot of really messed up things that happen in school that are really allowed to the, for the most part. All of us know this going through high school in general. I mean, I guess the, the teen movies these days are really trying to reimagine what our schools are like, but it's not really like that. Schools are rough, especially public schools. I mean, they're rough, and we all know that. Kids have a really tough time being bullied emotionally, cyber stock. All this stuff happens today. And then, we, we, and then when you add on, like I said, the, no, the normalization of violence around the world, the idea that war for freedom is a good thing, the rampant lawlessness, or just destroying their mental, their mental stability by locking them in a room for four, two years, yeah, then none of that is a factor, right? It drives people to take irrational action. And your government's been training you this is the right thing to do your whole life without telling you that. He posted photos on Instagram. Well, are we going to take Instagram down? Well, we should, right? Instagram. Well, there you go. They're spreading. They're allowing this to happen, aren't they? Well, no, of course not, because Instagram's Facebook. However, they're going to probably go after all the other ones, though. Let's go after Parler and Gab and Getter because they didn't post over there. This is the absurd part about every time. Just like the last ones, they only went after Gab and Parler, even though they posted them everywhere else, too. But this time, Instagram. But they're not going to make a point of that. Why? Because they're ridiculously hypocritical. Their double standards are everywhere because they have an agenda. Now, of course, again, the point is just putting forward all, why is this okay to anybody? Why are you shoving the, the images of a dead child in people's faces? Why does that, why is it even important for us to see that person's face? They're emotionally trying to manipulate you. Now, look, if you wanted to seek that out, that's fine. I don't even understand why that's important. It's sad because children were killed. To, to jam their face. I mean, as a parent, wouldn't that upset you? Don't use my child to force in your political agenda. It's horrific. And yes, they all do it. Ah, it makes me sad. Hmm. That's weird. That's strange. Am I still, you guys can still hear me? Yeah, it looks like I'm still alive. Why is that not loading? That is random. I don't even know what that was. I feel like I might just have a page open somewhere. I'll come back to it, I guess. <laughs> That's just a Google search. I don't know why it's not loading. Well, finally, on this point, Beto O'Rourke confronts Texas Governor Greg Abbott at, at uh, Uvalde press conference. This is on you, he says. 
more politicizing this. Like, grandstanding. How dare you not take action? Oh, you mean like the gun laws that are on the books or everything that's already happened? Or like, it's just, this is such a ridiculously trivial, like to stand up and act like you're not doing enough because you're trying to elect yourself in this position. It's, it, it is insulting to our intelligence. Now, I'll make my point at the end here. O'Rourke, who is running, it's Beto O'Rourke, is running for governor against Abbott, moved on to the third row during this high school auditorium. He went to a high school auditorium to do this. About 15 minutes after the governor began speaking, when Abbott concluded his comments, O'Rourke rose and walked to the stage and spoke directly to Abbott, saying, quote, you are doing nothing. You are offering up nothing. You said this was not predictable. This was totally predictable when you choose not to do anything. Oh, so there's no gun laws in the record book? So there's no, there's no school security? Yeah, he did nothing, right? Sort of like NATO did nothing for Ukraine. This is just political nonsense. Here's, here, here's a point you should ask yourself. Let's say Abbott had instituted the most strict gun laws on the books. More strict than any other state in the country. And then this happened. Which it totally still could. Okay, so what happens then? Well, did he, he did everything and it still happened. Okay, so what, what happens then? Did he, how do you rationalize that? If it happened here and it's because he did nothing and you're doing nothing, and it, but then if he does it, and it, and which we still know is still possible, how do you make sense of that? The point that I'm making here, guys, is that they could, go, they, could, they could pass more gun laws and more restrictions and more everything, and this person would still stand up and go, you're doing nothing! Because you know what? It's not predictable. Just because something is possible does not mean that you know it's going to happen. It's a childish narrative by the media to spin this as it happened, therefore we know it's going to happen. <laughs> it's ridiculous, guys. Somebody could go in with a knife and carry out a lot of destruction too. Does that mean we then, same old there, do we abandon the knives? Do we take action? The point is, guys, that you just, people, if they want to carry out destruction, will do so. Now, if you think, if, if knowing that, you want to take different action with where your kids go to school, if you want to train, if homeschool them, which they're desperate not to let you do, that's your choice. And you know what? It is your freedom to do so. And you should really factor that in because you know what? We do live in a pretty rough time where these things are happening, whether they're driven by the government or whether they're manufactured or whether they're just happening. The point is you still have to make these choices. And no matter how, unless you want to let them go to a prison every day to learn. And so they train them how to work inside of a panopticon technocratic future. I mean, it's just it's the obvious reality is they want to build this kind of scenario where there's security and police and everything, and metal detectors and all this stuff is happening, which, by the way, it could still then happen, whether it's a knife or whether it somehow sneaks a gun in or whatever else. Again, back to my first point, then what? Right? If it can still happen, then what do you do? Do you go further? The point is it never ends because it's always possible. For him to stand up and make this grandstanding narrative is all about him, and it's disgusting. And by the way, I would argue that Abbott would do it too in reverse. Sit down and don't play this stunt, he says, out of line and an embarrassment. I agree. I can't believe you're a sick son of a bee that would come to this deal like this to make it a political issue. Again, which they all do. That's him turning it around on him and making it political in reverse. I mean, it's just, they're doing the same thing. This is on you until you choose to do something different. Again, so let's say he, tomorrow he does something different and it happens again. Is it still his fault? Well, whose fault is it then? He did what you said he was going to do and it still happened. It's, this is such a transparent reality, guys. They're pretending like unless you do what the government says the next step is, which is ban bump stocks or ban this kind of gun, which it won't stop everything. So what then? It goes further and then it goes further again. 
Then once it happens again, then further again. It's a never-ending slippery slope, and they know that. This will continue to happen, he says. Somebody needs to stand up for the children of this state. Like, they're acting like there's literally nothing happening. There's nothing but laws in the books that are trying to make this happen. And guess what, guys? Some of the places with the strictest gun laws have some of the worst situations. But who cares about the facts, though, right? They will continue to be killed just like they were killed today. You know what also happens is how many children get murdered in foreign countries. Or how about all the young children being starved to death in Yemen? No, O'Rourke doesn't care about them, though, right? He doesn't care about what the U.S. government's doing all around the world or the fact that they're literally arming child soldiers in Ukraine with the money that he's taking from you. Nope, none of that matters because you're a disgusting hypocrite. And that's still loading. I don't even know what that was. I'll leave, let's just leave. Actually, what I'm going to do real quickly, I'll look at the, give me some comments in the chat here for a second. I'm going to delete some. Because I got a lot to go. I got a lot to cover today. I got to remember to unload the, oh, I, I'm, well, I'm, that's actually a good time to say this. With everything going on, guys, I made a mistake and I, I closed my tabs for the last show that I did. So I'm, I, I, I'm going to do my best to find, that was a, gr- a really important show with a lot of information about the monkeypox discussion, which we're going to get into, but I lost a lot of the links. You can see them on the show, but it's going to be tough for me to find them all. So I'm going to do my best to, to grab those links for you, but I just want to let you know that I did lose that. Well, let's see. Let me get this open here to where we can end with the World Economic Forum conversation. We got some important stuff to cover still, so you make sure to stay tuned. It'll take me one more second here. There we go. All right. So let's get back into this. I didn't look at the questions, but thank you all for being here. All right. So bringing this over to COVID-19 land. Make sure I didn't miss something, actually. Hold on. Yeah, okay, that was right. So, isn't it interesting that COVID-19 is kind of like the last topic right now? Like, that's like the behind all of this stuff, even though it's, the it's, it's according to them, the biggest pandemic in a century. We've never seen something like this, and we're still super in danger, and everyone's dying, but we're barely talking about it. Isn't that weird? I mean, it just it, everything about this seems very, very dishonest. I mean, everybody feels that too. That's why they're very they're struggling to get this done. But here's what's interesting. April 21st, 2022, this is from last month. Rhode Island bill plans to double tax for parents of unvaccinated children. Now, we already read this to you, the, the, actual, the actual documentation. But I just want to include this because it's still happening now. Bill recently placed before the Rhode Island legislature contains clauses that would make COVID vaccination mandatory for everyone over the age of 16 doubling state income tax. Now, guys, this is happening all over the country with these weird, like they're putting things in legislation. They're still forcing this stuff on kids right now. While this is what they're willing to tell you. This is May 19th. Remember when myocarditis after the vaccine was a fake news, dangerous misinformation? Remember that? Up until they were like, well, it's real, super rare. Well, guess what now? myocarditis, much lower for children than teens. (laughs) Who cares? Screw the teens. It's low for the kids, though. I can't even believe how this slow progression, and we're watching them admit this is dangerous, and yet still forcing it on kids. They're still, right now, they're penalizing parents for not doing it. This is what it's telling you. By the way, kids that are one in a million of dying from COVID, that's 19. It's way higher than that, or lower, whatever you frame it as. They have a less chance of dying the lower you go. 
It says, the, this is May 19th, the CDC on Thursday said reports of heart inflammation linked to the Pfizer injection have been much lower in the 5 to 11 boys than in adolescents, representing only a slightly elevated rate than normal. Can you believe that? I remember that was, it was fake news. I got censored multiple times for saying that you had an increased risk of myocarditis. Still censored, by the way. They're saying you have an increased risk. When you get an injection, you're instantaneously increasing your risk of myocarditis, which, which is 25 to 56% in a mild case, increasing your risk of mortality. Or I said it backwards. In mild cases, it increases your risk of mortality over the next 10 years by up to 56%. That is an NIH study. That's a mild case of myocarditis. If you're increasing the risk of a child of getting this, when their risk of dying from COVID is non-existent, you are hurting people. Period. And then they're going, but the risk is 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 higher for what's lower for even it's even lower for the young kids. Yeah, it's lower in general. And I, ever, oh, I, I'm I'm conflating my points there. For young kids, it's basically non-existent in regard to COVID nineteen. We're talking about the injection here. What they're saying is that they're admitting the myocarditis risk is there, and and weirdly admitting that it's actually a reasonably high risk for young men while pretending that it's super low for young 5 to 11-year-olds. But if we just skip over the fact that they're admitting, so if it's an elevated rate for 5 to 11-year-olds, what does that make it for young men? A, a highly elevated rate? Isn't it weird that we just skip right over the most important part? The agency, in presenting this to an advisory committee, discussed the need for booster vaccines for children. Right, So this increases their risk of a heart condition, and we're screaming they need more boosters. And guess what they cite to tell you that? Cited data from the VAERS system. Oh, okay, so VAERS is fake news until you want to use it to cite what you think. How the hell does that work? How can it be completely unconfirmed and fake news every time we point to the 20,000 reports of death and problems and catastrophic things, and yet you cite it to say what you want to say? And how much you want to bet that the numbers they're citing are selectively picked and not the whole picture? I mean, I'm not even going to say how much you want to bet. I'm promising you that the myocarditis statements on Bayer's is astronomically higher than what they're saying here. You know why? Because we can still point to people like Maddie DeGuerre, who still is listed as a stomachache on Bayer's, and she can still in a wheelchair eating through a tube. That's who she is. That's her life now. Because of the injection, she's testified in Congress. It still says stomachache on theirs. They lie to you guys. The point is that we're going, yeah, yeah, it hurts you. It can, but you know, get it anyway though, because it's danger. Well, they're telling you that they're going to force kids to do it anyway. Makes me sick. Now on top of that, don't forget what we just talked about. This is a doctor telling you all of the patients today that they see were vaccinated and super sick. And here's why. Or here's the kicker. They still had antibodies from the vaccine. Why? Because they're only immune to a portion of the first strain. We're well beyond that, if that's even what it really was. This virus mutated thousands of times, so we're told. So we're pointing at something from the very beginning that was a genetic code sent by China, even though they claim they didn't isolate at that time. That's the NIH's story anyway. Right? The genetic sequence on a computer screen that Moderna's website, if you on the way back machine, still says. And then they tell you, the race started from there. So if the race started before they ever isolated it, what are we talking about? Then, of course, I'm for the point from there is that if it mutated many times, you're still basing this on the original thing. Nobody denies that. I've made this point a thousand times. You're hurting people by giving them something that is not the right, not the right Injection is creating the wrong antibodies, which they've said many times is the 
one of the most dangerous things you can do in regard to antibody-dependent enhancement. We know those signals from SARS-CoV-1. We've seen this in, in cat coronavirus vaccines where cats ended up with this horrible inflammation swelling of the stomach and about 30% of the cats died. So we know once you prime somebody with an antibody and that antibody is good, great. But if you prime them with an antibody that is not good, sit back and pull out the popcorn because we're going to be seeing something horrific happening immunologically to a population down the road. The honest answer is we don't know to what degree, but we do know the history of this, and history is one of the best teachers that we have. Exactly. Absolutely. The bottom line is they know this information. Fauci has said it. Plenty of doctors admitted it. And yet here we are watching it happen. All the evidence, even their, even their narrative on the table admits that's what's happening. And we still don't care. I've never seen it as a, more of a criminal reality than I've seen today. It's unreal to me. These people are, they're aware that people like me see right through them. And they are so desperate to keep people from seeing this reality. Now here is another doctor telling you something patently false that you can easily prove with the most basic due diligence, even using CDC's own information. In high areas of trans high transmission, when you are in crowded indoor spaces, wearing a high-quality mask reduces your risk of getting infected and your risk of spreading it to others. It's basic public health, he says. And this person says down here, thank you for acknowledging the science. It's like, well, I didn't see any science. I don't see a link anywhere. That's just a bunch of statements on a piece of paper. That's the point. To them, that's the science because they agree with it. But it's how embarrassing, how embarrassing. This person is an educated doctor, and he still doesn't know. Now, I'm not saying it's because I know more than him. There's probably plenty of things he knows about his field that I don't. The bottom line, guys, it's just painfully obvious, and not just because this one graphic, but because of the endless two years of constant, constant research and peer-reviewed science say the opposite of what he's saying. And by the way, peer-reviewed science, they go all the way back to 1960s to right now, from all around the world that tell you one main reality. That masks, whether N95s or cloth, are not statistically significant in reducing transmission. Period. It took them uh, two years to admit that cloth masks didn't work. Remember how, I mean, think about how crazy it is, guys. I'm going to hear, I, I need people to hear this. Think about how crazy it is. We are talking about people that were told, wear a cloth mask. Not just that that's one option, but that I showed you this in the beginning. The CDC website itself literally had a page that was cloth masks. Now, you can still find the Wayback Machine where they had that, but they changed it because they knew what was happening. My point is that they were saying, you should wear cloth masks. That's the only thing you should wear. They pushed it on everybody. 90% of the population wore them. That was their own statistic. Then they, at some point, they, went, they said, oh, no effect at all. Gottlieb and Wen went on both channels, CNN and Fox News, and said, nope, cloth masks don't work. It's just for you. It's for your own, it's for your own feeling of safety. They have no effect whatsoever. And then suddenly that was the reality. There was no science presented. The science was already there and I'd showed it to you. They just suddenly said something different and that became the narrative. But nobody stood back and said, okay, for two years, they swore up and down that this was the thing that would keep me safe. They censored people who said the opposite. Then they come out and go, but it doesn't work at all. So now we're in 95 and they go, okay, I'll wear that one. Can you not go, well, maybe they're still wrong. Maybe they're still lying to me. No, just jump into the next thing they tell you to do without any thought. I can't believe that's how stupid people can be. By the way, I showed you this. I think like the one of the first discussions of mass we had way back in 2020. Honeywell, 
One of the creators of N95 masks. What is an N95 mask? Well, it removes 95% of 0.3 plus micron particles, of which COVID-19 is below. Okay, so if it's below 0.3 microns, which I've shown you 100 times over, and this only stops plus 0.3 plus size micron particles. I mean, do I even need to keep talking? That's how stupid this is. And by the way, reduces breathing resistance. So the point is most of these only have a one-way valve. So the whole story they spun about protecting your grandma or it protects everybody else. So if everyone needs to wear it, so we protect each other. (laughs) Well, now it doesn't make sense because you are all wearing N95s that only protect in one way, breathing in. So now it doesn't do anything. You're getting a not statistically significant reduction in transmission because you're breathing in. It is not stopping anything that's 0.3 and below, which coronavirus is. And then your valve is opening. You're breathing right against your grandma. So why did it's it's amazing that people keep thinking this makes sense? I just it just it pains me how stupid this all is. Okay, a couple more points here in regard to coronavirus before we jump over into what's next: monkeypox, Partygate. You know this is not the old story, guys. This is again. I mean, this is becoming as stupid as the Wells Fargo story, where it's like, oh, they rob people again. Here's a million-dollar fine. They'll stop now. And then three days later, oh, they lied to these people and took all their cars away. <laughs> Here's a million-dollar fine. They'll stop now. And then the next week over, oh, they robbed a bunch of Marines of their houses. Weird. That's I'm not making this stuff up, guys. Wells Fargo has been caught like 100 times. I mean, facetious, probably way less than 100. A lot, though. You know, opening fake bank accounts. Remember that? Fake bank accounts in your name. Or opening multiple loans in your name for, and this there's an example of that where it happened specifically to military personnel, where they lost their homes and their cars, and the bank did this so they could make money. And that's not my opinion. They, in fact, got fines for it. But that's my point, is Wells Fargo now simply factors that in. They go, okay, if all they're going to do is give us, and the most it's ever been was a billion-dollar fine, that was Trump, and he did, oh, I'm such a great person because I gave them the biggest fine ever. Well, it's, they, what, they make $10 billion that year? That's not, they don't care. So what they did is they factor that in. They say, I'm going to lay aside a billion dollars so we can keep robbing you and make $10 billion. And then when they find me next year, here's your billion. You know what that is? That's a system. The government gets their cut, and it looks like they're holding you accountable. And all they keep doing is breaking people's lives for their own profit. So here we are watching yet again another example of specifically Boris Johnson violating the rules that he said would keep you safe. So there's only a few things to take away from this. The, the headline from The Guardian is Party Gate. Pictures emerge showing Boris Johnson drinking at number 10, leaving uh, d- uh, due during lockdown. That's weird, leaving due during? Is that a mistake? I don't know. Is that a UK thing I'm not getting? But the point is, This is like the third example specifically of Boris Johnson, but we've caught Trudeau. We've caught multiple people in the U.S. administration. Have you, can you not realize that you've caught basically every serious leader openly breaking the rules they said were absolutely going to kill you if you didn't do them? That they arrested people violently for not following? That they destroyed your lives and businesses and everything to keep these going? They actually destroyed everything, including your economy for the lockdowns, which they didn't follow. How do we not see what this is? Because if you're going to break it multiple times and all you get to do is go, I'm sorry, I made a mistake and I learned my lesson until you do it again, then you don't care. And that only means that you either know that you're not in danger or you don't care, but you're willing to break it because you want to, but that's not afforded to us. I think it's pretty clear that they know that this wasn't as serious as they were telling us it was. Here we are. 
over and over and over. I mean, guys, there's been people, they've made lists of this. Dr. Burks and Dr. Fauci and Dr. Everett with their masks and what their, their groupings and the, 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 the prints and the, you know, I mean, everywhere, nobody's following the rules except you have to, you go to jail. Last point on COVID, guys, it applies to them. What maybe if we jump into the monkeypox shot world, which I kind of don't see happening. I'll tell you why, why in a minute, but it doesn't mean it's not going to happen with the next thing they point at, bird flu, whatever else happens. But this is just an interesting tweet or meme that I thought was kind of funny for the podcast. The guy's got like 20 different shots all the way down his arm. The first one's first jab, second jab, booster shot, Omicron, Deltacron, Super Dupertron, Megatron, Super Duper Megatron, Megatron 3000, Voltron, LBGD, Vegan Soyatron. The last one just says moron. <laughs> I think that's perfect. If you're willing to just be led by the nose in such a ridiculous fashion, in such a dangerous reality, when all of the peer-reviewed science shows you everything, you're ignoring peer-reviewed science. The very people that were screaming trust the science are actively ignoring any peer-reviewed science that challenges what they think, and they're trusting what the Pfizer company tells them, or what Moderna tells them, or what the CDC tells them, when they're financially invested. I can't, that you are a moron. (laughs) That's the... Perfect end. That meme is exactly what's happening. Now let's jump over into monkeypox, huh? Now this is interesting to me because this is something I already touched on. And I think we called this right. Now my point when this first came out, there's a lot of, I even showed one of these early on, you know, that there were people showing you pictures of shingles and calling it monkeypox and vice versa. Now I've been no way suggesting the media does not manipulate you using false imagery and so on on a regular basis. But just remember that there's a lot of stock images that are used roundly for, you know, if you're using an image, the, the image shouldn't be taken as you're trying to make, unless it's unless that's a main part of it and you're showing an image of a scene that happened and you're referencing that, a lot of times they just use these stock images. Now, I'm not trying to make that, look, I do, I in fact, I never do that. I'm almost always use something like I'll make sure I find an image. Like even I'm ta- doing a, a show, uh, an article, or posting one of Robert's articles about something happening in Palestine. It's really hard to get good images of something that just happened a lot of times. But even then, I do my best to try to find the lower resolution image of what actually happened instead of some you know classic stock picture of Palestinian resistance. My point though is that sometimes you do do that. You know, here's Palestinian resistance back in 2018, but you're talking about something that just happened to make a fair context point about how that can happen. Now, to this, it's important that we see shingles and monkeypox and smallpox images being kind of intermittently used because that tells you something, right? It tells you that they look the same, that they might be the same thing. At least you should consider that. And that's not my opinion. It is in some degree I'm considering my opinion, but a lot of people, experts out there are saying that that might be the case. Doctors, scientists, but... The point is, this was discussed as a like a debunking, groundbreaking example. Look, we caught them, right? They used the wrong picture and they're dis- exposed. And it was kind of a hollow point because I didn't, I'm like, it's not really exposing anything other than they might have just used the wrong picture and so on, right? So you can see this where it shows, look, they did this and they published it back then, or even showing you that they have a picture of monkeypox from 2021 and that they're using it today. Well, is it monkeypox? Is it the same thing? So why would it matter if they use an old image? Are you trying to pretend that that's a guy's hand from yesterday? I mean, it just felt like a really hollow effort, right? And I think it was. I don't think most people actually were like, we got him! Because this is what ultimately happened. This stuff came out. Now, I'm really hoping this isn't the person I'm thinking about in a, in a Discord that we know makes these fake images, that uses them, and that, you know, there's people that do that on Discord that I'm not happy about right now because this is circulating. Because even I saw this and was like, is that real? 
Because, I mean, the way it's framed, it, might, the, the, it reads, health officials investigating two dozen suspected cases of monkeypox across Canada found that 95% of cases are shingles. So it's like, oh, wow, that's interesting, right? And down here, it mentions antibody-dependent enhancement. So what did I do? I looked it up like anybody honest would. I typed out the headline. Not there. But that's not where I stopped because it could be censored, right? So I looked at it. It's not there. This doesn't exist. It's not a real headline. Does it mean it's not happening? No. Somebody could have been doing this because they believe that's the truth and they're probably right. But that's called lying for your truth and you're hurting the truth when you do that. Now, on top of that, what I actually think this is, this is my opinion. So please don't take me as somebody selling my opinion as the fact. It's very much my opinion. But I'm wondering whether this is counterintelligence kind of stuff. Dumping this stuff out there so people, this is how little they think of people like me. But I'm going to see this image and go, oh, dump down and, and sell this and say, this is what just happened without actually checking if it's real. I would never do that. Now, there's small times when I have done similar small things like that, but it's always, always, always when it's a side point, And even then I'm wrong in doing so. That was just a casual side point that wasn't really the main focal point. And it's like, you know, a meme, somebody that I referenced it. And I'm like, oops, that was wrong. That I have done that. And I'm guilty of that. And even then I'm hate that happens. But a big story, I would never do this. I would never show this to you without making sure that it was true. Now, here's why I'm making a point about this. Because it's everywhere right now. Multiple pull fact checks and this is fake news. Now, if they dump this out there, hoping I would, people like me would point at it so they could swing back around and say, fake news, that makes sense to me. However you want to think about it, see how this stuff hurts the truth. CTV, uh, CTV News did not publish a headline saying that this is the case. Now, what does this do? Does that mean it's not true? Well, no, it doesn't. But that's how people take this, right? The people that need a fact check to understand what's happening, which is dumb people, will look at this and go, well, therefore, it's not that then. That's not even what it says. All it's actually checking is whether or not that article was real. It's not real. But that seems to, then they go into like the information and antibody-dependent enhancement. The point is, that's a possible case. And I believe that's actually something that's probably happening, that there is a overlap of this stuff and it's manipulating people. In, in fact, we'll get into it in a minute, what the injections themselves are causing, which could be being called monkeypox. The point is, that's a way for them to bury that idea. So then when we talk about it with peer-reviewed science or whatever else, they go, oh, that was fact-checked and it's fake news. It's not, though. That's how this works. They're, I think they're getting ahead of these stories. A 2021 article about monkeypox, and this is back to the image discussion, that used a photo of shingles rash proves it's a hoax. Does anybody actually think that tracks? That you can go, look, they used a fake image. It proves it's all fake. If you're going to make that leap, then you're not very smart. Because it's a fake image that it could indicate that, but there's a hell of a lot of verification that needs to be done in between that little area. Or they just used the wrong image because they're lazy or because they don't care. It doesn't automatically translate into absolutely fake, but that's what they think of us. And I think that's, I don't actually think anybody in our group or anyone else would do that because that's, it's a, 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 not an intelligent leap to make. But if they dump that story out there and hoping that we get it or jump on it, and then they dump these things out, it makes us look like we're the fake news that they want to believe that we are. Anyway, the point is guys, as always, right? Be better. Myself, everybody, we need to be better than the corporate media because they are trying to drag you down into their game in every step they take. So be better than them. It's not that hard. Now, we've seen this kind of just explode throughout the countries, U.S. included. 
So they tell us anyway, right? What's interesting to me, and other people pointed out, is how in the hell that could possibly happen? How could this thing that we've been, that everything we've been told about this up until now is that it spreads really difficult, that's very hard to transmit, except now this is a unique and special case, weirdly, just like their pandemic exercise said it would be exactly on May 15th, and in a weird thing that sounded like Britain, which is exactly where it started, right at the same time. It's almost like they predicted it. Now, if you want to know more about that, I did that in the in the, the last two monkeypox episodes we did. But the pandemic exercise aside, which is very relevant to this, I'm sure I'll bring it up again. How in the world would this make sense? Unless there's something randomly changed and we should be like, why exactly did this thing suddenly change after all these decades? The injections probably, right? The obvious new different thing that's altering everything. Or... It's not actually pox of any kind. It's in fact a side effect of something. Or maybe the pox itself is a side effect of something. But it's not, it just doesn't track for me. There's not enough connections. But they're sure as hell jumping on this. Now, but my gut, some reason tells me right now, at least the way this seems to be going, it could turn tomorrow. This seems like more of an attempt that they pulled back on or just kind of testing the waters. A little dry run to see if we're still ready and willing to jump into the next thing. Which I kind of feel like they could make happen if they really pushed it in. But I do think it's on the fence. I think most Americans are not going to buy this next thing and aren't. It just depends on whether they're willing to stand up and voice that collectively. But as this person points out in my, my last show, no way, no way that you can see community transmission in 20 plus countries at the same time. I mean, think, that'd, be hard to, that'd be hard to actually explain for, for anything, even something that spreads really fast. Simultaneous spread? In 20 countries? I mean, that doesn't even make sense for COVID. One country might be believable, but this virus does not transmit easily. That's the big point. Unlike other respiratory viruses, it's they, as, they, as, as we're told and what we're supposed to understand about it, which I'm going to show you why I say that, it's not airborne despite misinformation claiming otherwise. Clearly an attack on uh, an attack uh, followed the money, he says. What's interesting to me, though, is that it historically doesn't transmit that easy. And to see this instantly happen like this, I mean, even if this was some kind of random mutation, let's say, how do you explain 20 simultaneous countries? I mean, it just doesn't make sense. We are being gamed here, guys. Now, again, don't forget, they're, they instantly tried to bring back all the, not, not the forced, like the mandates, at least in some places, like I'll just jump to that one first, Belgium did introduce a 21-day quarantine, so that is forced, and that's alarming, because that's the thing I think they were waiting to see if we responded to. 21-day quarantine, instantly, just because they claim you might have monkeypox. But that my point was, they've also said, well, masks back, let's bring them back. As if we don't, have all the evidence we know just doesn't matter anymore, right? It's just fake news. But it's all coming back to a degree if they wanted it to. And that's what I want us to see. It wouldn't be hard for them to push this in right now. But how did it happen? Don't forget this point. PCR test. Because that's what's already happening. You don't need anything other than the PCR test to make an illusion like this happen. If that's what's actually happening. As I said, so PCR is once again the definitive, that's their word, test to confirm cases of monkeypox. The point is, should they choose to, the illusion could begin again. You can see them in the pictures right here. They're telling you from the WHO, the monkeypox PCR test is the way to go. 
Monkeypox diagnosis is confirmed by PCR testing. It's almost, they just want, it's, it's amazing after we know this, what happened with COVID, they're just doing it all over again. And of course, some light reading for you that I've referenced a hundred times over that demonstrates how they knew, know that the PCR test can lead to exactly the type of illusion. Quick faith and quick tests lead to epidemic that wasn't. That entire article from the New York Times, of course, the Wayback Machine, because they won't let you read it now, admits that they knew the PCR test was the, the, the only culprit the main and primary reason, the only reason why they had a fake epidemic of whooping cough, because they tested with this, they told them it was there when it actually was not. And they said, it's going to happen again. And the government's ears perked up. Oh, really? Well, let me try that. Here's an example somebody reminded me of. Thank you. You know who you are. They tagged me on Twitter. I brought this up right in the beginning of this. The very first, one of the very first discussions we had about PCR testing, this was one of the first things that I heard, that there's people that use these for genetic testing outside of viruses in regard to genetic material for muscles, like sea muscle, muscles in the water, right? Seafood. Now, this is from 2020 from NPR. NPR wouldn't say this today because that'd be fake news today, right? What zebra muscles can tell us about errors in coronavirus tests? Look at that. Now, don't forget, guys, that they pretend this isn't the reality. During the coronavirus pandemic, many scientists who usually have nothing to do with viruses or infectious diseases are turning their attention to COVID-19. For example, one wildlife biologist is raising questions about the accuracy of tests that detect the coronavirus. In normal times, Andrew Cohen focuses attention on issues of ecology and conservation as director of the Center for Research on Aquatic Bioinvasions. In 2007, the state of California hired him to fight back the invasion of non-native mussels, which had been wreaking havoc on ecosystems in the eastern United States. Scientists were using a clever technique to find them. They take a water sample and then look for the tiniest traces of genetic material from those mussels. They used a test called PCR, which vastly amplifies genetic material to look for mussel DNA. This is the same technique used to diagnose COVID-19. So what do we know before I keep reading, right? What do we know? As, as I'll show you in a minute, actually, as Kerry Mola said, or plenty of others pointed out, you'll find anything you keep looking for, to sort of paraphrase, right? The point is, if you keep magnifying and keep going one step further, you'll find whatever you want to find. And the point is, I'll show, he'll make that point next, that's what's happening with COVID. That's why when you go 40 to 45 cycle threshold, which, by the way, still most places in this country are doing, Unless you're after the injection, they go down to 25. That's a blatant and obvious manipulation because 40 to 45 cycle threshold on these tests guarantees a high level of false positives, as even the creator on even people like Dr. Scoglio, PhD, have admitted. He says upwards of 95% false positives. So why would you then go at a lower cycle threshold after the injection? Well, because if you go down to 25, well, it lowers the amount of false positives, which then gives the appearance the injection is having an effect. I mean, it's just blatantly manipulative, blatantly manipulative. No one know why I said that weird. So the point is, he finds the same thing, that if you keep digging, you'll find absolute false. Like the idea that they're there when they're actually not even present. The studies kept coming up with alarming results, showing signs of invasion by these pests, but Cohen grew suspicious. He says, quote, I began to realize that many of these, if not all of them, were false positives. Well, look at that. Is that fake news today? Especially when they started being reported in waters that had chemistry that would not allow the muscles to reproduce. 
Cohen wanted to understand why these tests were going awry so he could spread the word that the labs were using them. But of course, when he did that, which I reported back then, they ignored him and they kept using it. Because you know why. Quote, I eventually turned to the medical literature to look at the assessments that have been done of medical diagnostic labs that use PCR testing in humans. Cohen discovered that false positives were actually pretty common, right? He was skeptical of reports that people with absolutely no symptoms were nonetheless getting positive PCR results. Isn't it funny how it takes a muscle scientist to point out the reality that apparently the doctors don't care to acknowledge? My God. I began wondering whether these asymptomatic carriers weren't in large part or in whole human counterparts of those false positive results. Yeah, he's obviously understanding what's going on. He dug in and found that in previous outbreaks, such as SARS, guys, scientists ran a second test before confirming a case. Does that not reveal to you? So the, 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 the people like Dr. Fauci themselves, who were there and present during the SARS discussion, were using PCI, even then, they knew they had to run a second test because it wasn't accurate. So then why would COVID-19 begin and Fauci would tell you to just do one? Why would that be? Do I even need to answer? I mean, how do you go from the previous situation, knowing it's this coronavirus, knowing that you need to do multiple tests because it's not accurate, and then you do the same thing and just go, just one, how do you not see that as an, on, an obvious choice to use those false positives? By the way, don't forget that in the UK and the United States, we've caught them with literature that said we need to scare these people to drive vaccination, just like the WHO called out about the flu and pneumonia back in 2011. But you know, the facts don't matter today. That system was quickly abandoned as the number of cases grew and the ability to test remained limited. That's during, during COVID, basically. They said we just went right to the case. It says the concern there is much more common problem with these tests falsely negative results. So the point he's making is the CDC, the people he tried to speak out to, all they cared about was the false negatives. Meaning that we only cared when we didn't get a case we wanted to show you. Didn't care that we were adding more cases that weren't actually there. How transparent is that? You know, because the point is when you know there's false negatives, that means you know there's false positives, but they only acknowledged one of them. How much more dishonest does this need to get? You could look at every single part of this just absolute dumpster fire, and they get caught lying in every aspect of it. Even automated testing machines, like the ones used at the White House, can produce false positive results. Gee, man, that's why every single politician everywhere seems to be getting sick 30 se- or maybe because the injections don't help them or because it makes them even more sick, but you know, add it all together. Cohen is concerned that researchers aren't taking potential false positives and PCR tests seriously enough. This is 2020. Quote, as near as we can tell, the medical establishment and public health authorities and researchers appear to be assuming that the false positive rate in PCR-based test is zero, or at least so low that we can ignore it. So this guy who's an expert, and this has been using it for a decade, steps up and says, guys, there's a problem, and they go, get out of here. We don't care. Barely even acknowledge him. Actually, nobody's ever found a zebra muscle. Oh, but what he says here is, that's the lesson he learned that they, uh, oh, that, that's right here, they, they tracking the invasive muscles. Nobody has ever found a zebra mussel in the vast majority of Western waters where PCR tests indicated they were present. They've never seen one of them. And yet they tell them they're there. He turned out in those waters, all positive tests were false. All of them. Not some, not 10%, not 30%, but all of them. How do we not see what that tells you? 
Now, how about you listen to Carrie Mullis for a minute? Let's see what he has to say about this, just in case you haven't heard him before. You know, the creator of the test, that they're so desperate to hide from you. I want to ask this to Carrie. How do they... Um... Now, I'm going to jump ahead of this real quick, just because this guy's question, it, at, even though it's relevant, it, it's very long, and the point is simply the, the last thing he basically asked. So hold on. The result misused RNAs. That may oh, or- oh, you know what? I think the clip, the poor made this clip, they, they cut it out. So that's perfect. Carrie, how do they um, misuse PCR to estimate uh, all these so- supposed free viral RNAs that may or may not be there? Uh, is this, um, I think misuse PCR is not quite, I don't think you can misuse PCR. No, the res- now, before we go forward, that's an interesting statement right there. Because this is my main point. Because you, you can't misuse it. His point is it just simply does what it does. You can keep magnifying until you find what you want to find. And that's why you have to set the, the cycle threshold. And if you go past a certain point, you're guaranteed to find COVID. Because it's probably there to a very minuscule, absolutely minute degree. Which you won't get sick from, which is not going to have an effect. And that's the point. So listen to him say it. He's much more eloquent. Results, the interpretation of it. See, if you, if you, if you can say, if, if, if they wanted... If, if they could find this virus in you at all, and with PCR, if you do it well, you can find almost anything in anybody exactly. that starts making you believe in the sort of Buddhist notion that everything is contained in everything else, right? I mean, because if you can mo- amplify one single molecule up to, a, to something that you can really measure, which PCR can do, then there's just very few molecules that you don't have at least one single one of them in your body okay so that could be thought of as a misuse of it just to to claim that it's meaningful and the point is they know that right they know this this is on the record so the bottom line not just the speech but the science right the point is so they know that so then they focus in and they keep magnifying until they get what they want it's this is the false positive reality this has been utterly exposed and it's still happening and guess what? Now they're using it for monkeypox. They'll probably use it for bird flu and whatever else happens next. But the, the real misuse of it is, is that it, you don't need to test for HIV. You don't need to test for the other 10,000 retroviruses that are unnamed also in the subject. See, somebody that's got HIV generally is going to have almost anything that you can test for because they have definitely been, HIV is a fairly rare virus. There's only 1 million of us out of 250, 300 million people in America that have that virus. So you have to get around, either your mother had to have it and pass it to you, or you have to really be paying a lot of attention to people that do have it and paying only attention to them and get a pretty good chance of getting it that way. It's hard to get it. But if you have it, there's a good chance you've also got a lot of other ones. Because you've been in the the market for been It's been possible for you to get a lot of... It's, it's, it's To test for that one and say that has any special meaning is what I think is the problem. Not that PCR has been misused, it's like... What are they, is it an estimation? It's not an estimation, no, it's a, real, it's a really quantitative thing. It How tells you it, something about nature and about what's there, but it, it, it allows you to take a very minuscule amount of anything and make it measurable and then talk about it in meetings and stuff like it is important. See, that, that, that's not a misuse, that's just sort of a misinterpretation. After all the these uh, uh, PCR, this quantitative PCR, that if you just get down to a basic virological count, it's still one 
in a thousand to one in ten thousand uh, HIV in one to one in a thousand one in five hundred to one in a thousand T cells. It, it is. No, that, that, there's very little of what they call HIV, and what's been brought out here by Phil Pott and, and, and Isai already, the measurement for it is not, is not exact at all. It's not, it's not as good as our measurement for things like apples. An apple is an apple. You know, you can get something that's kind of like, if you've got enough things that look kind of like an apple and you stick them all together, you might think it as an apple. But, and, and HIV is like that. Those tests are all based on things that are invisible, and they are, the results are inferred, in a sense. PCR is separate from that. It's just a process that's used to make a whole lot of something out of something. That's what also, it is. But, um, it's, they, but it's not, it doesn't tell you that you're sick, and it doesn't tell you that the thing you ended up with really was going to hurt you or anything like that. That's what That's the most important part, right? It doesn't, it doesn't tell you if you're sick, which that's the case, and they're lying to you about. It's a yes or no answer, but it also doesn't tell you if what you ended up with is actually what th th that was the impetus for. I mean, it's just so th they know this is what the case is. That's why this was chosen. Now, should I, you should be asking right now with what we're going to get into the the continuity, the long, the long. What's the right word for it? The fact that they've been working on and testing with monkeypox and smallpox for a long time and put using focusing on test PCR specifically for this should ask you whether this is a long sought plan. Just a question we should ask. Right? Anybody out there that's so afraid to be called a conspiracy theorist, they don't ask questions, do they? Oh, you can't ask that one. Fox and CNN told us that's a fake news. We can't ask that one. You're a conspiracy theorist. Right. You're not allowed to ask questions? What are you, a kindergartner? It's not. So even if you believe in HIV, it can't tell the difference between virus particles or active live virus. I mean, there's a lot of questions involved. Mm -hmm. Guys, thank you very, very much. I don't know what else I can say, but. What, what is it about humanity that, 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 that wants to go to all the details and stuff and listen? You know, these guys like Fauci get up there and start talking. You know, he doesn't know anything really about anything. And I'd say that to his face. Nothing. The man thinks you can take a blood sample and stick it in an electron microscope. And if it's got a virus in there, you'll know it. He doesn't understand electron microscopy and he doesn't understand medicine. And he, doesn't, he should not be in a position like he's in. Now, the point is, guys, you could disagree with him, right? But Kerry Mullis was, of course, before he, his untimely death, right before this all started, highly respected, very intelligent, highly credentialed, right? So you can disagree with him, but you can't just go, ah, oh, fake news, conspiracy theorist. Like, that's just what dumb people do. Like, when you just dismiss somebody without any look into it because you don't like what they're saying, that's a child. That's a really child-level mentality. So listen to what he's saying, because he's a very highly credentialed, highly respected person, or he was. Most of those guys up there on the top are just... And again, in case you missed it, the inventor of the PCR test that's being used to control your life right now. The very test that he says is being misused right now. Or he said that then. And say that's weird to say that. He, the way he described it is exactly what he's saying that shouldn't be done is what they're doing with it now. So he was very prophetic in that way. Total administrative person. He should not be in a position like he's in. Most of those guys up there on the top are just total administrative people and they don't know anything about what's going on at the bottom you know those guys have got an agenda and that's why they don't have patients either right they're not really doctors if they're really just like political doctors which is not what we would like them to have being that we pay for them to take care of our health in some way 
They've got a personal kind of agenda. They make up their own rules as they go. They change them when they want to. And they smugly, like Tony Fauci, does not mind going on television in front of the people that pay his salary and lie directly into the camera. Right. Well, that's exactly what he like, Listen to what he just said again. The people that pay his salary and lie directly as they go. They change them when they want to. And they smugly, like Tony Fauci, right, does, right and, uh, they make up their own rules as they go. They change them when they want to. Doesn't that sound familiar? They make up their own rules. They change their own. They change definitions when they want to. Yeah, like PPP, your EPPP research. No, it's going to function, you utter deceiver, right? We know what you're doing. They're just changing things. Herd immunity, vaccine definitions, left and right, like that makes sense. Carrie Mullis is telling you what's going on. And they smugly, like Tony Fauci, does not mind going on television in front of the people that pay his salary and lie directly into the camera. You can't expect the sheep to really respect the best and the brightest. They don't know the difference, really. I mean, I, I like humans, don't, don't get me wrong, but basically there is a, there is a, there's a vast, the vast majority of them do not possess the, the ability to judge who is and who isn't a really good scientist. I mean, that's a problem, that's a main problem actually with science, I'd say, in this century, because science is being judged by people, funding is being done by people who don't understand it. Exactly. Trust Fauci? Fauci didn't know enough. You know, if I- so the funding is the point, though. The funding is what drives what happens next. Remember that clip we just played for you a second ago? I'll play it next, just in case. If he wants to get on television with somebody who knows a little bit about this stuff and debate him, he could easily do it because he's been asked. Right. I mean, I've had a lot of people, president of the University of South Carolina, ask about if he'd come down there and debate me on the stage in front of the student body because I wanted somebody who was from the other side to come down there and balance my... Because I felt like, well, these guys can listen to me, but I need to have somebody else down here that's going to tell me the other side. But Fauci didn't want to do it. Fauci didn't want to do it, right? So the point is, the people funding the scientific research, the governments, essentially, are driving what then gets justified, what gets acknowledged. It's the same thing with invention. Do you know how many life-changing inventions have been shelved because it challenges industry? Acting like they're doing it for you, right? Like a water-powered car. All these things are out there, guys. These things exist. Or hemp or cannabis or anything else. They just are so desperate to maintain their control over these things. They don't care about you. The point is the people funding that science don't even understand or care about things like what this PhD, highly expert, highly credentialed expert has to say, which we just showed the other day. People talk glibly about science. What is science? people coming out of a university with a master's degree or a PhD, you take them into the field and they, they literally don't believe anything unless there's a peer-reviewed paper. It's the only thing they accept. And you say to them, but let's observe, let's think, let's discuss. They don't do it. It's just, is it in a peer-reviewed paper or not? <laughs> That's their view of science. I think it's pathetic gone into universities as bright young people they come out of them brain dead not even knowing what science means they think it means peer-reviewed papers etc no that's academia and if a paper is peer-reviewed it means everybody thought the same therefore they approved it an unintended consequence is that when new knowledge emerges new scientific insights they can never, ever be peer-reviewed. So we're blocking 
all new advances in science that are big advances. If you look at the breakthroughs in science, almost always they don't come from the center of that profession. They come from the fringe. The finest candle makers in the world couldn't even think of electric lights. They don't come from within. They often come from outside the brakes. We're going to kill ourselves because of stupidity. Right. So the point is back then, at least arguably, you know, electricity happened because there was a you know natural flow. The point is today, whatever the equivalent of candle makers to electricity would be, we're being held back from it. Except once they roll out the technocratic future, it's all going to be dumped on you at once as advancement, but in their control of your life, right? The point is all that stuff's been there forever, forever. There's been so many technological advancements that have been shelved and cancer cures that have been suppressed and things around you because they can't allow that to happen without their control of it. So unintended, maybe, or maybe intended consequence of controlling the flow of scientific research. That's what I think is happening. But the point is, to finish off this PCR point, guys, is here's what we see from the sun. Sick jabs, widow of scientist who invented PCR test, hits out at COVID denier conspiracist who claim he was murdered by Fauci. Now, am I claiming Fauci murdered him? Is it possible? Sure, and it's possible. I have no evidence to suggest Fauci took Carrie Moles out. I wouldn't put it past him. My point, though, is that they want to frame people like us who are being honest and objective about the coverage and acknowledging that what he said and the reality of the scientific research around what PCR tests are and of the inventor said that it can do and can't do. Having an objective conversation about how that contrasts with what we're looking at today and they want to frame you as a COVID denier saying he was murdered by Fauci. So the person that hears us talking about this or maybe just reads the headline or sees a clip of it and goes, oh, didn't you read The Sun? That's one of those conspiracy theorists that think Fauci killed him. That's the level of intelligence of these people that are looking for any reason to dismiss what you're saying and frame you as the fringe, ridiculous narrative, the clownish version of what you're actually doing. Right? Sort of like how Pizzagate was Clinton in the basement with the children and the pizza group. And it's like, it's just that that was the dumbest reduction of the reality of a grasping, long, you know, multinational child smuggling operation that literally Epstein was caught up in. And we now know that, but it's still fake news over there, though. Like, think about how crazy that is. They were forced to acknowledge that Epstein ran a sexual blackmail child trafficking ring that blackmailed politicians. Do we all know that, right? Can we all acknowledge that's what they then admitted, even though we were called fake news for saying it way after the fact? And just Lane Maxwell, isn't it crazy? But then the narrative of sexual track, blackmail and people like Dennis Hassert, you know, uh, second in line to the president being arrested for molesting children. You know, it's all fake news, though, right? Or Liddy or plenty of other politicians around the world. No, it's all fake news because Clinton's in a pizza basement with children and it's all fake news, right? That's how they do this. Now, trust me, you want to look at my coverage of that discussion back then. I'm not saying there's there's valid points to be made about Clinton and people like Laura Silsby being caught trafficking children across borders from Haiti. That then Hillary Clinton got her off of that. It's all documented information. I wrote articles about it. Feel free to look it up. The bottom line to get not off the track is that they do this, guys, and they reduce it down to a ridiculous idea. So then when you talk about these things, they just blindly assume that's what you're getting at. To say again, I don't know if that's possible. I haven't seen any evidence to suggest that would happen, but it makes sense, especially with what he just said in that video. So you should consider it like you consider anything. 
Is it possible that, a, that aliens took him? Certainly possible. I'm just being facetious. My point is that unless we've got evidence to point in the direction, what they're doing is pointing at people and on Facebook. What a shock. What did they get? Like 13 shares? And they go, oh, that's where everybody's getting it from. <laughs> they really want to paint you as this ridiculous idea because you know what? To be quite honest, people like us in the independent media are making them look stupid because we're objective and we're honest and we're doing things for the right reasons and they can't stand it. Because all they can do is do this. Because I believe they know they're wrong and they just don't care. Now, let's go to monkeypox. This is a really important conversation because I do see this being used. Now, I want to start off with the part of this, this basically, the, oh, actually, never mind. I, I, I forgot I rearranged this. So first of all, we're going to talk about who has been manipulating this kind of stuff. And then maybe where it could have come from as well. But here's George Webb pointing out some. Now, by the way, he always is very, first I'll read it. He says, talk of the, an engineered superpox here in Geneva. An aerosolized monkeypox is a NATO project, which I'll show you, but I don't think it works. He says, but an HIV additive to monkeypox, as with SARS-CoV-2 by Odessa, would be interesting in Ukraine. Will we see a GP120 insert? So it's a lot of hypotheticals and research that he's diving into. Don't take it all at face value, but it's there's a lot, a lot of stuff that he's talked about has turned out to be interestingly true. Some of it hasn't been. But again, it's all just kind of, he's he, the way I've, I've come to realize that his research is kind of important and where he opens up thoughts and possibilities. But a lot of it is kind of stated as people take it as fact when it might not be, you know, it's all on us. It's on, always on us to do our due diligence. My point, though, is one, the aerosolized monkeypox discussion is very real that your government's been working on for a long time. So why that's not a discussion right now? Why that couldn't that have gotten out too? no nope, fake news can't be possible, right? Of course it can be. But then the HIV part of it. An HIV additive to this, like he's claiming happened in Ukraine of true SARS-CoV-2, which is certainly possible as well, is an interesting thought, isn't it? Especially since what Dr. McCullough just threw out there, and I'm going to jump ahead, actually. I think that, uh, where was that? Don't look, don't look. <laughs> this will be, at the, I'll come back to this, but as Dr. McCullough just said, Simpson et al., Chatham House, London, Monkeypox Conference, 2019, summarizes 40 years of data on this established zoonosis, which we should question, right? Because there's a lot of people that argue that's not even what happens. But going forward, prior smallpox program protective for those age 50 and older in general, cases mainly in young men, mortality low in monkeypox cases, except in advanced concurrent HIV. Wasn't that interesting? And here's the study itself. Monkeypox laboratory diagnosis by PCR has been established. And suggest that young male adults are most affected. A case fatality rate, case, not infection, they're different. 5.6% 5, 5. has been recorded with most deaths, most deaths among HIV-infected patients. How interesting is that? So I said, so COVID jabs can literally lead to VADs, which is not my opinion. That's peer-reviewed science, guys. It's autoimmunity or simply immunodeficiency, guys which is what we're talking about, and that possibly puts people in a state of being more susceptible to monkeypox? Well, isn't that quite interesting? Okay, the point is, this is one of the things I considered, that what they're doing to people could have created a situation where something that was already naturally there, whether it's one, whether monkeypox and smallpox are different or the same thing, they argue smallpox has been eradicated. My point is, plenty of experts are arguing that they're basically the same thing, mis misunderstood. So wouldn't that stand to argue that if it was something they did remove, that suddenly it comes back because you've changed people's situations. You've created a situation where you're basically giving people this immunodeficiency, 
which then creates a situation where they're more susceptible to something that they wouldn't have otherwise caught. There you go. Boom. Suddenly you got a monkeypox outbreak. That makes sense. Not saying that's what I believe. It's something that we're certainly toying with, though, and it's very interesting. So going back to where we were, going back to the aerosolized discussion, I just I, I forgot that we made that point at the end. We'll come back to the HIV point, but it's very, very relevant. But we're also going to get into where this could have come from and the aerosolization of it. Okay, so first, the place. Theories linking monkeypox to Wuhan and Ukraine labs torn apart by experts. Of course, they're coming out left and right. Fake news, it's not possible, right? Just like they did with Wuhan, didn't they? Now, again, I'm not even saying that I believe that's the case. Because I, I don't think I actually believe that, to be quite honest, that it came from Wuhan lab, unless that was the plan. The point is not whether or not that's true. The point is the evolution of what they're allowed to say. In the beginning of this, it was without any due diligence, without any research, they knew that was not supposed to be talked about, so it was fake news. Bioweapon, Wuhan lab, leak, didn't matter. You're such a crazy, dangerous conspiracy theorist. People were censored. People lost their channels. They laughed at you. They said, God, you're so stupid. It came from a pangolin in the wet lab or the wet market. No, Wuhan flu. You're so stupid. All these mainstream corporate garbage nonsensical talking points. Right? And then when it was apparently allowed for what, again, sort of like the mask, there was no discernible reason it changed. They were, in fact, they had all sorts of lancet discussions about how it was dangerous and fake. And, and then suddenly they just were like, yeah, okay, now we think it's possible. Now you're allowed to talk about it. Now it can be considered. <laughs> it was just crazy, very obvious. Well, same thing's happening here, it seems. Right out of the gate, they're going, nope, not possible. Of course we know it's possible. I'm not saying that's what the case is. But if it was that that was the case, can you not argue that you know it's possible that it could have leaked from any number of BSL-4 labs in Ukraine or around the world in Wuhan that could and do work on these things and could have let it happen? Of course that's possible. But no, experts say. You mean the same experts that said, that? yes, exactly. Anyway, that's, I, the point is, here's the evidence. This is one that's been circulating February 28th. Isn't that weird? A couple days after the Russia thing started, right? Fragment of monkeypox virus genome. This is research specifically focusing on a PCR template, which is very revealing to me, using monkeypox. Guess where this is happening? The Wuhan Institute of Virology. Well, look at that. So how are you going to say this is not possible when Wuhan is quite literally working on monkeypox right now? That's just childishly stupid. Now, we, I can't say just because they did that we know that's what this is, because I'm not even believing that's what this is, what's happening right now. I don't believe, I actually, more of the mind we're getting to next is more likely. But nonetheless, you should be considering the possibility that this is the culprit. Because it is there, and it is working on it. But so too is the U.S., and so too is a lot of other people. But it's interesting, though. Here's what it says. A 55 KB, what was the KB again? It was uh, the measurement here. In any case, uh, genomic fragment of monkeypox virus encompassing primary detection targets for qualitative PCR was assembled. So the focus on PCR tests is very revealing to me because it goes all the way back to the old research as well. Which, by the way, they weren't even talking about that back then. Even in that New York Times article, they, they were talking about it in an acronym like P.C.R. Like it was brand new and nobody, because it was. But yet you can go back even way before that. And the PCR test was this constant, this continual focal point around pox. Now, since MPXV infections, have that's the monkey pox, uh, it's, it's monkey pox and that's the, just monkey pox, it's pox in general. 
infection has never been associated with an outbreak in China. The viral genomic material required for PCR detections is unavailable. That's interesting. Why is it never happened? Isn't that strange? Why would it not happen there? And then why would they not be able to share genetic? It's interesting they would say that. So we're just unable to test for it in China. I don't know what that means exactly, but I find it interesting. The last point, it says this DNA assembly tool applied in virological research could also raise potential security concerns, especially when the assembled product contains a full set of genetic material that can be recovered into a contagious pathogen. So what they were doing in this Wuhan lab research right here in 2022, they openly say could be a problem because it's a dangerous pathogen that could be you. Well, isn't that the entire point of why we don't want this research being done? Yes, it's dangerous. Exactly the point, because gain-of-function research is dangerous, and your government is still actively involved in this research in China right now, as well as other places around the world, despite what they tell you. That's why they even changed the name of it, calling it EPPP research. So the point is, could it come from Wuhan? Absolutely it could. But they're, they're coming hot out of the gate going, experts say it's just not possible. Why? Here's a funny one for you. Here's the spectator. No, monkeypox didn't come from Wuhan. Really big. And then the initial evidence suggests. <laughs> like, it's not it funny. Why would you? I mean, it's just such a blatantly misrepresented title. You, so the point is, we don't know. We don't know. But the evidence doesn't suggest it didn't come from Wuhan. That's not even remotely what the article finds. May 23rd. Here's what it says. The lab, which is considered by a growing number of scientists to be the origin of the original COVID pandemic, specializes in so-called gain-of-function experiments. These experiments, and by the way, that was funded and outsourced by the U.S. government. It's not even secret. These experiments aim to genetically enhance viruses like COVID, so they're more likely to jump species to humans. Why is that something we allow? Reports emerged last year that researchers at the lab fell ill before the first cases of COVID. Well, of course, that's just the way they want you to couch that as well in probably Wuhan, except the fact that there's evidence everywhere that challenges that. The fact that Spain found examples of this all the way back to 2019, that Canada, Italy, Taiwan, many different places, including the United States, found evidence of this before it was found in Wuhan. But who cares about all that many different... There's many countries with many health organizations all finding that's not true but they still toe the line. What more do you need to see, guys? Now, a February study has come to light, suggesting similar experience may have been carried out at Wuhan. Monkeypox virus, that's what we just showed you. So, if it's possible that happened with the first part, because they were working on it, why would it be so impossible that if something they're working on could have come from Wuhan there? I mean, they don't even try to explain. They just basically say no. It looked to create a monkeypox virus that could be identified on PCR tests. Why? Ask yourself why they were trying to make a monkeypox virus that could be tested with PCR. It's almost as if they're trying to find a thing they could use and then use the PCR to make look worse. I mean, I don't even understand how you explain that. Somebody in the chat, give me another example. Why would you make something that could be used on PCR tests that doesn't actually find the full picture? That's strange. The researchers successfully produced a genomic fragment of monkeypox virus. Well, that's alarming. This DNA assembly tool applied in virology research could also raise potential potential security concerns. That's the part I just read to you because it is dangerous. And they admitted that. So could it have leaked? The researchers say that this would be impossible because the monkeypox DNA fragments they produced was small, less than one third of a genome. So the experiment was fail safe by virtually 
eliminating any risk of recovering into infectious virus. Doesn't that mean that there's a chance? Virtually eliminating? It's not eliminating. But even then, how do we know that's even the case? Why? Because it's small. Is it still not possible that it could have gotten out? Given, stolen, used. I mean, really? That's your argument? That because the, they, because they say so? That's the argument. That's the stupidest saying, well, Israel said, or the U.S. said, like I just said, we investigate ourselves and we found ourselves not guilty. Well, it's because they said it's not possible. We're going to go ahead and blatantly tell you, well, it's not possible, even though we just explained why COVID could be, but this one's not. So it's very unlikely. Wait a minute. It went from virtually eliminating, which still means it's possible, to very unlikely, which means it's far more possible than virtually eliminated. That's pretty dumb. Emails uncovered between the Welcome Trust Jeremy Farrar and America's Anthony Fauci suggest the lab accidentally created a virus primed for rapid transmission between humans. Talking about COVID. In the same emails, the former director of the NIH warned publication could that warned the publication could damage international harmony. So the truth about whether this could be the case might harm what we're trying to accomplish, framed as international harmony. So we lied to you. But we're going to trust them now, though, because, you know, that's what we do. Without more transparency within the scientific community, particularly in China, blaming them, it's not like there was obvious overlap for the NIH, which you just said, by the way, any outbreak or any virus will immediately lead to more and more suspicion. So that's your argument? So you're going to end by saying that they lied to you about how this works, but take their word for it right up here. (laughs) Okay. God, is anybody that stupid? Apparently Michael Simmons is, but I don't know if anybody else is. Anybody? Now, by the way, somebody referenced this in these tweets over here. Why why isn't anybody considering this weird discussion? Or was this just to keep this in our minds? Remember that monkey's escape discussion? Did that just happen? Monkey's escape after truck crashes on Pennsylvania Highway. What was being tested on these monkeys? Was Was this a real situation? Did this actually happen? And it wasn't meant to be some narrative? Did they actually lose control of monkeys they were testing on and then it got, then it got, I mean, think about that. Is that not possible? Why isn't that being discussed? Or how about this one? COVID research monkeys detained for Miami Spur First Amendment and animal right battle. An attempt to ship lab monkeys destined for COVID-19 vaccine research from Africa to Florida reportedly set off a secretive legal battle over animal rights. Circuit Judge Beatrice Buchenko on Tuesday unsealed, this was February or excuse me, November 12th, 2020. 2020. On Tuesday, unsealed records in a legal dispute sent for the cancellation of lab monkey shipment to Miami. According to Miami Herald, shipping company International Logistics Support launched a pair of lawsuits against air carrier Skybus jet cargo over shipments that had been set to go to both Florida and California. So what happened to them? Aren't these COVID-19 research monkeys? No, just wait till we get to that part about what they're doing with these monkeys and whether that could be the problem for what we're talking about now. So the point is, remember this, they're out there. And that could be the very thing. Just a possibility. Because you know what they were doing? Testing on them. Here's December 2001. Now the point is, if they're testing on these monkeys all the way back then and gave them something that may not have been visible, seen, whatever, that then they then use them again for COVID testing and they in the transfer over here and they lose control. I mean, there's so many possibilities here. I'm just throwing it out there. As always, I give you my side opinion, but the point is the facts that I'm showing you, right? The the provable information right in front of us. 2001, December, by the way, so very relevant to the whole biosecurity state beginning. Guess what they were doing? 
the pathology of experimental aerosolized monkeypox. They were literally making aerosolized versions of monkeypox, which, by the way, is undeniably a bioweapon. That's what it is. Period. And by the way, that's what they were doing gain-of-function research, because back then they were not even hiding it. Seno, uh, Sinomoglus monkeys, whatever those are, were exposed by fine particle aerosol to lethal doses of, doses of monkeypox virus. Isn't that interesting? Associated with increased dissemination of the virus to the liver, spleen, and bone marrow and resulted in a more rapidly fatal clinical course. They weaponized monkeypox. And we're supposed to pretend like that's not relevant to right now? One of these I had a point of the way at the end. Hold on, make sure it's not this one. I forget. Yep, right here. Okay. So under aerosol exposure, monkeys were then exposed to aerosolized vi- virus in in 10% bovine serum, the aerosol dose was determined for each monkey by continuous sampling throughout each 10-minute exposure. The aerosol inhaled dose was then calculated from the minute volumes measured during uh, plethysmography. The point is they're testing and measuring what the different varying uses of this is, how, how much more. This is a weapon, guys. They're, they're kill- but how about we ask why it's okay that they're murdering monkeys to test their weapon? Isn't that animal abuse? Makes me sick. They are literally hurting these monkeys. They're continually giving them a dangerous pathogen and watching them die for their own resources. How is that helping Americans? Oh, so they can make a vaccine for their weapon? We're not that stupid, guys. This is disgusting. This is the kind of research that they took apart, they gained from bringing people like Dr. Ishii from World War II. That's what this all stems back to. Here's 2012. Yeah, it keeps going. Susceptibility of monkeypox viral or virus aerosol suspensions. 2012. Once aerosolized, so still, so decade plus, they're still making aerosolized versions of monkeypox. Viruses are subjected to various stress factors in their integrity and potential of infectivity can be altered. That's called gain of function research. Empirical characterization is needed in order to predict more accurately the fate of these bioaerosols. So we'll keep testing on things, both for short-term and long-term suspension in the air. Why would they want this to suspend longer? I mean, really ask yourself that. Other than the obvious, what we think, I mean, we know what this is, guys. My point is, from a from an objective standpoint of somebody buying the narrative, why would they want to suspend this longer? If you're just aerosolizing it to be able to find out how that works, to be able to make something to protect yourself, you don't need to make it last longer in the air. That doesn't even make sense to me unless you're trying to increase the dangerous nature of the weapon or the how strong the weapon is, how long the weapon lasts. By the way, because that's what they're doing. Here is this, the susceptibility to aerosolization of the monkeypox virus, MPXV, that's what it was, monkeypox virus, associated with emerging zoonotic diseases was studied. Thought, yeah, right here, this one, another one, and this one too. Infected viruses were recovered from suspended aerosols after 90 hours. So they go out of their way to make this so incredibly dangerous that it will last for 90 hours in, in, in an environment. That's, that's not natural. That's not something that should be done. Now, here's the question. They're going to say, well, what if somebody out there does? Are we going to pretend like you're going to know what that one person will do? That because you chose to make this extra dangerous, that they're not going to then use Ebola and do the same thing? Or are they doing the Ebola too? Or are they making everything everywhere more dangerous just in case somebody makes something more dangerous? 
That's the stupidest argument ever because the bottom line is, I'll read to you in a minute, that, that leads to guaranteed accidental releases or, by the way, intentional releases because that is happening. The longevity of the monkeypox virus in a laboratory-controlled aerosol state suggests that this virus could potentially remain infectious for long periods of time in the environment, not by natural sense cases, but because they made it that way. Your government was doing this. 2010, oh, this should have been the one before. In any case, 10 and then 12 was the next one. Aerosolized monkeypox. It says, monkeypox virus infection in humans resulted in clinical symptoms very similar to smallpox. Well, look at that. Is it not possible that they're the same thing? Plenty of experts would say so. Aerosol is a route of secondary transmission for monkeypox and a primary route of smallpox transmission in humans. Therefore, an animal model for aerosol exposure is needed to test the medical countermeasures. So that's actually why this should have gone first. The point is then, then they do so. Then they make it way more dangerous. And let's not ask for a second whether that's what we're watching today. Groups of macabres, macaque, macaque, excuse me, the kind of type of monkey, were exposed to four different doses of aerosolized monkeypox. Yeah, because that's not going to cause any weird thing, unexpected consequences. <clears throat> excuse me. Now, here's the interesting part. <clears throat> Lymphodenopathy the swelling of the lymph nodes, which differentiates monkeypox from smallpox, was observed and exposed macaques around day six post-exposure. So they really focus on this. They, okay, well, you have swollen lymph nodes. Well, then it must be monkeypox instead of smallpox. That's a very important point to where this goes. Because the idea, where we get into that. Oh, did I mix that up? That's frustrating. Oh, I did, I think. Oh, I'll come back to it. I, I rearranged these. The, the point, we'll come back to that. Don't forget this point, though. That's, and you already know this. We made this point the other day. Lymphodenopathy is supposed to be the main difference. Swelling of the lymph nodes. Except, which we'll get into in a minute, guess what causes that? <laughs> the smallpox injection they want to give you to stop the thing they tell you you have. Round and round we go, right? But before we get into that, let's take a step back to 2014. How to fix U.S. biosecurity leaks. You know, the thing that doesn't happen, according to the press today. Well, their answer was close labs. That's not what happened, really. I mean, they did close some, but of course they outsourced them to other places, and that's the problem. So the whole thing is they're going, look, look, if we have these labs, we're going to find these leaks. Now, I'm not saying we know that's what happened, but even within their narrative, they're saying that that's, the point is that the more labs you have, the more leaks you're going to get. So instead of closing them when they just outsource them somewhere else, well, that seems to make sense, doesn't it? So the leaks happen somewhere else, and they could blame them on someone else. And that's, that, that's assuming they didn't make that happen. In the wake of disclosures, 2014, that top government labs <clears throat> mishandled anthrax, smallpox, and avian flu. Look at that, smallpox in there too. U.S. health authorities are considering the once unthinkable, cutting the, the burgeoning number of labs working with the planet's most dangerous microbes. That's why they. That's when they pretended to stop gain of function research, and in fact, aggressively ramped it up. When the U.S. CDC last week unveiled a report documenting multiple safety breaches at its labs, which they pretend isn't true today, its director for the first time suggested the country turn back the rapid fire proliferation of such research units. I can't believe we allowed it in the first place, which have tripled in more than a decade to a fifteen hundred. Why in the world do we pretend we need 1,500 labs studying very dangerous things if their only objective is to make them dangerous to make vaccines? Do we need 1,500 labs making the same vaccines? They might argue that. 
I think we see through this now. Quote, one of the things that we want to do, by the way, though, that's not even what's actually happening, just so that's clear. One of the things that we want to do, they say, in 2014, is reduce the number of laboratories that work with dangerous agents to the absolute minimum necessary, according to the then director of the CDC. Quote, reduce the number of people who have access to those laboratories to the absolute minimum, reduce the number of dangerous pathogens to work with. His remarks may vindicate the views of a small group of biosafety and biosecurity experts who see that the only way to protect dangerous viruses and bacteria from both lab accidents and thefts is to stop the labs from continuing to do their work. They point to an alarming rise in the number of incidents of lost or escaped microbes from such labs in recent years. How many times have you heard me talk about this? And And see the CDC cases as proof that even the best facilities are vulnerable because the CDC had lab leaks. Following through on this idea would require a a wholesale shift in U.S. biodefense, bio-offense, really, which spans preparedness for diseases, disease outbreaks, and for use in biological agents and terror attacks. Exactly. While the CDC and the U.S. Department of Agriculture are responsible for registering labs that work with select agents, microbes, and poisons that could be used as bioweapons, both by the U.S. and other people, they cannot rescind the approval unless there's been a clear violation of the rules for handling these microbes. Quote, just as with the domestic spying by the National Security Agency, drone attacks, and a long list of other things, the White House seems to feel that it must maintain the policies of the last administration or risk being called weak on Homeland Security. Right, exactly what anybody's not childish knows. It's not about what's right or wrong. It's about doing what you need to do politically to make it look what you... Okay, if you're you're drone bombing people, not because you think you should, but because you don't want to look weak, that's disgustingly horrific. But that's what we know is the reality. Same with this. That we're going to keep doing dangerous things because we don't want to look weak. According to 2013 report by the Government Accountability Office, the investigative arm of Congress... 415 labs had registered with the CDC or the USDA in 2004 to work with select agents. By 2010, so, wait, so, uh, oh, so 2004. So, six years later, it was six years, it went from 415 labs to 1,495. Over a 1,000 more labs in six years. Why does that make sense to anybody? And that was intentional. The 2001 anthrax stolen from a federal bio lab, which I argue wasn't stolen, but it's a different conversation, and they framed the individual they did. It killed five people and sickened 17 more. That came from Fort Detrick, by the way. At the time, only two U.S. labs were capable of identifying anthrax and samples of mysterious powders. So that's their argument. So because we, because of the one time that we, we faked this whole thing and flooded people with fake powder, we created the, the narrative for why we needed labs everywhere. Excuse me. Pardon me one second. Excuse me. So as every other case you see, they created the narrative. Problem, reaction, solution. Why do we need all these labs? Because there's so many anthrax tests to do. And then the moment that went away, they just kept making labs anyway. Now it says Henderson was trapped, was tapped by federal government to vastly increase the number of such labs, both to detect suspected pathogens like anthrax and to conduct biodefense research, such as developing vaccines, which means weapons and vaccines as the cover. 
Quote, we had more white powder coming out of more places than you could possibly imagine. The number of powdered donuts that got subject to testing, I'd hate to think. Even making a joke about it, guys, like that's dumb. Like people that are just, that's, that's how they made the, the, the claim to need so many research labs. So you lost sight of what was happening. As a result of that illusion, there was a rush <clears throat> to get more BSL-3 and 4 labs, referring to the highest level security. Universities were anxious to build them. Why? Because it brought millions of dollars in funding. Not because we needed it, because of money. A decade later, and by the way, that came out of your pocket, as always, the country had spent $19 billion on biodefense research, which led to where you are right now. But there, I mean, think about how dumb that is, right? $19 billion, and yet still they couldn't, and, and all they do now is we need more research and more defense and more. Okay, so if we put $19 billion into stopping what we're supposed to defend, it clearly didn't work. So we just need more money? Look at that, right back in the hamster wheel. More money until it happens again. We need more money still, and it just never ends. Because it's not about stopping these things, it's about profiting and controlling the flow. But there has been no national assessment of how much these labs or how much such labs are needed for security. Gee, I wonder why. Well, be all accountable, uh, the accountable, the government accountability office is all about making sure we got, but we don't even care to look into whether or not it achieves the goal they say they need them for. Yeah, that's not obvious or anything. <clears throat> Increasing the number of such laboratories, it concluded, increases the aggregate national risk. Right. But nobody cares. So we'll just put them in China then. We'll put them everywhere else. It also, I mean, isn't it funny? That, so we're talking about the increasing the risk. We know that the more the labs, the more the risk. And right now, all they can talk about is a global risk. But so they didn't care about the global risk then? So they just dumped these labs elsewhere and continue to maintain the global risk? Like, how do you make sense of what their narrative is today if that's what they did then? They're responsible. <laughs> it's very clear. All of them. It also increases the number of individuals with federal approval to work with select agents. With the additional spending, the number of people with access to bioweapon agents, which is all they're working on, and even they'll admit that, also increased by a factor of 20 to 40. According to 2012 report by the CDC, by the CDC, and here you've heard me mention this many times, there were 16 incidents of lost or escaped microbes from select agent labs in 2004, meaning everything from misplaced samples to an infected researcher walking out the door. We're talking Ebola, coronavirus, because they're working on these things. We're talking BSL-3 and 4, smallpox, they work on all these things. We're talking as stupid as things coming out on the, sh on the sole of a person's shoe or something that went into a trash can. These were all real examples. Now that rose, by the way, and this is what I've cited many times, to 128 times in 2008 to 269 leaks from a lab in 2010. That's the thing I keep telling you that they, they keep pretending is fake news. That's because this is from 2014 and they pretend the old news doesn't matter anymore. Please hear this, guys. I know most of you already know this. The BSL 3 and 4 labs have things specifically like coronaviruses, like Ebola, like smallpox. And in 2010, the, the number is one leak every three days for seven years straight. They say this. That's what you're looking at. But that they just lump it. The last part was just 269 by itself. 269 times just in 2010, they had people leaving with very dangerous samples. Microbes. Accidentally, by accident, by intention. Who knows? And we're supposed to pretend like it's only over there? Jeez. How about you ask whether this is always what's happening? 
Quote, it is almost exactly two per week and accelerating. That's 2014, they're telling you. Two per week. Two lab leaks every week. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing how this got dropped off the map, though. That's what's amazing. Now, that's Mark Lipstitch of Harvard Medical School, of Harvard School of Public Health, and suggests that staff training, physical measures, and other elements of biosafety are failing more often rather than less. But all they did was increase their efforts. People like Fauci. And all the rest of them, by the way. Fauci just gets focused on today. There's a lot of them including the people involved in the government, like the Trumps and the Bidens as well, allowing this stuff to continue because that is what happened even under Trump. And I've made that clear during the way. All he did was, you know, this feigned effort to stop funding to Wuhan, but didn't stop all the rest of the funding to China labs. There was at least eight of the labs I pointed at right in the beginning doing the same research. That was on the same record. He knew that. Didn't care. It was all about politics, guys. Now it says the CDC's anthrax breach, plus its mishandling of a highly pathogenic flu virus, also revealed last week, which was in 2014, show that even the most respected labs can violate protocols in potentially dangerous ways. If you can, you know, could be an accident, could be on two nose. It therefore makes no sense <clears throat> for the United States to have a dozen BSL-4 labs, which work with pathogens that are easily transmitted by air between people. Anthrax is not contagious, and so is handled in BSL-3 labs, and cause severe or fatal diseases for which there are no vaccines or treatments, said biologist Lynn Klotz, a member of the scientist working group on chemical and biological weapons, right? So they go, oh, we'll make vaccines for it then. Okay, now we're good. No, we're not. It's the same problem. At minimum, these labs should be in a remote rural area, says Klotz. That way, if there's a mechanical failure or something gets out, there's much less risk. But how about we just don't do it at all? How about that? He and others say several high-security labs should be candidates for closing. This is 2014, guys. The bottom line, they're telling you more labs, more danger. And what do they do? They keep outsourcing it around the world. They're still they're, they're in Ukraine. They're in China. They're all over the world. <clears throat> hey, let's take a look at that. This is an interesting find. This is from May 2019 from the National Library of Medicine, NIH.gov. Isn't that interesting? Here's what it says. A list of labs identified in low-resource countries. <laughs> this is going to shock you a little bit to realize just how much of this is happening right now, guys. Just to show you how clearly this is going to be used with the World Health Organization amendments and the treaty and where this is going. The ability to go, we think you're having a pandemic because we say so, which is what we'll get to. That is happening. So you, I, I, I recommend that you go through this yourself and highlight points that I may have missed because there's a lot in here. A lot of things that I might have missed, but I'm kind of just standing, giving you the quick standouts. So this goes from Afghanistan and goes through a lot of different countries, okay? What you'll find, like for instance, I'll just going to point out, Afghanistan, there's, well, here's what's interesting too. I'm going to show you the U.S. stuff and the stuff I think is relevant to what we're talking about today. But note that a lot of this stuff is funding unknown. The research is unknown. Right? I mean, why is that allowed? Especially when the U.S. government's involved. You'll find places where the U.S. government's involved, where the funding and who's funding, it's not documented. Or the research they're doing is completely unknown in its main places. Why is that acceptable to anybody? That you know they're doing some pretty gross and shady stuff around the world. Because they get caught for it all the time. Like, for example, weirdly enough, the Defender just posted another story about that, that Beagle story that we covered, like, last year. It's still an important story, but I'm just not sure why it came up again. Dr. Fauci was exposed for using beagles in foreign countries to and keeping their heads in these boxes 
and allowing these, these sand flies to eat their ears while they were sedated so they couldn't move, but they were suffering. And that was all for some kind of discussion or some kind of research. That's horrific. Or how about just the fact that they're still testing on monkeys, and that makes me sick. Any of these animals deserve more respect than that. Bottom line, though, is that they do this stuff away in other countries, so you don't see it. So let's go through this. So, for instance, just Afghanistan, where's the funding coming from? Oh, we don't know. That's the NIH. The NIH is okay with BSL-2 labs working on dangerous things, but who knows who's funding it? Is it Iran? Is it Russia? Who cares, right? I mean, is that strange to anybody else? It gets worse. Look through this. Here's Bangladesh, okay? The U.S. CDC is funding this lab in Bangladesh. BSL-2, so it's not incredibly, it's not as serious as 3 and 4, but, as it, so just so we can see up here, country, the number of BSL-2, 3, and 4 labs, the type of lab, the funder, the status, and the capability. I might forget, I have to scroll back up, but just so we can see. So, here, U.S. CDC is the one conducting this BSL-2 lab in Bangladesh. Why is that? And anthraticus human outbreaks. Why are they working on anything in, in Bangladesh? Right? I mean, why is the CDC working on the kind of research that they don't want to be done? Why is that even happening? Why is that okay with anybody? Of course, they're going to try to argue it's for their benefit, but that's not what's happening. We can see that pretty clearly. Here's another one, also in Bangladesh. Look at that. The Gates Foundation apparently has its own, its own lab working on who knows. We don't know what they're doing. That's not a joke, by the way. Uh, oh, and with, with USAID alongside of them. Okay, here's another one. Another, another USAID lab. BSL-2 isolates of Brucella. We'll get, there's more important stuff down here. So here's just another one. I just don't think, I don't know why it makes sense that it's okay that people don't know who's funding these labs. Or rather, I guess more specifically that the NIH doesn't know. So I guess there's difference there in regard to what the other countries are allowing. It's not the US, NIH's right to know who's doing, but there's, my point is more about the NIH stuff the U.S. is involved in, and they still don't list who's funding it, which is really suspicious to me. So here's Ethiopia. USAID has a lab, or at least they're involved with a lab, focusing on tuberculosis, of all things, in a BSL-3 lab in Ethiopia. No, I just find that strange. There's a lot of these, by the way. This is BSL-3, BSL-3, BSL-3. These are all different groups. Again, funding, unknown, unknown. Who knows what's happening there? Here is USA. Oh, that's what I just saw. Here's Ghana, Africa, which I find very relevant. Unknown funding. Strange. Haiti. Of course Haiti's relevant. Our government has destroyed Haiti for their own benefit. Clinton Foundation basically bled them dry by claiming they were saving people. And even that, do even that uh, doctor... That's weird. Why is it coming up on their site? Dang it. Yeah, it's so frustrating. Why isn't my article come up first? <laughs> oh, dang it. Hold on. Where in the hell is my article? Dang it. See if it pops up. Of course not. <laughs> that's not like Google's hiding this stuff or anything. Gosh darn it. That's so frustrating. Hold on. Now I have to get it. It's worth your time to read because this is about what happened in Haiti. Dang it, I can't type. 
Now that's got to come up. Oh no, look at that. Is that about me? That's awesome. Let's see if they're taking my article and claiming it first started on your newswire. No, I guess they're just covering the same story. It's not fake. It's actually really important. Well, I guess I have to find it now. Hold on. Apologize for the delay. How interesting is that? So, in Haiti, your government abused the situation horrifically. And this is not even a hard, this is easy to point out right now. And this is also the story, by the way. Here it is, exact title. <laughs> of course it doesn't pop up on Google. What a weird shock. Here it is, by the way. And it's not fake news, despite their ridiculous fact check. The bottom line is, guys, this is a real story. And this guy was on the record, on the record, saying disaster management on the ground was non-existent. <clears throat> Cheerios and the tarmac are not getting it done. Once we arrived, we saw severely damaged hospital running, no, no running water, no electricity. Guys, they took hundreds of millions of dollars from people. And they sent broken equipment. They sent food with maggots on it. This is easy to document, guys. <clears throat> and the point was, he apparently died by stabbing himself in the chest. I mean, what a ridiculous story. Now, I'm not saying we know for sure that because of some Clinton discussion, but that adds to the like, gigantic story of very suspicious deaths from people that are openly calling out the Clinton Foundation. In any case, the point is, in Haiti, the USAID's involved in continuing to take it, abuse the situation. Here is US CDC over here, and this was the capabilities of the lab. It says, has USCDC on site. Not only are they funding it, but they're literally on site in Haiti conducting some kind of research. Doesn't even say. Just says national public health. That's what it's supposed to say what they're doing. Here is Indonesia, USAID, training. 10 unknown operations. Okay, so the USAID is willing to train people at this lab in Indonesia when they have 10 unknown projects they're conducting. Now, does that mean that the USAID doesn't know or the U.S. government doesn't know or they're just not letting you know what they're doing? Shouldn't it matter? HIV research? Shouldn't it matter? There's so much going on around the world and he's dangerous. And these are BSL-3 labs, guys. Here's Liberia. U.S. CDC, U.S. AMRID, U.S. AID, U.S. NIH. They're all there. Working on gain-of-function research, in my opinion. I guarantee that's what's happening in all these places. Malawi, working on tuberculosis. USAID. Mali. BSL-3. Both BSL-3s. NIAID. Here's Myanmar. Very political, huge political hotspot. BSL-3. One, two, three, four. They got three different BSL-3 labs. Of course, no information on who's funding this. I mean, we have the UN involved, but see, I'm willing to bet that some of these no informations are a little bit more obvious than we think, but there's clearly stuff going on there that they don't want you to see. Now, here's an interesting couple, Nigeria in Africa. There's a lot of one of these, a lot of these in Africa happening. There is 10, 10 BSL-3 labs, 10 of them working on things like Ebola in Nigeria, Global Affairs Canada involved with funding that one. Numerous other engagements and possible funders. Don't you love that? What do you mean like the U.S. government that we're not going to mention as they work on BSL-3 Ebola funding in Nigeria with three, 10 different labs? 
My God, what do you think is happening there? Then ask yourself when you have all these crazy things popping off right in these areas, people like Dr. Boyle would say, that's why. They are messing with this stuff. Or people in Georgia, the country, would say that's why we're having these problems. Or before the whole thing with Russia started, all around Ukraine, everywhere else, talking about weird smoke coming from their labs and people get sick the next day. It's all around the world if you just pay attention to anybody other than the corporate media shouting down what people want to tell you is happening. I'm not saying you have to blindly trust what they say is happening, but you should listen. Global Affairs Canada program. Here's Pakistan. WHO, Collaborative Center for Research, with six unknown projects. Isn't that the WHO? Why would the NIH not know what the WHO is doing in six projects they're constructing inside of Pakistan? That's strange. He's seeing as how they have five BSL-3 labs, five of them working on high-level things like Ebola and coronavirus. In the Philippines, Global Fund to Fight AIDS and Tuberculosis with six unknown projects. That seems great and scary. In Senegal, BSL-3 labs working with the WHO, unknown funding. What? Why would the WHO have unknown funding? (laughs) It just seems ridiculous to me. Sierra Leone. Plenty of Ebola outbreaks over there. Well, guess what? They've got BSL-3 labs funded by the U.S. CDC, U.S. AMRID. That's the most dangerous combination right there. Recent funding, unknown. What do you mean recent funding, unknown? If it's it's significant collaboration with your government, why do they not know, or rather, why are they not admitting who is funding them? Don't we as Americans or UK found it? Doesn't the UK and the American people have a right to know where the funding's coming from? Apparently not. As long as they do it in African countries where we don't pay attention to. Here's another one. Funding unknown. This one just has question marks. <laughs> Who knows? Who cares? Let's move on. Sri Lanka, none listed. What do you mean none listed? No funding even listed. What, what they're even capable of is unknown. These things seem ridiculous to me. Like with what they just described in that 2014 article, why this is such a, I mean, if they're really worried about these pandemics everywhere, why isn't this a focal point of conversation? Because I think they know what will happen is you'll discover they're the culprits. Uganda, CDC, a year of funding unknown. Interesting. Working on what? HIV AIDS programs with PCR limited sequencing. Weird. All this weird stuff that ties back to exactly what's going on right now. This is, again, this is back in 2019. Don't forget that. Here's some funding from USAID. Oh, weird. Gates Foundation. All jumping in in Uganda with BSL-3 labs to work on HIV funding and PCR testing. 2019. That's interesting. Here's a good one. Ukraine. Wait a minute. I thought that was fake news. Too late. They have four BSL-3 labs and four labs with BSAT. The point is, guys, they're working on BSL-4. Now, understand, most of these are three up here. There's only a couple in here with fours. One of them is Ukraine. One of the most alarming locations on the planet for right now for where this would be taking place. And we're talking about the highest level of concern. Now, check out what it says. First of all, just so we're clear, under the category of the type of lab. Don't forget what the U.S. government's been screaming about and shouting down anybody talking about what's happening in Ukraine. Guess what the NIH website still says right now about what's happening in 2019. This is BSL-4 labs with no funding described. Yeah, we don't wonder where that's coming from, the U.S. government, as we now admit it and we now know. Some parts of FSU weapons program. Okay, so we're, so we're clear. That means former Soviet Union. But 
no matter what they want to spin about Ukraine and what's happening in these labs, if these labs were former Soviet Union weapons programs, which, by the way, that makes no sense to me, seeing as how the U.S. government funded and built most of these. The bottom line, though, is that this is a weapons program, whether it was absorbed or, or taken over or not. And just because they're now holding it doesn't then make it not a weapons program. That's the illusion of how they frame this. It's always a weapons program. So we know the U.S. is involved, but see, in 2019, they were hiding that still. No funding. We don't know. Operational. Yeah, they are operational. So we have a weapons-grade program with BSL-4 labs in Ukraine, four of three, four, four BSL-3 and four, no funding described, making dangerous things. Wasn't that supposed to be fake news? Apparently not. Vietnam, BSL-3. U.S. HHS. That's an interesting show. We have the Health and Human Services with BSO3 Labs in Vietnam. <laughs> Why? What are they doing over there? Well, let's find out. Look at this. They're working on tuberculosis, influenza, rabies, all sorts of dangerous things. Bat coronaviruses. What? <coughs> oh, what's this? Vietnam, BSO3, HHS with the Welcome Trust. Wait a minute. You mean the Welcome Trust that's been involved with COVID-19 from the very beginning? Are you telling me they were working on bat coronaviruses in Vietnam, BSL-3 labs back in 2019? This isn't even secret, guys. This isn't even secret information. It's everywhere. And they'll admit, they'll tell you, yeah, we're working on bat stuff because we're trying to keep you safe. Here's the point, though. Is it not possible that's exactly what ended? Yes, of course it is. That could have been the impetus for all of this. Or it could have been used and blamed on Wuhan. It could have been outsourced and brought somewhere else. It could have been a thousand things. But the fact that we know they are the ones saying we shouldn't keep doing this because this is dangerous. And then you jump forward three years or that's weird. Wait, was it 2014? Oh, excuse me. So five years to Wait, I'm mixing up my date. This was 2019, right? <laughs> I'm getting confused. Yeah, okay, okay, that's right. Okay, so in 2019, you jump forward and you realize that they're literally working on exactly what we then say happened. I mean, I just find that almost too ridiculous to, to it's, it's ridiculous. With welcome trust of all people that then worked with like MasterCard and about the digital IDs and, and HHS of all places, Health and Human Services with Robert Cadleck and Operation Warp Speed and everything. It's just too easy to see. And that's all they list, though, because all it does, all it says up here is list of labs identified, which we don't even, that means I guarantee there's so many more that they didn't want you to see. And today, this whole list is probably fake news. But that's where we are. So we're going to outsource them, but then we just make them dangerous elsewhere. Now, I mean, a couple quick points about these, the NIAID biodefense research agenda for the CDC. Where are we at? We're almost, we're over three hours. Good God. Doom's happy right now. We're going to get our long show today. Maybe I'll just stay on all night. Category eight agents. So here's the report from 2003. First part it says, now just so we're clear again, so this is discussing biodefense, which is, you know, as we now know, it's weapons, right? You're making weapons to then make something to pretend you're defending against. Even if they believe they're making something to defend against that, you're still making a weapon first. Anybody, even their own people say that, if they're honest about it. Here's what it says in this research back in 2003. NIAID has established a cooperative program with U.S. AMRID. Like, let's not forget what we just pointed out, how there was multiple examples of U.S. aid and U.S. AMRID working together, or NIH. There's an alarming combination there. 
to conduct mutually agreed upon research projects related to biodefense. Ongoing projects under this agreement include the development of vaccines for viral hemorrhagic fevers using Ebola viruses as a model and an evaluation of the efficacy of antibiotic treatments in the model of pneumonic plague in African green monkeys. So just for the testing of monkeys is something we always need to consider whether that led to something and an evaluation of MBA vaccine protection in a monkeypox challenge model. Interesting. An evaluation of a recumbent plague vaccine candidate in a non-human primate parental challenge model is planned. NIAID and CDC, along with other HHS agencies, participate regularly in several working groups on this topic. NIAID is participating in the FBI-sponsored, that's pretty strange, scientific working group on microbial genetics and forensics. Because we know the FBI's focal point of faking things or making things to then be a part of. I mean, that's an interesting point. NIAID and the Department of Defense, again, Department of Defense? Regardless of whether they call themselves Department of Defense, that was previously called the Department of War. That's what they are. They're a war-focused entity about weapons. So we're literally going to talk about NIAID in, a, in the production of things in regard to monkeypox and working with the DOD. And now we're, and remember, we just went over the, their work all the way up until 2012 aerosolizing this thing. Now it says, are collaborating, DOD, NIAID, in development of overseas field sites for the testing of new therapeutic vaccines and diagnoses against category A to C priority pathogens in endemic areas. So they're setting, already setting up field sites, whatever that means, in other places around the world. <clears throat> Going forward, it says, U.S. AMRIT and CDC researchers have developed two models for studying smallpox in the very type of monkeys we already discussed. After infection with monkeypox virus, these animals die of a disease that is very similar to human smallpox. Hmm. Seems interestingly relevant. NIAID is working with U.S. AMRAID and the CDC to develop a real-time PCR assay to detect and distinguish between smallpox and other orthopox viruses. Look at that. It's almost like the very thing they were trying to use back then became the reason they use it today. So they're making something that they could use the PCR for or for any version of these different pox viruses. Isn't that interesting, the overlap there from 2003 right to now, even though we weren't even talking about PCR until way later? The monkeypox virus sequence is of particular significance because monkeypox is known to infect humans and cause disease that appears to be mild form of smallpox. A mild form of smallpox. Right, but now we're concerned, right? DIR scientists have cloned the entire vaccine of virus genome, which is cowpox, again, could be the same thing, in a bacterial artificial chromosome. Sounds real safe. Enabling the modification or deletion of vaccine genes or the addition of foreign DNA via methods developed for bacterial systems. Gain function, I would argue. This advance will promote the development of genetically engineered and recombinant vaccine of viruses for use as vaccines and vectors. Now, vectors can mean a lot of things, but let's be clear. If you're doing this and making these more dangerous, you're making weapons that could be at the very least used as weapons. Now, by the way, that's where the word vaccine even comes from. We're talking about cowpox. But why is this not the example of something they're using and engineering, genetically manipulating that then got dangerous or out of hand or maybe got released all the way back then and people weren't being affected by it? And then suddenly they gave them an injection that decreased their immune system to such a degree that suddenly they were susceptible to this or they got immunodeficiency, and suddenly they were susceptible to something that they weren't before. Like, there's probably a lot of things out there that we don't know are circulating because of their experimentation that we're just immune to. 
certainly something we should consider. <clears throat> now, somebody, look, I'm going to see real quick if the the YouTube channel's off. It looks like it's on. Somebody's saying it was over. No, no it's, it's still live. <clears throat> now, going forward, down here it says, NIH-supported scientists have shown that one of the first steps in the formation of new orthopox virons in infected cells is insertion of the viral protein A14 into cellular membranes. So even back then, the point of their manipulation of their protein, this, they, they are playing God with a lot of this stuff. In collaboration with US Amrate and FDA, NIA is supporting the testing of licensed antibiotics for efficacy against pneumonic plague. Five currently licensed drugs are being tested for efficacy in African green monkeys exposed to aerosolized Y pestis. Well, if you don't know what that is, that's the bubonic plague. It's a it's a facilitative uh, anti uh, anti or what is that? It's uh, aerobot aerobic or anti what? That's weird. I thought I looked at that earlier. Let's see. Shoot, hold on. Let me do this. <clears throat> so I can highlight it. Oh, maybe I can't. Ah, I'll come. Well, oh well. It doesn't matter. I, I was gonna look it up real quick, like I usually do, but it's because it's in the in the link. But it says a facilitative or organism that can infect humans. It says it causes the disease plague, which caused the first plague pandemic and the Black Death, the deadliest pandemic in recorded history. Yeah, no big deal. <laughs> they're just they're just infecting monkeys with this very dangerous thing just to see what happens. You know, the same African green monkeys they were transporting to over places that then got out. That's not even a joke, by the way, but whatever. <laughs> no big deal there. Let's let them keep doing this. Researchers have also made strides in understanding how these viruses, 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 pathogenic potential can be altered either to decrease or increase virulence. Yeah, that's called gain of function. Introducing the murine IL-4 gene into mousepox increased the virus's pathogenicity to the extent that standard vaccines were no longer productive, protective. So look, think about how dumb that is. So they have a vaccine they say works. So you, you make it more dangerous so it doesn't work anymore? How do you even pretend that's about defense? That's a weapon, undeniably. Now, this is the next one, by the way. Oh, I forgot to keep one of them to show you the, the main page here. Here's the front page. Now, this one's 2006. Thank you again to send me both of these. I forget. I forgot to include the person, but I appreciate that. Let me do this real quick. Oh, I guess it doesn't matter. I, I forgot I moved those over. So, going into the next one. Only two points I want to show you. And there's a lot more to be seen in these long documents, but these are just the points that stood out to me. After two deck doses of MVA, which there's these are different variations of these different kind of injections specifically for pox. But after two doses of MBA or one MBA dose followed by Drivex, both these pox injections, the immune response was equivalent or higher than that induced by Drivex alone. After challenge with monkeypox virus, which they're still doing this weird challenge, uh, it says uh, unimmunized animals developed greater than 500 pustular skin lesions and became gravely ill or died whereas vaccinated animals were healthy and asymptomatic. Now, I'm not trying to argue this meat shows you the vaccines are working, whatever you want to think about it. First of all, it should make you sick that they're doing this to monkeys and killing them over and over and over and over and over. Makes me sick. But how about we also realize that they just said something that challenges the way they frame these words today. This is 2006. <clears throat> and what they just said was, well, the people that didn't get it were sick, whereas the vaccinated were healthy and asymptomatic. Well, wait a minute. I thought asymptomatic was the boogeyman today. 
oh no, you might be asymptomatic. You know why that's stupid? Because just like Fauci said before we got here, asymptomatic people don't spread respiratory viruses, right? So the point is what they're saying there is like, well, they're healthy, asymptomatic, we're all good. But today, oh no, that means the opposite because they change definitions. They change realities of words because they want you to think something that's not there is extra dangerous. That's where we are today. But it goes on to say, NIAID is supporting development of a non-human primate model for testing smallpox vaccines. The primary focus is to determine monkeypox optimal doses and to fully characterize monkeypox pathogenesis using four challenge uh, routes, intravenous, uh, I forget what this one is actually, intratracheal, oh, I think it's the, in, in the neck, I think, the throat maybe, intranasal, and aerosol. So the point is, guys, first of all, to recognize that they're testing all sorts of really alarming, dangerous things, but that all the way back in 2006, what's this big focus on monkeypox? Why is monkeypox a focus all the way back in 2003? Why are they freaking out about making specific vaccines for extra dangerous versions of this back before it was ever a thing? Why did we think it would become a thing? And why now is it becoming a thing, or at least a conversation? None of that adds up. It seems like a very coordinated thing to me. But as always, think for yourselves. There's plenty of evidence out there for you to think for yourselves. Here's another example, though. As the real Andy Lee Show points out, the government of Canada tendered a contract for PHAC to acquire 500,000 doses of smallpox vaccine on April 21st. By the way, so too did the United States. Not the same amount. I forget what the amount was. But Biden's administration tried to establish a sale of smallpox vaccines before this started. Now, of course, you can argue that they've been saying smallpox is going to be a thing. Bill Gates, oh, of course, that's going to be a thing. But then why did they only grab this like right before it actually started? It's pretty weird, isn't it? Doesn't mean it proves anything, but it's something you should recognize. Same thing happened in Canada. April 21st, right? Like a couple of weeks, three weeks before this actually started. Well, technically, I'm even seeing reports of a, the first thing being all the way back on uh, May 4th. Regardless, a, cup, we, a week to a couple weeks before, we were told monkeypox was circulating. They decided to order a bunch of smallpox vaccines, which, by the way, aren't even effective against monkeypox, which, again, is exactly what the CDC says. Currently, there is no proven safe treatment for monkeypox. I don't care what they keep saying about how it's sort of effective and it works, so you should take it anyway. The bottom line is they don't say it's proven and safe, so why in the world would you take it? It's the same thing as COVID-19. It's not safe, or or, I should make it clear, they don't know if it's safe for pregnant women, immunocompromised, elderly people, and pretty much everybody. They say that on their own documentation. So back to this point, if they're right now, as their most current documentation on the CDC website says, currently there is no proven safe treatment for monkeypox. That's what it says. And yet they're ordering these doses for smallpox or, but specifically now discussing it in the context of monkeypox. That's what it says right there. How do you not, I mean, again, it, it makes your brain hurt. So they're literally suggesting you take something they don't know is safe? Wow, that shouldn't be shocking to anybody that's been paying attention. It's exactly what they've been doing the whole time. The WHO reported on May 21st that since May 13th, cases of monkeypox have been reported from 12 member states. And yet they got this before it started. What a coincidence. There is no proven safe treatment. Okay, don't forget that. We don't know, and they're going to push it anyway, and they already sort of been suggesting it. People are already out there desperately asking their Walgreens, do you have monkeypox vaccine? Because they're following the narrative, towing the line. But why don't we ask, if they did get that smallpox injection, what that might do? 
First of all, there's plenty of side effects and dangerous things that we saw from previous administrations of this dangerous injection. But we're not going to get into that today. The point here is about the one thing that this does could potentially lead to and why that's so utterly ridiculous, especially when they still say we don't even know if it's going to work for you. So it's a thing they don't even know is safe or effective. Hear both of those. They don't know. And they're going to give it to you anyway. And then it could potentially cause the one thing that they then say differentiates this from everything else. I'm not even making that up. Okay, this is reaction after smallpox vaccination, 2006. The one main thing, the range of expected reactions occurring after smallpox vaccination can include a lot of things. One of them, lymphadenopathy. <laughs> How stupid is that? It, which, by the way, again, just so we know, is the, the glands of the lymph nodes in your armpits or, or your neck uh, swelling. Right? So that happens with a lot of stuff, by the way. But nonetheless, the point is they say, well, if you've got lymphadenopathy, you probably have monkeypox. That's the narrative that's been spinning right now. Even though the very injection they want to give you for that causes the thing that they say could be the indication that you have it. So you, they say, you might have monkeypox, take the smallpox vaccine. You take the smallpox vaccine, you get the thing. They say, well, you might be still have it. Take another injection. <laughs> I mean, who knows how that's going to go, but that's really stupid. Well, it's no more different than the ridiculous COVID injections, but here we are again. And just so you can see, swell refers to the swelling of the lymph nodes. Okay. Then, by the way, so just so we're establishing that the very injection they're giving you for the thing they say you might have causes the thing they'll point at to say you might have it. How will we recognize the ones we've already shown you? This one I've already shown you. There's another one I haven't. But that the COVID injection also could lead to something that could be misconstrued as monkeypox. I said could, but they're still going to censor me because... They don't care about the nuance and how it very clearly could be misconstrued. <laughs> Here is 2021 November. Bellis, Femigoid, and COVID-19 vaccines. And we just talked about this. Bellis, Femigoid is an autoimmune skin disease characterized by the appearance of tense blisters. That sure sounds familiar. Damn near even looks like something we just talked about, right? So it's pretty. this is different. It's not the same thing. But how about we want to know if we were in the middle of a COVID-19 level fervor around monkeypox? Like, let's say we got to that same level. You know they would say, well, it's probably monkeypox. Go and take your smell box like, just in case. That's what they did before. Why wouldn't they do it now? It's not about science. It's about fear-mongering and hypotheticals. That's what we know and we've seen. And by the way, thank you to this person for... Oh, no, I'm sorry. Oh, you know what? I, I forgot. I think I actually closed... Thank you to the person who shared that with me. I, sh I shouted him out last time. I, I think I lost it here. But there's the next point. Same point, different discussion or different example of, the, of a problem. This is illusion buster. Smallpox, skin lesions due to the injection. Always rare till it isn't. Now, it's not actually smallpox, but it's to uh, toxic epidural necrolosis post-COVID-19 vaccination. But look what it looks like. Right? You could see how this too could be misconstrued. It looks different. I'm just being I'm just being real that there's a lot of examples of things that look a hell of a lot like a pox. Now it says, and this is specifically vaccination, Stevens Johnson syndrome, toxic epidural necrosis is a spectrum of acute delayed type of hypersensitivity reactions that affect the skin and mucous membranes. So there's a lot of this. Now, my point should is not that we know this is what's happening, but isn't it not possible that these are the things we're seeing and they're just calling it monkeypox? And then they test it with a PCR test, which we know gives false positives, and boom, you got you got a fake illusion, or rather, you have an illusion of monkeypox. And then, of course, again, what I said before, 
On top of all of that, we know that the injection they're giving for COVID-19 can literally lead to immune deficiency, which then creates a situation where you're wildly more susceptible to monkeypox. I mean, it's like any other situation we keep seeing, whether it's accidental, whether there's clumsy, malfeasant maniacs that are doing whatever they do, don't care what happens, or they're doing it on purpose. It's creating a perfect storm for exactly what we're looking at. It's sort of like the baffling brain disease that's obviously perfectly correlated with exactly the injections they were given and that the peer-reviewed science says it can cause exactly those things. And they go, we're baffled. <laughs> Where is this brain disease coming from? It's like maybe the LAS or ALS and Alzheimer's that we know the injections can cause because peer-reviewed science have found that are being caused. Nope. Fake news. Can't look at that. La, la, la. Same thing. It's quite obvious this is possible. Then we can acknowledge that their same revisionist history they've always had is what they're doing again. Now, I'm going to go through this reasonably quick because it's a, it's a minor point because they always update these things. I mean, they update them every damn second that they can. They, the, the point is, and you can zoom in on this, they've deleted and added things that are very conspicuous. Here's the older one. This is the Wayback Machine, November 2021. Now, I'm going to go through more, just the important points, then I'm going to highlight the difference points on the next one. Now, this is, again, the reality. Monkeypox is a rare disease. The risk of catching monkeypox is a, in the UK is very low. This is the NIH, of course. Or, excuse me, NHS, of course, in the UK. It's usually a mild illness that will get better on its own without treatment. Like, that's the main point that I don't think they want you to see. There have only been a very small number of cases of monkeypox in the UK. When there is a case, health professionals will aim to contact anyone who's been close contact with infected people. You are extremely unlikely to catch monkeypox. Swollen glands. Again, that's the lymphadenopathy. So if you take an injection that causes that, they'll be like, oh, you got monkeypox. A rash usually begins one to five days after the first symptoms appear. Monkeypox does not spread easily between people. It's difficult to know <clears throat> if the infection is monkeypox, as it can often be confused with other infections such as chickenpox or cowpox or mousepox or smallpox or any other ones, because that's the truth. They don't want you to know that, though, because it might just be the same thing. But here's the new one. Here's the difference. It's thought to be spread by rodents like rats and mice and squirrels. Really? Now, I know that's possible, but why is that the weird focus today? Maybe because they want to take away the focus on the monkeys, which, by the way, are obviously part of this. Not that it's only monkeys, but the interesting part of this is that they're the ones testing this on monkeys and macaques and different things and then transferring them. And, and weird that they want, it's just very strange to me. Also, because in this one, they don't even mention that. They don't seem to care about, I mean, they do say uh, animals here, hold on. Oh, I guess not in this one. Where was, there was a point here about, it. anyway, it's interesting they just don't focus on that. So why now do they add that? What's different today? This was very recently added. Why is it now rodents and rats? Maybe because of, I, I don't know, I, you could guess all day. It just seems like an interesting addition, doesn't it? Now it says, if you get infected with monkeypox, it usually takes between five and 21 days for the first symptoms to appear. Didn't it just say one to five? Now it does say down here that they want, now it just it adds this. So that's what it said before. One to five days for the first symptoms, a rash, right? But it's interesting that they need to add this number. This wasn't there before. 
So suddenly they say, well, if you get it, it usually takes five to 21 days for that first symptom to appear. So why do they give you that 21 day window? Why is that 21, 14 to 21 day window continue to appear? Probably to align with their quarantine schedule, with the vaccine schedule and everything else, because that was just shoehorned in now. It's very, very conspicuous. Then it says down here, contact your GP or call 111 if you've been in close contact with someone who's got monkeypox. That isn't, it doesn't say that anywhere else. Everywhere else, it basically says you're not in danger. It's not very serious. You'll probably be fine. If you are, we're going to contact you. Now they're flipping it on its ear and they're going, if you think anything, call us now. It's just like COVID-19, <clears throat> which might just be the setting the tone for the next thing. I think they want you to essentially just be like anything. You have the sniffles, you run out and you get tested, you get a vaccine, you call everybody. It becomes a possible case. It inflates the illusion of what's happening. Why would you rush out and freak out because you, you've been in close contact with somebody? We're not talking about the plague here, guys. This is yet another thing that they told you was not very dangerous. And yet you're going to rush in and be like, I went next to somebody who maybe had something we're not even testing for yet. This is creating the fear-mongering about whether or not you're worried about contacting people, going to your parties. It's the same thing, guys. Treatment for monkeypox aims to relieve symptoms. The illness is usually mild. Isn't it weird that now we're not talking about, it's just relieving symptoms? Whatever happened to curing things? Whatever happened to, you know, vaccines that stop you from getting sick? Like they lied to you in the first place. No, it stops transmission. Nope, apparently that never existed again, ever again. <laughs> it's only about reducing your symptoms. Well, why in the world are we even playing this game? Because does not mean you can still spread it. The illness is usually mild. Well, it still squeaks that in way at the bottom. Shouldn't that be the main thing? Don't worry, you're not in danger. Nah, we'll put that at the bottom. <clears throat> As monkeypox can spread, if there is close contact, you will need to be isolated if you're diagnosed with it. Well, that's not what they said before. Like a week before this started, that's not what it said. It was not said, they were simply saying you're not in danger. But now suddenly you have to be isolated. Why is something different? Did it mutate? Who knows what their narrative is going to be if they choose to push this forward? But the bottom line is they're setting the table already. Why would you isolate yourself if you're diagnosed with something that doesn't spread very easily, that's not very dangerous to you? You know, so you mean, on and on and on. This is just the same narrative. You may need to stay in specialist hospitals so your symptoms can be treated with prevent. Why is that? I mean, everything about this, what we've known before and what they've said before, right before this started, was very different. <clears throat> suddenly it all shifts because they say so. Now, an interesting point before we finish off with the World Economic Forum is the sequencing. This is exactly like what happened with COVID-19. And why is it happening now? May 23rd, first monkeypox virus genome sequence from patient of current outbreak. Okay, well, doesn't that... So that's because it's not the same thing. There's no reason they would do that if they thought it was the same thing they've already claimed to have sequenced, right? But no, we know it's not the same thing. And how much you want to bet that what they just did is dramatically different than what they say they were dealing with before. And they're not going to show you that. Probably because just like I keep telling you in regard to the original thing, that if they did isolate, it's because they, they don't want to show you because it reveals that it's not natural. That'd be an obvious example of why they wouldn't show you. Now, I don't know whether that's the case. It's very possible that they didn't do it for many reasons. Or they didn't do it because it's not even there. It's real possible. But here we are again. The first draft genome, genome sequence of monkeypox virus was a swab of a confirmed case of a current outbreak. was released last week. On May 19th, the research group uh, of the National Institute of Health in Lisbon, Portugal, posted a sequence online. Just like we saw in the beginning of COVID. And the race began. 
There are currently almost 200 cases of monkeypox associated with the recent outbreak across the world, confirmed and suspected. So we don't know what's going on. I mean, this could be complete PCR nonsense, or it could be nothing even remotely. I mean, there's so much up in the air. The first draft sequence of SARS-CoV-2 was made available in a similar fashion on January 10th, as we've talked about. The virus taken from the swab collected on May 4th, this is where I saw the May 4th, from skin lesions from patient was sequenced using Oxford nanopore minion. Now, because the assumption was that it is smallpox, or excuse me, monkeypox, doesn't that lead to the conclusion that it probably is, even though it's different? I mean, isn't it possible we're dealing with something entirely different or something that's not even a virus or something that they've manufactured? Like, it's just so crazy that we jam this into what we already, that's called confirmation bias at the very least. The phylogenetic analysis also suggests the virus circulating in the outbreak is most closely related to the viruses associated with the exportation of monkeypox virus from Nigeria to several countries. Guess what? United Kingdom, Israel, Singapore in 2018-19. Let me say that again. So as they sequence this, if that's what they're saying is happening, it's related most closely to specifically monkeypox viruses that were exported from Nigeria to Israel, Singapore, and the UK. Israel seems to be a standout in there, doesn't it? Openly working with their... I mean, this is a very big deal. We know that they have a barely secret biosecurity program, or rather a biowarfare program. The U.S. government does too. So if we're... And so does the U.K., by the way. And we know... We just looked at Singapore labs, BSL, and so on. So we're literally admitting that what we're talking about now is closely associated with pox that were exported from Nigeria to these three countries. Shouldn't that be the focal point? This could have been something they did, released accidentally. Nope. Right now they're going, fake news, right? It didn't come from a lab. You could spare as theorists. Everywhere. I find that very telling. I'm sure this will be brought up again, and this will be dismissed, fake news. But this is a very interesting kind of admission early on in this. Closely related, though, by the way, does not mean for sure. But just so we're clear, if anything is tied to anything right now, that ties back to a UK, Israel, and Singapore samples that they took from Nigeria. That seems huge. Why are you not hearing that on the corporate media? I think you know why. But here's where this seems to be going and why I think that this, based on a lot of weird discussions around this and pushback from groups like the WHO, this could just be the way to quiet it down while it begins more seriously. But we also consider that maybe this was just a dry run. WHO now says no urgent need for mass monkeypox vaccinations. But they did also kind of float similar things for COVID in the beginning. But I'm just pointing this out that it seems like this might not be the, the next thing just yet. Not even saying we necessarily know there will be a next thing, but the point is they keep saying that. So it's important that we ask these questions. We also have, so the point is, as they're saying no urgent need for this, here's what we're getting from the U.S. and the U.K., UK Health Security Agency says it's detected 36 more cases of monkeypox. That was three days ago. Here's the US confirms nine monkeypox cases in seven states. Like they're still really pushing this. Warning signs ahead of monkeypox outbreak went unheeded, experts say, according to Stat News, May 26. That's today. Monkeypox appears to have exploded out of nowhere in the past two weeks, spreading across Europe and Americas and other regions, but warning signs appear to have gone unheeded. So you see, these are still out there. So even as WHO is going, no, we don't need to get vaccines just yet, they're still really pushing this in as if we've already missed the mark. Like, we're all, this is the beginning of COVID all over again because we didn't heed the experts. We'll see what happens. I desperately hope we don't fall back into this narrative because it's alarming. 
But here is National Geographic. Monkeypox cases are rising. Here's what we know so far. It's just, they're pushing this in, guys. Now, to finish this off with a couple quick points. I don't want to go over four, I don't think. But <laughs> had to get a lot in here, guys. It's nice to be on here with you again today. I missed you all. Bernie's tweets. Now, you guys have heard this guy talk. Harari. We've played many of his discussions. But this guy, he just can't miss where this is going. Now, this is just a quick jump into the World Economic Forum future, WHO future, what we're talking about. All that other stuff leads right into this, whether you think so or not. Now, Bernie's tweets writes, World Economic Forum, they call this man the prophet. All the miracle of life and love reduced to a technological nightmare. Quote, science is replacing evolution by natural selection with evolution by intelligent design. They believe they are indeed gods. That's her point. I would agree with that to a large, a large point, to a large degree. Here is the this is an, this is the point, guys. This is what they believe, and they're not even hiding this. And if you say this without showing the video, you're called a conspiracy theorist. Are probably one of the last generations of Homo sapiens, because in the coming generations we will learn how to engineer bodies and brains and minds. Now, how exactly? will the future masters of the planet look like? This will be the... Future masters of the planet? I mean, even the way they discuss these things, how dare you, how pompous and what hubris you have, masters of the planet. Like, as if right now they're masters of the planet and these are the future masters of the planet. Don't miss that. They believe that. Guided by the pieces of the planet look like... Now, how exactly... Will the future masters of the planet look like? This will be decided by the people who own the data. Exactly. Probably why Elon Musk is desperate to jump into Twitter, right? The data is king today. As Corbett framed a long time ago, data is the new oil. And the people that own the data will own everything. That's why, they're, that's why it doesn't even matter. It's not about sales and advertising. It's the data is all, everything for so many more reasons than we can even fathom right now. And they just got to, if, if you just listen to them, they're telling you what's happening. Science is replacing evolution by natural selection with evolution by intelligent design. Not the intelligent design of some god above the clouds, but our intelligent design and the intelligent design of our clouds, the IBM cloud, the Microsoft cloud, these are the new driving forces of evolution. And at the same time, science may enable life after being confined to, for four billion years to the limited realm of organic compounds, science may enab enable life to break out into the inorganic realm. The IBM cloud, the Microsoft cloud, these are the new driving forces of evolution. Do you agree with that? Is that your choice? Right? I mean, these, we don't vote for these people. Why do they get to decide the future of the human race? Like, this is why this is so incredibly alarming to people like us that are aware of what they're saying. It's not even a secret. They're openly talking about the very, very recent, the very not so distant, the very how do, you, how do you say that? The very close future, the not so distant future. They're openly talking about things that are wildly alarming, like rapid and crazy changes. 
that we are not okay with, that are going to change for everybody, whether or not you decide that. And these people are not elected. They're not discussed. They're not, they're not, they don't even speak to, they're speaking to a select group of elitist individuals that are choosing to make this the future for their own benefit. And even if it is for your benefit, shouldn't we have a choice? Because guys, that's not being given. I don't care what the maniacs on corporate media say or the few people that follow them believe. It's obvious that this is something that's happening. It's just time to stand up and be honest about it and do something about it. And here's a great point, <clears throat> by the way, that was made by Benny Johnson, but was made a long time before that by Johnny Vedmore. Klaus Schwab was born in Ravensburg, Germany in 1938. His father was a hardened Nazi party member absolutely true, who served the Third Reich war effort as a director of Eicher Weiss AG, an industrial company that manufactured flamethrowers to kill Allied soldiers and burn down villages. Like, let's not miss the absurdity of having a leader of the World Economic Forum who just had an, a leader of a neo-Nazi military who's, who's trying to blame that on everybody else on the stage, a World Economic Forum, to discuss how we're all fighting for freedom when that guy is openly leading neo-Nazi elements. In fact, Nazi elements. In fact, the guy who is pointing at it is a somebody himself who ties directly back to a, a Nazi party member. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. That's pretty ridiculous. But my point is, this to make sure we're clear, as Johnny Vember points out, yes, he made this point a long time ago in a really great article, by the way. Family, Schwab family values. The real Read it for yourself. It's all sourced. It's very clear. Now, just because there's ties like that doesn't make him that. But it should be interestingly relevant seeing as how they're, what they're building seems to be basically the same thing. Not necessarily ideologically, like politically, ideologically, but the bottom line is they're building a fascist technocratic system that they have control over. It's a eugenics-based system. It is a system based on haves and have-nots. And the idea is that they're building something that you'll all be happy with, but that's really not what they're doing. Now, you make up your own mind about it. The bottom line is that's not something that we vote for. If they're building a future that's supposed to be designed for your benefit, why don't you have an input? Why don't you have a say on that? You damn well should. Now, finally, how Davos became a target for conspiracy theorists and anarchists. <laughs> that's strange. They love jamming anarchists. They're so scared of an ideology that has no place for their nonsense. People think anarchy means chaos. You're wrong if you think that. Anarchy means no rulers, not no rules. In fact, it's very much the opposite. It's far more, in fact, in my opinion, but decided by you. They hate that because it's the only ideology that has no place for leaders. Or, excuse me, for, for political rulers. There's all sorts of leaders, but here's the difference. And this is actually, I'm glad I said that. <clears throat> excuse me. A very important point to make here. There's a huge difference between a leader and a ruler. You don't need to be in charge to be a leader. A leader is somebody who just simply leads people, whether they're the president or the press secretary or somebody yelling at them that they're murderers. <laughs> the point is that people who lead others because they know it's the right thing to do, or rather, more importantly, people that follow what you're doing, whether or not you call for them to follow because they believe in you, that's a leader. Someone who doesn't need to look back, who knows people are following because you're, people believe in you. Just You don't need to have a position of power to be a leader, but see, they frame that just because you're in power, therefore you're a leader. In fact, that's the exact opposite. There are endless, I mean, probably all the people I point at today that are, that are powerful in positions of authority that are not leaders, that actively put their own interest above that of the collective, which means they're the opposite of leaders. They're cowards. The point is that anarchists believe in a system where 
natural leaders evolve, not people who are elected people that are. And by the way, that you have to listen to them. They're leaders by example. Now, people can't even fathom how that society can function. Today, it's probably damn near impossible because of how brainwashed people are to believe in the kind of broken reality we live in. But nonetheless, the point was they want to jam in this to make anarchists seem like the crazy maniacs of the world, when in reality, they're just people that don't believe we should be ruled by others. Doesn't mean no rules. It, in fact, means the opposite of chaos, but whatever. But here's the point, though. How Davos became a target for these kind of things. Now, what's interesting about it is Davos doesn't need to become a target of these things. They're the ones collecting in secret to discuss your future. That's literally what we always talk about. That's not even what they're unabashedly doing that. They just pretend like, no, they doesn't have effects on policy. We just like to talk about things and influence. Well, even powerful people discussing things then influences what they then do. How do it's a childish sidestep. Obviously, these people influence direction. So if they're collecting to discuss things that you don't have an input on, that's exactly what we're calling it. That's what this is. They are conspiring for the future. And you can pretend that word conspire means something fake, but let's remember that the word conspire isn't a Christmas song. We conspire by the fire, right? It doesn't have to be what you want to pretend it means. There's also the word conspiracy, which is a legal term. People can charge a conspiracy in this country all the time because it's a real thing. But then the moment you pretend that powerful people do it for their own benefit, you're a crazy madman. Doesn't that seem a little self-serving to the people that, like, the reason they make anarchists seem crazy? Because it all works in their benefit, doesn't it? But the point is, guys, that's what they're trying to hide by saying conspiracy theory. That's what it was made for, in fact. But they need, apparently, paramilitary snipers on the roofs in Davos because, you know, conspiracy theorists. Or how about they recognize that they are the antithesis to the human species? How about they realize that they're the antithesis to anything democratic or representative government, or they represent the world ruling faction that we don't want. And so they're desperately afraid of what people might do because of that. That's what you're looking at. Now, I'm not saying that, that, that taking violent action is what we should be doing, far the opposite. But the point is, they know that what they're doing drives people to violent action because what they're doing is crazy. That's what's happening. I mean, they're not even saying there's not, if they were open threats on their lives, they would spread it everywhere. I don't even know why they wouldn't have faked it by now. But the point is, that's what they're saying because we're, they we're scared. Well, by the way, here's an interesting example. As Avi points out from Rebel News, you know who else is invited? And plenty of others, by the way, people from the New York Times. So how are they supposed to act, you know, critically engage and, 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 and dissect this if they're part of it, right? That's like the New York Times being part of the U.S. government, but then, but then actually engaging and questioning the U.S. government. It's dumb. It's childish. And they know that they are part of the insider's club and they don't care what you think. Watch what, and obviously this is sort of ambush journalism, but I still find the responses interesting. Rebecca, how are you doing from the New York Times? Can I ask you a quick question as Avi from Rebel News? How is the public meant to believe that the New York Times is here to actually ask the tough questions when you're here as an invited guest? How are people meant to rely on the mainstream media? We have, we, if you wouldn't mind, we're just having That's, a, have, if, just, if you could give us, you know, thank you. You don't want to explain to people why we should trust the mainstream media? No, of course, no comment. There we go. So that's the point here is in Davos, you have the mainstream media that are not here to report the truth. They are here as part of the event, invited guests with their white name tags. Yeah, exactly. 
And that's not new. Bilderberg was the same way. You know, they're not supposed to be there, especially the main point. Elect leaders that are elected are not supposed to do these things without your knowledge, but they do it all the time. They're just they're speaking about policy behind closed doors. This violates everything you think. The point is they just don't care what you think anymore. By the way, as Liz Churchill points out, just like Maxwell, Jeffrey Epstein were honorary members of the World Economic Forum. Let that sink in. Jocelyn's sister, Isabel, currently leads the World, the World Economic Forum Technical Division. What a coincidence. It's not like they all work together. <clears throat> oh, and don't forget, as he sits there and says, ask yourself what you've done for Ukraine today at the World Economic Forum, right? Because all we should care about is what we've done for you today, right? I mean, it's just so transparent. Everything about this is transparent. This is at the World Economic Forum. In Davos, right? This, this all coming together. Oh, and there's also another really interesting point to finish with here. Or there's one more point after this. Oh, no, I'm going to go over four hours. Whatever. Fact check. The World Economic Forum does not have a police force. Say it again. They do not have a police force. They do not have a police force. These badges are real. And they do have them on their uniforms. But repeat with me. They do not have a police force. That's fake news. You got it? It's all fake news. Fake news doesn't exist. But let me show you their police force with their badges, okay? Social media users have falsely claimed the World Economic Forum has its own police force. Other police in Davos, Switzerland were spotted wearing badges with World Economic Forum logos during the meeting. Okay, so they have them in the real, but it's fake, though. Got it? One has an orange insignia with the wording World Economic Forum Police in 2022. Not a joke, guys. I mean, this is literally what we're talking about. I had a picture, but it was fuzzy, so I didn't include it. That's not a joke. That's a real thing. Okay. They're saying it's real. They're even saying it says police on it with the World Economic Forum word. Now, I don't care if this is an honorary symbol. You are literally putting a badge on a police officer with the words World Economic Forum police and then going, well, it's just to honor the Davos. I don't care what you're doing it for. That's crazy to me. That is such a wild overstep. And you're and just, it doesn't matter what the logic is. I don't care if you're still managed by the same people and it's still Switzerland police and it's not something different. They have World Economic Forum on their badges on their police uniform. To to, to dismiss this as some kind of ridiculous theory when you're staring at it and they admit that it's there and just go, but don't trust your eyes. It's not real. It's not what you think it is. They say on May 24th, police in the the Grobundan Canton, which is the area here uh, where Davos is located, told Reuters, that the World Economic Forum police badge is an additional one redesigned every year by the region's own emergency services. So what are we talking about? Okay, the argument is they have their own police force. That's See, this is how they play these fact checks. Now, my point is not to suggest that I know for sure that's not true. Because what are we talking about? What other police force in the world would put another entity's name on their own badge and wear that as if it doesn't have some kind of meaning? Like you're just going to be like, first of all, even if it's not the police force, like, okay, first point, are we going to pretend the World Economic Forum does not have influence over what they do while they're in Davos? You know, that's what happens. That's why they're doing it. That's why they allow this. So even if it's still Switzerland police, they're there having an influence over policing. To the point to where they literally have their name on the badge. And that's fake news because it doesn't exact to mean, it doesn't mean it's World Economic Forum police that they hired and trained and brought with them. It's the same damn thing, guys. This is semantics. They are playing games with you and acting like you're a child. They are literally, and good point. What's with the Rams? 
What is that about? That's a very strange symbolism, guys. That is very strange symbolism. But nonetheless, guys, they're admitting it's real. Yes, we give them those badges, and yes, they are wearing them. You realize when this was shared on Twitter, people called it fake. They said, that's a a spoof. It's not even real. And then when they said, oh, it is real, they just jumped to the next dismissal. Oh, it is real, but, but you just said it wasn't, is the point. Quote, this serves the team's spirit for use around the meaning. The World Economic Forum organization does not have a police force. Okay, well, are they influencing what they have to do? Or is, is the leader of the, the, the administration of the World Economic Forum able to call them and, and enforce what the, hey, we got people over here, we need this there, or we need more people on this side? Yes, they are. Okay, so then they're by de facto, their police force in this experience, in this, um, geez, I can't speak, in this situation, even if when they leave, they're then back to what they're doing, wearing that badge differently. It's amazing the way that they play these stupid fact checks. Moreover, the close-up picture of the officer's sleeve shows a second badge representing the other service. Oh, of course, because they have the other badges they still wear. Therefore, that badge that is on his uniform is not really there. Badges making the World Economic Forum annual meeting in previous years can also be seen. Okay, great. So they've been doing it for a long time. I don't feel any better about that. Verdict, false. Why? Because they make it about whether they have a police force, which, by the way, is not even my claim. People weren't saying we know for sure. People were saying, do they? Right? People like, I, the, the argument is, I guess, Joe, Jack Wasobic got it. I don't even care about that part of it. But the point is that we're talking about pointing out that they have it, and we can see the badge, and simply going, well, what is this? Do they have an enforcement arm? The real question should be why that's allowed in the first place. Isn't that sacred? Isn't that like putting another another country's badge on a military uniform? It doesn't make sense, guys. I mean, yes, that just that's a bad example. But this case, we're talking about something that is sort of a breach of the the, the, the like if if Americans, let's say, you have a police force or even like a local level, the sheriff is an elected position, but then you got an entity above them that steps in and does things that make them change their actions, changes the badges they wear. Shouldn't that matter to the people that thought they had influence over that? The people that elected these people or people that, you know, this is wrong. Everything about this is wrong. And this is the slow deterioration of what we think we have as a sovereign entity. Which leads us into the main point to finish today. The WHA, the World Health Assembly, votes to strengthen health emergency preparedness and response. Who didn't see that coming? May 25th. This is exactly what you think it is. The World Health Assembly took one step forward in global efforts to create a new instrument for pandemic preparedness and response. The global body, excuse me, the global body of member states approved a report from the Working Group of Preparedness and Response to Health Emergencies on Tuesday, two days ago, that includes priorities and proposed steps forward in creating an instrument and closing other gaps in health emergency prevention, preparedness, and response. This is the step into exactly what we're talking about. Here's the documentation from April 12th, strengthening WHO preparedness for and response to health emergencies. Proposal for amendments to the international health regulations, not the treaty just yet, but the amendments to the emergency regulations. Now, here's the update from May 23rd. You can read these for yourself. It outlines exactly this information. But first, here's what I'll show you again, just to give you the breakdown of what we said before. But here's the fact check. May 25th. WHO has no authority to dictate U.S. health policy. You know why right out of the gate, this is so wildly dishonest? Well, of course they don't. Right now. Right, and they know that. 
right? Whether we're talking the amendments or whether we're talking about the treaty, that is what is on the table. A treaty with teeth, that's their words. The ability to force countries to take health action for the benefit of everybody. That's what they're talking about. This stupid Catalina is, is either too dumb to do the basic research, is well aware of that fact, but they don't, what, they're, what they're playing their game in here is saying, who has no authority to dictate U.S. health policy right now? Technically, they don't right now. That doesn't mean that their suggestions didn't still drive everything we saw during COVID-19. But they know damn well that they're pushing for that to change. And all they can do is fact check the concerns about whether that'll happen as if claiming that it's happening now. What a dishonest little spin, right? It says the WHO, pardon me one second. Just clear my throat. The WHO can make recommendations after the declaration of a global emergency, but it has no control over nation's decisions. Yeah, this is my point. Can't you just add comma, but they're discussing doing that right now? Well, of course not, because that would make you honest. Acting like it's not happening now does not discuss what they're building. And they know that, and they're trying to hide that from people too stupid to see past what their fact check says. Yet, and here's the point as always, conservatives in the U.S. falsely claim that amendments proposed by the administration existing global health regulations and a new pandemic treaty will threaten the U.S. sovereignty. Guys, that's exactly what that says. You no longer have the decision. I'll show you next. The international health regulations made up a legally binding agreement signed in 196 countries, including the United States, defining countries' rights and obligations in handling health events. Obligations in handling health events and emergencies of an international concern. I mean, even that in and of itself sounds exactly like the opposite of what they just said. That's not even the new part yet. The agreement is legally binding meaning the member states must report these events. Like you just said, it has no influence over actions, but then you go, it's legally binding and you have to do it. (laughs) It's like, these fact checks are so stupid. Quote, it has no control over national health policy and no enforcement mechanisms, he said. But several conservative media personalities are falsely claiming that these amendments they're, they're working on right now, which they just voted to push forward, submitted for discussion, will threaten U.S. sovereignty. The amendments were submitted in an effort to improve future global response in light of the weakness shown during the coronavirus pandemic. So it's almost like you pretend it's not happening, but then go, but we need it though. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, it's embarrassing the way they play this game. Anyway, read the rest of it if you, if you dare. It's ridiculous and it'll make your brain hurt. But here, oh, and that's why I included these. You can read this right here in bold. Actually, this one's in bold. This one has the changes where you can see in bold. It's very obvious. Now, instead of having to highlight this PDF like I do with all these up here, let's just go to this cheat sheet. Kit Knightley, always doing a great job. The WHO is changing their international health regulations, and it's not good. Now, the real quick point is, they're first of all, as we've already pointed out, loosening the definition of pandemic. That's an obvious manipulation by allowing their group to be declared, or rather, it's what this is, a public health emergency of international concern for the potential emergency. Right? So they don't know what's happening, but that they can declare something that causes everyone to take action based on something that they haven't proven. That's exactly what happened with COVID and something that will lead to the same thing all over again. By creating an entirely new class of public health incident, the immediate public health alert, a term which is given absolutely zero definition within the document and seems to be entirely at the whim of the WHO, meaning the just-in-case health alert, right? It doesn't matter. It still leads to you having to take action as an entity who has signed on to this. By empowering regional WHO directors to declare the public health of emergency of regional concern. 
So you get to declare something that other entities have to abide by if you're in that region. Now, the emergency committee is another way they sidestep your responsibility or your sovereignty over your own choices. The panel will be composed entirely of hand-picked members of the expert roster and would last as long as the entities in control, the director general, would say. So it's up to them completely. It says, yes, any affected states now get an auto place on the committee. So the bottom line, what this means is you could have, let's say the United States claims it's affected. And that's the point they make because it's completely undefined. Which, by the way, they claim they're affected by literally everything everywhere, right? That they're sovereign, that their national security is threatened by what they're doing way over there, which is not true. But they do, they say that, and it all applies because nobody wants to question it. So all they're going to say is that pandemic on the, over there in China is threatening us because we look at what happened with COVID. And there you go. That, what that does is it puts the U.S., because they screamed about it, on the committee, which gets to make decisions for what happens in China or Iran or Russia. You can already see how this can be abused and guaranteed will be. It says, an incredibly vague concept. It's a state party, either geographically proximate or otherwise impacted. (laughs) So that just means whatever they say it means. Incredibly vague concept, which could be applied to virtually any and every country in the world. And on a completely ad hoc basis to control the narrative. Exactly. There's good news, though. At least this unelected group of technocrats to be given emergency powers during a pandemic or potential pandemic will be nice and diverse. It's a joke because they say, and due to principles of equitable age, gender, and geographic representation, great, we're going to have trans men and women and black people, and that's going to matter when they are stealing your sovereignty, right? That's just virtue signaling. It's ridiculous. But it says equitable tyranny at best is the best. (laughs) The bottom line is the U.S. government is classic in its role to step up. And as I've said before, grab that microphone, set that narrative long before we can prove anything. And all it's going to do is give them power over what they say can happen in these other countries because of what they say affects them. That's the war on terror in another vein, guys, another perception. It's ridiculous. Undermining sovereignty. The attack on national sovereignty containing these amendments isn't just a single clause or wording change, so much as the recurring theme of the entire document. The very purpose of every single change they propose invokes weakening the individual notion, excuse me, nation, in favor of the emergency committee the international community, and of course, the WHO itself. So you no longer have that choice. It involves everybody else around you or who they say is affected. Here are the most egregious examples. Article 11.3 used to read, the WHO shall consult with the state party. Now it reads, WHO shall inform the state party. Well, weird. So now suddenly they make the choice about who's informed and what you have to think. Clearly, the obviously revamping of the language is to establish a power dynamic. In in these terms, the WHO now outranks the nation state, global governance. Article 12.5 used to begin, used to begin, if the director general following consultation with the state within whose territory the public health emergency of international concern has occurred, the new wording reads, if the director general following consultations with the emergency committee and relevant state parties. In fact, throughout the entire document, virtually every instance of the phrase, the state within whose territory the emergency has begun or occurred, is replaced with the affected state parties. That's how the U.S. and other leading entities will control what happens in other countries. As discussed above, the definition of affected states is so vague that almost any country on earth could claim to be one. The practical effect of this will be to dilute the power of an individual state to control its own health policy while simultaneously allowing the more powerful countries to barge their way into any emergency and control the narrative. Now, how about you take it one step further and they create that emergency 
so too to step in and control the narrative and control what they do or create the illusion of one. I mean, there's so many ways this could be abused. But most troubling of all, Article 9.1, which concerns third-party reports of public health emergency. This is crazy. Meaning reports not formally submitted by a government regarding its own public health, but an outside source. So basically, the U.S. government can report a pandemic in Iran. Right? They can say, we see it happening in Iran. Iran's hiding it. They can then make stuff happen in Iran from an international standpoint. Without their say-so. This is where we begin the COVID wars. I've talked about this. You can call it COVID, monkeypox, the virus wars, the pandemic wars. We're going to create a situation where you're literally creating war based on the allegation that they're not, they're going to kill us all with their pandemics, whether it's real or not. The regulation currently reads, WHO may take into account reports from sources other than notifications and shall assess the reports according to established epidemiological principles and then communicate information on the events to state party in who state the state party in whose territory the event is allegedly occurring before taking any action based on such reports who shall consult with and attempt to obtain verification from the state party in whose territory the event is allegedly occurring the new draft however if they're going to push in totally removes the bold sentence Meaning you can make allegations about another country and they don't even have to confirm it with the country itself. Under the new rules, WHO WHO can receive third-party data claiming some new disease has killed thousands of people in country X and would not have to verify that with the actual government. They just jump in there and take action based on what verifiable lying governments have stated. Conclusion, under these rules, the machinery is put in place that can create a potential pandemic out of thin air whenever they want. Welcome to the new normal, guys. Well, what a show! I'm sure Doom is very happy, but it's not five hours, but we got there. I could keep going, guys, but I'm going to leave it there today because there's never an end of what's going on, but I hope that reached some people, and I hope we will break this up and get the information out there. You know, I hope all the quasis out there grab little sections and claim they discovered it, and it gets out there to everybody, and you know how it works. But we'll keep going because we're never going to stop. Always fighting for you at all costs. Honestly, the way we conduct ourselves tends to be at the detriment to our own growth. But the bottom line is we're not here to grow. We're here to spread the truth. Our growth and success is a is a uh, uh, consequence of doing this the right way, in my opinion. User, the, the, the viewer-funded reach, the, the crowdsourcing, the putting the truth and the information ahead of the benefit of, the instru- of T-Lab and everybody else. I see that, and I think most of you do as well. We will do this for the right reasons. Just because that's the burning fire inside of me for every, every reason you could possibly imagine. I need to be better every day. Hopefully you're getting there as well. I love you all. Question everything come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.